Hey folks, welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Super Show, episode 73. Oh my goodness. Uh, this is the GWE 2026 launch party, and I'm here, um, as always, on the Pro Wrestling Super Show with the one and only great Mr. Tim Livingston. How are you doing? I'm good, Stephen. It's, it's great to talk to you again. It's been too long, and um, the topic today is uh, something that you know, we have blown up on this podcast uh, for a considerable amount of airtime. Yeah. We've probably, I would say, of the roughly 200 hours of podcasting <laughs> time that you and I have done uh, over the years. This is, we've probably spent a good quarter of it talking <laughs> something GWE related. And here we are again to talk about it because uh, we are already halfway to the next big iteration of it in 2026 it's been five years yeah that's wild. it's wild it really is yeah so but before we get into that um i just want to put up a brief uh statement at the start here because this is the start of the show uh, i'm recording a bunch of things with we have a bunch of great guests coming up later um I don't know how many exactly at this point, and I've recorded a few of them, so things are out of order. So um, this is the start, uh, of course, with Tim, because who else do you start a podcast with? Come on. Uh, but before we get into everything about GW, I just want to point out that, first of all, GW is for fun. Uh, it's not a life or death situation. Well, well. Uh, <laughs> it's not supposed to be. It is supposed to be. For fun, for everyone. Um, how you can participate, the rules of GWE, how you're going to vote in 2026, that's all coming at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. I have a, a, a nice little guest um, on to discuss that. But the whole point of the project is it's self-exploration self and sharing. Um, we had some situations in 2016 where... I legit heard from people, they voted, and it was like a shocking person they had as number one. And it was only shocking because no one brought them up as a number one candidate. And then when you ask them about it later, they had lines about, you know, oh, I didn't want to, you know, um, I was kind they of didn't afraid. Want to it, it was a yeah. nonconformist pick. Yeah, and it's like, you know what? Cool. Have your nonconformist pick. Pick Great Kelly number one. But join in on the conversation. If you want to do this whole project, you know, the whole thing on your own, watching footage, just you know, every month or so, go to one of the various places where you can participate and go. You know, over the last month. I've I've locked myself in my room and I've only watched, you know, <laughs> Akira Hokuto matches. And here's my thoughts on Akira Hokuto. And then someone says, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about yeah. that. And then you do. And that's the fun. It's not just you doing things on your own. It's the discussion that's really the most important part of GWE. And the parts I look back most fondly, Tim, I don't know about right. you. I I think that what was always interesting was that there were there were always a few lightning rods when certain wrestlers got brought up, right? And I think I think when we were talking about so what you brought up was a great point in the sense that like I think there are a lot of people who are part of this project who took it upon themselves to 
So there was a couple different ways people approached the project. The first one was the person who, like you talked about, like dove in and like for, for me during that project, it was Shinobu Kandori. And I think like a great thing that's happened since then is like the Seguna Kaida people have dug in deep on Kandori's career and have just unveiled these amazing, amazing matches of hers. And, you know, she has been talked up as one of the, like, as far as like quote unquote batting average goes, she's one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time, which is great, right? So there's the expiration part you talked about. Then there's the person who's trying to, you know, tackle everyone and anybody they can, right? No stone unturned. They look at the nomination list. It's like, I'm going to watch 10 of That's every person. That's a fool's errand. It is. And it is a fool's errand because, you know, there were almost, I think it was over 500 people got nominated, something like that. It was It was, it was a huge number of nominations. Mm-hmm. And I think there were some people who saw that as like a daunting like oh hey i I can't freaking go through all this but it's like there was people who voted who didn't vote because they're like i don't feel like i've watched enough right and and what i realized probably with about i would say a year or 18 months left in the project was exactly what you just said was that's like okay screw this like who are 150 to 200 people that i know i'm going to be considering like i'm going to watch some more of that stuff I want to, I want to like really dig into this because it's like, uh, but then what I think was interesting, and this is the third one that I was going to bring up was the championing. And, and I mean that not from the deep dive, right? So the deep dive was, was the idea of saying, Hey, you know what? This person, um, I just, I really want to take the opportunity because so many people are bringing up this person's matches. Like I really want to dive in deep on, Lol or Funk, whoever, Negro Casas, all this. But then there's the people who's like, you know what? El Satanico is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And like, hey, how do we prop someone like El Satanico up? Nick Bockwinkle, right? Like, Bockwinkle being on this level with the other greats of his time that the AWA project un- unveiled for him and really showed, like, yeah, you know what? Bockwinkle is actually in that flair lawler, you know, that, that top tier type range. And I think it's the championing part that is the most interesting part about the project. And we'll get to this later when you ask, when we talk about kind of things I'm looking forward to in 26, because, you know, that's kind of the one hall of fame style, right? That's the people who go in deep and not only do the research, but it's like they're, they're bringing things to the forefront of really trying to say it's like hey based on all these other things that people are saying make a great wrestler they're like it's like it's there for this person and they're it's not just that they want to dive in deep and and consider them for this list they're coming up with but it's like they've done projects in the past like yoshiaki fujiwara with saguna k is is probably my go-to with this right it's like the stuff they did on Fujiwara, uh, and, and I think Yuki Ishikawa is another one. Like, those guys that they're like, hey, it's like, this person is, is, is top tier stuff. And it's not just that you're doing the first part, which is diving in deep on a certain wrestler, but you are really exposing people in a way of, it's almost like inviting them in, right? And it's not so much about like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just like after you're watching this person, they'll be number one on your list. But it's more like 
you'll 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 really understand why I feel this way about this particular wrestler. And I think I like that aspect the most because I think that's what I always felt the GWE was about was that it's like that illumination, right? And it's not just diving in on yourself on someone you think would be great, but it's more like the more you read and the more discussion it goes on, it's like, okay, maybe I will give this a shot. Yeah. And I want to reiterate, like, if all you've ever watched is WWE, mm-hmm. that's cool. Make a list. Make a list. Make a list. You know what you can do? You've um, you've seen Kari Sane in WWE. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch some of her in Stardom. Mm-hmm. You know? You 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 think Andrade is pretty awesome? Eh, he he's done some CMLL. He's done some New Japan. Maybe check him out mm-hmm. inside and see yeah. what happens. Like right. Um, but if you're a person who's like, I've only watched WWE, and all I'm going to watch for the next five years is WWE current television, and not do any exploration, you know what? Maybe the project isn't for you. That's fine too. Um. Because basically, all we would like is for people to um, participate, have fun, right. explore, discuss, uh, and and see where things take you. Mm-hmm. That's that's my attitude. Like, I want everyone to get involved. I would love, you know, so many votes that it breaks my voting system. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I have to like redesign shit. Like that would be awesome. Um, that's not going to happen. Uh, but. The more the merrier. Just uh, you know, get involved. And if you um you don't know how to get involved, you know, we're, we'll talk about that later. But it's not just going to be, you know, a, a nerdy message board. There's going to be other ways. Um, because it, it's currently 2021, and mm-hmm. uh, technology's changed a lot. Um, as we'll talk about with a later guest. But there's many ways to get involved. So, um, you know, if you've only watched one thing. That's cool. That's a starting point. Um, at one point in my life, I had only watched the WWE as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I am the most far-rounded. I'm probably, you know, uh, for the next five years, um, I have uh, current project stuff I'm watching for other things. And I don't know how f- too far outside of that topic I'm going to be able to get to. Um, but that, that topic is meaty enough that it's going to take all my time so right that that's fine with me um so 2016 man so much has happened at that time and so much has happened since uh, what are you how are you feeling like right now in the year 2021 <laughs> i'm i i will say personally my my wrestling interest at least currently is down and I, I will say that it's, it has, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be upfront. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I've kind of had some other things happen in my life personally that hasn't lent itself to spending as much time watching wrestling. Um, it's more of a communal event for me, which is great. I think that, you know, you, you will talk about watch parties later in the show as, as one of those things that, um, has become, I think a lot of ways for people to be social and and still have a, a kind of this way of, of of being into whatever wrestling is, whether they're looking at classic stuff, a, a streaming show, things like that. Um, but like I I know that for me, 
I have kind of carved out this idea of what I know I like in wrestling. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that in current wrestling, it's difficult for me. And I talked with, um, with Sam on his Desert Island podcast about this a few months back is that I think one of the things that makes it difficult for me with current wrestling is that I feel like I have to really kind of dig deep to find things I know I like. And that's, that would, that's what makes it difficult is that I want to say that probably as, as recent as maybe 2016 or 2017, probably right after the GWE fervor kind of died down, you know, I was in NXT every week. I was definitely watching the big New Japan matches whenever they happened. Um, I had interest in Ring of Honor. I, I was I was still, at least at the present time, interested in what happened. And also, keeping in mind, we had just done this big project, going back and watching some classics from people I may have missed uh, within the voting period. But I think what's happened now is that with, you know, me too, and obviously what happened last summer uh, in in independent wrestling and in wrestling as a whole, right? As um, was was I think I, I think a lot of people have kind of really thought about this, and you know Simon his blog at Handwork one what is probably my favorite thing to read right now outside of the guys at Saguna Kaida, and it's it's these things that I think a lot of people are trying to grapple with in a way, but also like. Like right now, if you're feeling what happened in last summer is really affecting you and you're not really a big fan of what happened and the people who were um, who were called out in that and some people have it's hit hard a lot more than others. But then there's those people on the fringe and you're seeing Will Ospreay challenge for the IWGP title at Sakura Genesis next month. You have. Uh, Jordan Devlin gonna get a big match at WrestleMania weekend. OTT is, is stirring up again, you know? Uh, so there's these things that I think that people are trying to kind of grapple with in their wrestling fandom. And I know for me, I think it's, there's a certain style of wrestling I like that is no longer in vogue. And so it's like, it, the, the onus is on me to say, hey, then what do I really want to watch? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'll watch highlights. I will maybe watch some older matches that maybe want to, you know, rekindle my interests every now and then. I'll be maybe more social if people want to watch wrestling and watch some stuff like that. But it's, um, it's difficult now, I think, for me to really find not joy, but like as much of an interest in diving in deep as I think I once did. And I think a lot of that has to me, like, this is a topic on PWO, the forums over the last couple months is what happens now that you're getting older <laughs> as a wrestling <laughs> fan? What does that mean to you? Yeah. You know? And, um, I think we're all trying to kind of figure that out because a lot of us are very similarly aged. We all came up, um, around when internet was starting to boom and we were all in the same forums. We were all in the same old AOL and IRC chat rooms. Like, it's been a long road and now it's kind of like, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to you at this point? And I think I'm still trying to figure that out to be honest. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so later in this podcast, I'm going to have the guests on it. I'm not really going to state any opinions. I'm trying to just be a host during those parts, but I'm here with my friend, Tim. So, uh, I'm, you know, 20, 2016 really was, um, after that project and it was around that same time. Um, that like that's when i slowly started 
drifting out of all wrestling, including me- with men. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it started, uh, it, it really started with, um, Sasha, Becky. Uh, right. yeah, like, and, you know, that's when I was like, hey, um, wait, the women are better than the men. What the fuck? Um, and then, and then it's been a slow process where, like, you know, I was, oh, I see how WWE is, uh, I won't watch that. Oh, I li- like NXT. I was like, well, uh, the main events suck. I'll turn those off. And then it turned to a point where I was just watching like the women's segments and then turning the rest off. It was just like, uh, what's the point of this? And then the pandemic hit and the Me Too movement hit. And I was just like, well, men have had their fun, <laughs> but yeah. fuck them. Um, so now basically I'm just like watching stardom and well, there, there isn't too many indies, but I was really big into them before they, uh, they all closed down. Um, uh, there, there's a few. There's uh, Thunder Rosa's promotion and, and stuff like that. So there is some good stuff, but um, it, yeah. Without without the crowd, it's really hard. And I think that's part of the reason the last few months or so I, I've had a lot of people starting to to reach out to me about GWE and see what was going on. Right. And um. So I think because of some of the stuff that these companies and the people have done and the lack of crowds, um, I, I think that's part of the reason that, yeah, people are starting to get excited about maybe looking at wrestling in a different way for a little bit. Um, and which will be starting now. So, um, you can all be excited for that. Um, cause I, I know a lot of people are. So, and I'm excited. It, it's been, a while and like i know there was some things at the end of gwe with people taking certain things personally luckily a lot of them have kind of gone away right um, <laughs> so hopefully yeah. it's a little better environment and I, I i'm hoping to and i've reached out and you'll hear some from some on this podcast of just bringing different people in mm-hmm. um to discuss and having a different point of view because it can't just all be you know 40 year old white men discussing wrestling like yeah that's the last thing i want to hear yeah one of the things that i wanted to kind of bring up was was how that demographic was going to change because i mean i'm not gonna lie it's like i don't really have too many non-white non-male friends that i know who watch wrestling and and that that's a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it's like that was at least around where i live it's like there, there aren't too many other people of color of, of, of other nationalities. I, when I met maybe Latin friends who knew about Lucha Libre, and it, it wasn't really something that they were into, but it was something they were aware of. That that kind of brought things up. But um, one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to in 2026 is seeing what other voices come to the forefront because you know, and and I think if we looked at if you know Charles wanted to look at PWO and who, how many people were uh, registered there and we did a demographic check, the majority of people there would be white men over 30. I guarantee that the majority of us still are, are that. And my, and I think one thing that will be interesting as we ramp this up, it's like how do we get other voices into the discussion? And how <laughs> do, do, you, do you know how many emails I've sent to people yeah. um, with that very question? 
Um, so that is something. If you have any ideas, uh, reach out to me. Um, yeah. I've had some great ideas from some uh, uh, from various people I've, I've contacted with this. Um, uh, hopefully, you'll hear from them soon um, as things get going. I, I've I've heard some good interest from some people. So, yeah. um, but we need the voices. We need different voices. We do, and and I think that so. One of the things that I think a lot of people had kind of a bad taste in their mouth with in 2016, and you're going to talk about this when you kind of unveil what 2026 is going to look like, are the people who didn't participate really in the project. They kind of turned in their list at the end and didn't really take part in the discussions. They um, and and you know what, a lot of those lists were very they, they weren't odd, but it was like when we saw who ended up being kind of at the top of the list it was quote unquote the usual suspects and yeah. i think there's a lot of people who wanted to see gwe as a way like i talked about kind of that championing effect mm-hmm. and seeing how many of those people that were really championed were going to make an impact and they didn't really happen um there was a lot of chalk especially in the top 25 of the, the people that everybody kind of thought was going to be there at the end. and if you want to go to the top 10 it was like very close to what you would expect in regards to like maybe the smartest choice 2006 ballot. And so that, that part. So that part to me, I think is going to be crucial on that. It's not only just the new voices, but it's the new participation. And where are you going to get those other voices that um, are predominantly uh, thinking about wrestling in ways that um, are probably as far as quote unquote, our bubble goes, they have their own bubbles that they talk about. And it's like, I want those incorporated. I want those part of this, this, this project because it's like, at least as, as, and, and I want those people to also be a part of this in a way that they feel if they have to explain themselves, like we don't come at it, um, from, uh, uh, uh like a, a combative elitist contrarian type word. Mindset, right? Gatekeeping. And, gatekeeping right and it's like that's kind of the old way right that was you know as much as we love the other arena and dvd vr for a while it's like there was this element of gatekeeping there because a lot of those guys were in those initial chat rooms were in those initial boards that kind of held up these ideals and these thoughts and ideas that kind of crafted where things went it's like i told this to sam it's like does roh exist without tape training it doesn't it just doesn't like roh has as much to do with all japan in 1990s than maybe any other promotion has in the history like it has as much to do with all japan in the 1990s as pro wrestling noah does in a lot of ways (laughs) and it's like that type of mindset and that type of kind of like old style thinking, it, it has to evolve. It has to go somewhere. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where those new voices come from and how they'll be accepted and how they'll be incorporated into the next iteration of this project. And if you're listening to this or if you're you're anywhere involved with GWE, you better be fucking accepting because I'm not going to be accepting of you if you're you know turning people away with your attitude um last time gwe was um something that i helped facilitate 
Mm-hmm. And this time I'm running it. And right. I'm not going to be a big fan. Like some of, if you look back at some of the threads that people about people, oh, absolutely. Yeah. there's some wicked misogyny in this shit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking stand for that. So take that garbage. No, and, and I think, and, and I think that's the other thing that I, th- I think is going to be very interesting is that I think a lot of, I think a lot of what I am very interested to see and looking forward to seeing change, um, because, you know, I will get to kind of the wrestler centric stuff here that I'm looking forward to in a minute, but it's like, like WWE in the 2010s has been defined by women. Like if you wanted to think about what this last decade has looked like in WWE, um, some somewhat forcefully. Okay. (laughs) somewhat forcefully but it literally came down to half a dozen women that basically said you know what we're good, as good if not better than other people on this roster and then they went out and they said you know what actually they are in a lot of ways and when that happens when that tonal shift occurs then the discussion around said tonal shift has to change and that is just a byproduct of having that type of environment. And so that is definitely something I'm looking forward to is that this idea of, you know, I, I want, I, I want women to be a huge part about this because it's like what, what happened in, in, in the early part of the 2010s. Um, and you, you do your shimmer podcast, but like what this has meant to women wrestling as a whole and still how, how far they still have left to go, sadly, in a lot of ways. Well, and me, I think me that, too. You know, I I think it's going to be very interesting to see, especially given five more years. Yeah. What what that inclusion is going to look like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Great stuff. And yeah, looking back at my list in 2016, it's it's utter garbage now. When I think back at it, it's like, oh my god, I didn't I didn't put enough time into certain things. And but you know, I was new to that stuff. I I um. I, I thought I had almost too much. And then I look, I think about it now and I like look about, I look back at my list when I was talking with Sam. I was like, I should have had some of these people probably higher. Yeah. yeah um, um, I've been going through um, all the Joshi chronologically uh, from right. the 80s. I'm up to 92. Um, yeah. My, my list is so different already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never did the total deep dive. I, I wasn't really even surfaced, but like, I mean, I watched everything I could from 92 to 94 and even new stuff is being unveiled, right? From that golden yeah, age, yeah. You know, emotional stuff. And um, the amount of greatness, like, Oh yeah, no, this is dude, my number one and number two are Kira Hokuto and Bull Nakano. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I put, um, Jaguar Yokota above Hokuto on my I list. I think that. I had Yokota at, um, 17 i want to say um i want it was i think she was at the very bottom of my top tier it was it was very close i i'm i want to say she she's was up still there. okay today oh no she's great she, she matsumoto did a show i want to say a week or so ago yeah. they were wrestling as a tag team how uh, on, is on she a, still on a so good today? Show. i'm like okay great she's so. still like athletic and stuff oh, yeah like, hitting like 
like all these oh, moves, yeah. and you're like, you never oh. learn lucha styling, man. Once but, you learn lucha, but like that's... I saw like you know Dump and Kyoko Inoue and Shigusa, they're not what Jaguar is. <laughs> Jaguar is a piece of nature. She is, she is legitimately just like it's amazing what she can do. Yeah. So. And when I to clarify, when I say here Kuro Hokuto and Bull Nakano are number one and two. I don't mean for women. I mean the overall yeah. list. Like fuck. And I'm only at 92, so I assume Hokuto is gonna. Some, oh no! Some once pass. you get to 94, <laughs> it, there's probably gonna be a large gap between those two. I will say, shocking. and I think you'll see Aja Kong raise up your list quite considerably. Yeah, oh, that's it, just me. There's so many. Um, but yeah, I um, don't know. What What are you thinking now? Like, so, what are you looking forward to? What are you thinking? So here's. So I want to talk. I, I want to shift this to kind of the wrestlers. Yeah, themselves because I want to say that like we've talked a lot about the project and we've talked about kind of what's going into it but there's a few things that have been really rattling in my brain in regards to what wrestling is going to uh, kind of what we've been thinking about when in regards to wrestlers um, so I, I broke it up into a few different things but so the number one thing like I said I think is going to be women I think that given what the 2010s has done um, especially in regards to what WWE has done to put women on a larger scale. And like I said, some forcibly, but like, like it was in NXT, it was like all they needed was a platform. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, they're off and running. Um, I think that by that byproduct, where's that lead? It's like, okay, it leads to someone like, Looking at Mako Satamora, for example, oh, yeah, and looking at Asuka Kana, looking at Mercedes Martinez, yes. looking at Cheerleader Melissa, who I absolutely mm. love and who I think was one of the best things about Lucha Underground as Mariposa. Um, and so it's not just the, like I said, the the four horse women and 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 all the other great WWE women's wrestlers that have come along um, in this time to really show. And, you know, and obviously what Stardom did, like Stardom still being around and still being what it is 10 years after it, it began. They just had their is, biggest show ever. Is, is a miracle. They, yeah, they just ran the freaking Budokan. <laughs> like, um, it's that literally is it's it's a miracle in a lot of ways, because if you think about what women's wrestling was like in the 2000s, like there was no way that there would be a single women's promotion that could could run a Budokan show ever. Like it just wasn't something you thought about. And here they are, you know, doing it in 2021. So that's um, the big unknown to me. Um, Cause I've, I've been watching a little bit um, in, in the 2000 jumping ahead in my timeline right. and the talent is fucking there. It's just oh, no. the companies were garbage, but the talent is not discussed. Like who talks about the bloody right now? Yeah, so the blood, yeah, all the Gaia girls. Yeah. Stuff. So AJW in 2000 and 2001 had a few things with Maikawa and um, and that that whole um, faction with LCO. Like, there are some things there that if people go back and watch, kind of like how I did when people were bringing it up, DVD-VR was great championing this stuff too. I was like, oh shit, like, this is, this is really great stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I think that if, if you know, people kind of take that as a way to, not just recent, like with, I think stardom being what it's been, 
Um, Send that girls to an extent being what it's been. I think ice kind ribbon. of, yeah, ice ribbon kind of, because, you know, streaming technology, like we'll mm-hmm. talk about later, huge part about this opening up, you know, um, not just trading tapes and DVDs and having FTP sites that you can upload <laughs> one video at a time, all these things. But it's like, so what does this look like? It's like, how far do people want to go back to the glory days of the 80s and 90s of all Japan and the interpromotional stuff that got people through to the you know, late 90s in, in, in Japanese women's wrestling? Um, and then if they go that far, then it's like, okay, are they going to start looking at Sarah Del Rey? Are they yes, going to start looking at like these these women that were kind of like, they got their one-offs, Bufisto, like these women who were on these shows, Mickey Knuckles, like, or, you know, Amazing Kong, like, like, you know, TNA, I think, is going to be an interesting thing because they were brought up a little bit during the last G- GWE, but like I said, it's like, if the focus is going to be more on how women wrestle because of what WWE did in 2010s, and the natural progression is to go back and look at more women's wrestling throughout the years, then it's like, then that does lead them down the road towards some of the wrestling that I think has really influenced not just women's wrestling, but just wrestling in general. Um, uh, uh, Watching this stuff, in 1990, Asha Kong's pulling out package pile drivers. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, in 19... I think I saw in 1980... Jaguar Yokota had a jackhammer. Like 85, the 85 <laughs> match with Lionel Thompson. Yeah. It's like that there, is, every it's match like, there's a, a move that you think someone invented in the 2000s or like it was invented in all Japan women. And not only that, they were inventing moves that people don't even do. Oh yeah. Because like there's, they were in oh, oh my god, god. insanity uh, some of this stuff. I saw someone do uh, Kyoko anyway, who I'm falling in love with. Um, she did an airplane spin into a Finley roll. Yep. She's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's Minami Toyota in the victory star drop, which is one of the yeah. sickest moves ever. And she's only done it. I want to say twice. And by I think, think I've seen like three Ganzo bombs. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you have, yeah, the kneeling pile driver was a big thing in eighties, all Japan women's, which yeah. was huge. Um, so there's, you know, I'm, I, I think the as far as like the wrestlers themselves, women uh going to be a huge part of this because I think especially the big WWE women's factions that will be talked about, they're undeniable. I think Mako Satamura undeniable. undeniable. Yeah. I think that there's just there's gonna be women that if you're you're interested in, in kind of completing these lists, you just can't leave them out. They have to be here. They have to be a part of these lists. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to, to see. So that, that's like the number one kind of theme I had in my head with this, um, that, that I think was, is going to be huge. Um, the second thing is, does Daniel Bryan have a case for number one this time around? And I think that I, I, you know, I had him high. I, I, I'm going to look at my list really quick, um, but uh, I I want to say that I had him, I want to say 12th 
or something along. I'll, I'll find it here. I didn't have my list in front of me. I probably should have brought that up. I didn't bring mine up either because it's an embarrassment. But it's <laughs> like – one of the things – I talked about this with Sam is that I think it's difficult to find a quote-unquote standout Brian match. But like I think if you think about the completeness and the things he brings to a wrestling match, I just don't think there's anybody who matches him. Um, and it's, it's, it, he has the most compelling U.S. based, non, like, golden age wrestler number one case ever. And I think it's, I think it's pretty clear at this point that if you were to think of a U.S. based professional wrestler to come along in, say, the last 20, 25 years, that you'd be hard pressed to find somebody better than Dan. Yeah. Than Brian Danielson. So, and, and I think that that's going to be, for me at least, that that's going to be perhaps the most interesting part because I feel that uh, his, his entire run, which is now near two decades with the two and a half year injuries, three, essentially three and a half years of injuries just gone, that it's like, even what he's done post injury, what he's done to elevate people, which is his greatest strength as a as a worker, it's like there's so many things that I'm looking forward to with with what pe- people bring to the table with him because it's like like you can make a, a a case that like the shield doesn't happen without Daniel Bryan. You can make a case, obviously, the Kofi Kingston doesn't happen without him. Like all these. These great things that he's amazing. Like he gave Triple H probably his best match ever. After way, 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 way after his prime. <laughs> like, like I mean, so I'm, I am going to be fascinated with the discussion around him because we'll get later on this podcast. You're going to hear about one guy um, from one of our guests that has, I think, a lot of people talking up in a very similar vein, but I think there's a chasm between these two guys. I really do. I think it's a chasm between the two of them. And it's like, if that's the case, and there's going to be discussions about that wrestler that gets talked about later, and Brian Danielson, it's like, I'm very interested to see how those two match up. Because, like, I think he has a huge, huge, huge case for number one. And I think that that is going to be the most fascinating discussion about about it come 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 that time. So yeah, and um, it's it, it's also going to vary greatly on it, the the age old discussion of what the fuck does greatest wrestler exactly mean? Uh, is it the greatest career? Mm-hmm. Is it the greatest person at their best? Is it the person who was great the longest mm-hmm. and it, it's like how do you um like each person brings something to the table yeah. like to the discussion uh about uh like how you determine that because like to me I, and i've heard this this uh comment from a few people it's like well this person was oh, let's just say they were they were an 7.5 for 20 years right out of 10 mm-hmm. and it's like yeah but this person was a 10 for five years how right. could you put a someone who was a 7.5 above mm-hmm. 
but like they did it for you know four times the length of time mm-hmm. so how do you do that and that's right. that that's something each person is going to have to determine for themselves yeah uh but it, it's an interesting conversation as it like, is i i had brian danielson at 13 in 2016 respectable um, I had Jaguar Yokota. I was right. Jaguar Yokota was 17 on my list. Um, but like right now, um, I there's a I there's a couple people ahead of him that I think I will have to have a really tough time um, bumping. But at the same time, it's like it's it's going to be very difficult to um, to to kind of uh, to to kind of deny him being in that discussion so i i just can't wait for that it's going to be a, just a fascinating discussion and the third thing is what has the last decade of wrestling meant to to people because you know there's a lot of people talking up new japan in the 2010s like our generation heard about all japan in the 1990s yeah but that's you kind had, of kind of been moved on from too right and and now new japan is in a lull so it's like has that bloom already gone off the road very much like all japan and then they moved on to noah and then noah became the the hotness for five years so like you know even something like an aew you know and and people pwg roh the prestige indies like what has what has the, the the last decade meant in wrestling? Because it's like I, I think that with the technology boom that we'll talk about later on, when when you when you talk about how that has I think influenced a lot of ways that people consume wrestling, like just the availability of so many things, yeah. and people really maybe being able to cherry pick more and. You know, it's not as it's not as consensus. And this was something that I think Dylan Hales brought up in the 2016 project was how about like, you know, and I, I think I talked about this a little bit, too, about how the the moving away from consensus. Right. Because there were it was much more um, targeted and much more uh, or actually much less available to critique readily available. Right. People were always trading the same stuff. People were always kind of pimping the same stuff. But now it's become just a flurry of voices and a, and just a huge amount of, of, of ways to consume this. And considering that that consensus, when it does arrive, is fleeting. Like yeah. New Japan being the, the quote-unquote place – it's it's like it's not being talked about as much anymore. AEW even, you know, I think people want it to be the place because it's the new kid on the block. But people, there are people who are out on that too, and so it's like it's it's going to be fascinating to figure out what the last decade, the 2010s, has meant to wrestling fans because I think that's going to inform a lot about what happens in the compilation of the 2026 list relative to 2016, where I think there was kind of this yearning to return a little bit to the consensus. But now that we're opening it up and we want more people involved and we want different voices involved, 
I think the volatility and I think the variance is going to really infuse the results of this in a way that I think a lot of people uh, really don't know uh, or really can't even predict. I really do. I think it's going to be much more of a grab bag. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more volatility and a lot more – like a lot of people were upset that Negro Casas finished where he did on the list relative to the number of people that had him very high on their list. Yeah. And I think I think that is going to be more of the norm next time around than the opposite way, where you're going to see more. I I think the number of people you're going to see consensusly on all these lists are going to be minuscule, minuscule. If there's that's one something person, I need to you know, discuss, um, yeah. is uh, and I'm going to do this off board, and I, I won't. Uh, you know, say exactly, um, for a few months. So this won't come at the end of this podcast, but is, you know, the traditional, you know, the first place vote gets 125 and the second place vote gets 110. Right. What and is the point? Hundreds, like, how do you, yeah. This? And then, or should it be, you know, more weighted towards, you know, the, the average voter or, um, because the way it is currently is, one person could have, you know, someone number five because they've watched them and no one else has watched them. But a hundred yeah, like people had someone number 100. And then so that person that everyone's seen who they don't like is right. getting higher than someone right. who, you know, the people who have watched loved and thought they were amazing. So that's a that's a side topic for another day. Um, if you have any. uh nerdy thoughts on that hit me up on uh anywhere that i am right um but uh, i distracted you tim from your point so i let no, you know but that it. that is my big point there is that's like i think that and, and i and i'm and i'm looking forward to that because i do feel that by getting that many more voices involved you're going to be in a better situation to have the championing as opposed to the deep dives. I I want to see more people champion the people they really want to to uh to be a part of this project. I and I want them to do it in a way that is, like I said, is inviting and makes other people say, you know what? This discussion has gotten to the point where I need to just put a few matches on of this of this person. And it's like, I, I want that to happen more. Like, I want mm-hmm. someone to say who, who, um, you know, who was a big fan of the kind of that dead era in Joshi. It's like, look at Nene Takahashi and, and tell me what you think about her. Um, you know, or, you know, someone who's going through, you know, old Reslo stuff and like, it's like, look at Otto Vons. Like, like these, I, I, I want people to, to really, you know, and I think I think probably the one thing, uh, like World of Sport in the '80s, right? That was a big thing. I think that was a major part of that uh, exploratory part of of the last project because that was becoming more readily available. You can watch it. That on- was just starting, though. I, I wonder what in the next five years, yeah, what that's going to mean if it's so, just going to go away, or if, because yeah. there's been more time and more ex- exposed. Um, if they take a more stronger, 
football in this yeah. situation. And I'm and I'm interested to see if there is any other old footage out there, like you know the Segunda Caída people going through all the French catch wrestling in the late fifties and early sixties. Um, the Chicago footage that just seems to kind of come and go. Yeah. Uh, you know um, that I think a lot of people, you know, there's Texas stuff. Uh, Charles is going through Southwest stuff. Like there's all these things that like, if there's enough there, that I think certain people really diving in and it's just like, hey, you know what? Like, like this is worth a shot. This is at least worth taking maybe an hour of your time to go check out these things to see if it's even worth like worth checking out. And it's like, I am, I'm interested to see what'll happen in the coming years because it's like, I think that because of how much wrestling has been exposed in a way to, from a footage perspective, it's what, what's kind of going to be that thing that people like kind of uh, resonate from and what, what do they kind of go towards one way or the other? So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just fascinated because like, like I said, like this last decade, um, I think the early part of the decade was about as engaged and as engaging as wrestling has been in quite a while with the streaming explosion and with, uh, New Japan getting hot and the WWE network with NXT and the women like being hot and Daniel Bryan before he had to, you know, step away. And it's Joe like, and Loki and right. Yeah. You had this time where it's just like, okay, there's, there's some, there's there, there, you know, but I, I'm really interested to see what people think coming out of that because it's like, you know, the last half of the decade has been kind of wrestling, trying to figure out what it wants to be in a lot of ways because of what, you know, what the new social norms are and a lot of the things that wrestling has prided itself on being. Um, it can't really be anymore in a lot of ways. And so it's like, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what that time frame has done to people. It's like, uh, like, and think about, yeah, like you talked about, like Chris Hero's return to the Indies. Like, <laughs> you want to talk about that really high end couple of years where you have to really consider yeah. it as like, okay. There's probably nobody on, like, Daniel Bryan had to step away. That person was the best wrestler on earth for almost three years. What does that mean? You know? So, so yeah. So, I, I'm just, I can't wait to, to see what this does because it's like, I think there's going to be a lot of people who probably want this to be closer to what they had in 2016. Their feelings haven't changed. I think they may be stuck in their ways a little bit, but it's like, and they've probably looked at some present day wrestling in the last few years and be like, you know, it's not for me. And so, so then if that's the case, what are they going to do to change things up? How are they going to differ themselves or improve upon what they did in last time? Uh, and so, uh, there's going to be a lot of different ways that people are going to go out this project and I can't wait. Yeah. And just like, it's interesting to think too, um, because now we're we're well more aware of a lot of the restrictions um, that a lot of wrestlers had to face. Um, I, I think in 2016, uh, someone like Stacy, my my co-host on Shimmer Herstory, um, she did a really good job of conveying how great Trish was 
um, Stratus was working in the conditions she had to work in where she would get, you know, a four minute <laughs> bra and panties match. And that was the, the extent of her, you know, work week compared to like Triple H. You got a 30 minute, you know, all bells and whistles um, event to, to prove himself. Or like if you want to go back further, um, you can look at someone like Two Cold Scorpio, who's mm-hmm. one of the most talented wrestlers who ever lived. Um, probably safe to say he didn't get all the opportunities he would have got if he was white. Um, and what does, like, how can you, you know, how is that going to play a a factor? Um, because I know for me, I like to look at what people did with the opportunities they got. And if you just look at like, well, look at this person, they had so much more, like so many more great matches. Yeah. But like, if you put this other person in that position, what would they have looked like? And you, that's the way I kind of more look at it because you can kind of see how talented someone is in the situation they're in. Um, so that's another factor. I, I think that, um, I don't know how many people will look at that, but maybe something on the back of my mind for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but those, those are the things for sure on the, on the wrestler front that I, I, I just kind of had in mind was that it's like, I think the, the female influence. And like I said, I think Daniel Bryan kind of becoming the defining wrestler of his generation and what that means. So he'd be your number one right now. I, I, I think right now, he is in consideration for number one. I think, I don't know if he is my number one right now, but I just think that I have now absorbed enough of him and watched enough of him and seen like everything he does in a match is something I love that if, if that's the case and I've seen this hundreds upon hundreds of times, just like I saw flair do his best thing hundreds upon hundreds of times. Lawler, Hanson, Funk, like these guys that, you know, Jushin Liger, Negro Casas, these guys that are like, okay, Brian's right there. And it's like, and if I'm starting to kind of put those things together, it's like, do I like Brian more than I like Ric Flair? I'm like, yeah. Do I like Brian more than I like Negro Casas? I'm like, they're very similar in a lot of ways, <laughs> but yeah. Do you like him more than I like Stan Hansen? It's like, yeah. And so it's like, and, I, and that's how I kind of did my list last time was that it's like I threw 100, 170, 180 wrestlers on there and I was like, I got to have these people on there. And then and then I started just moving them up the list. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to have them up here. I got to have them this high. And then before I, I knew it, I had Casas at six. I was like, <laughs> shit. Um, and so uh, – I'm, you know, Chris Hero. It's like Chris Hero didn't even make my list last time, and now I'm sitting here thinking he's top fifty. <laughs> like, oh my god! Top- I I took a look at my list the other day, yeah, and then I wrote down all the people I know I for sure are gonna make my list, like yeah, and it was like thirty names, and I was like, ooh, and then I wrote down all the other people I'm considering, and it's like sixty names, and I'm like yeah. How am I going to put 60 yeah. people onto a list of 100 people? 
Like I gotta you drop know? sixty yeah, people. You know? But <laughs> like, how's that possible? I I really I have no idea how I'm going to do it. And you know, like I think like low, did low key not make my list? It's like okay, I think low key's probably gonna have to make my list. Um, there's there's oh no, low key did make my list. Thank God. Um, but like. You know, Timothy Thatcher. Like, Timothy Thatcher is absolutely going to make my list. Yeah, and I'm going to be maybe absurdly high on him. Um, Yuki Ishikawa, I think somebody I had just in that second tier. It's like I think I have him now uh, in consideration for top ten, maybe top fifteen. Yeah. Uh, like there are people now that I have to be, and and it's like that I have to really look at and think, okay. Do I want to throw out everything I had in 2016, just <laughs> completely go from scratch, or do I like want to use that? And and like you said, it's like okay, who do I want to keep? And if I'm taking X off, who I'm going to replace them with? And how am I going to replace them? Like uh, Mako Satomura, uh was 69th on my list. I want to say, yeah, she was 69th on my list, and I was like. She is absolutely going to be in my top fifty. How like for her? I, yeah. I just watched, um, you know, a match from her from two thousand one against Hokuto. It's one of the best mm-hmm. matches I've ever seen. Yeah, and then I, I watched a match from her from like two years ago against Kaylee Ray, and it's one of right. the better matches like of that year easily. That yeah. was my and number then, one match of the year. It's just yeah. like that's fucking twenty Mer- years apart. The like, Mercedes Martinez matches like oh yeah. It's probably the best women's wrestling match, if not the best women's wrestling match to happen in the WWE ring at top three. You know, like it's, it's, she's, she's, she's remarkable. And, and I think, like I said, it's like this exposure to women wrestling in the last decade, like they were very much kind of like this. And I'll, I'll be outright and say it. Like they were kind of like the pervy kind of like a lot of people weren't watching them with, with clean eyes right and it's like and i and i when i watched them was like no i was i'm, I'm watching this because i hear about akira hokuru being as good as the four pillars and as good as shinya hashimoto and all these jushin liger and all these people like really is she that good and then you watch it like better you know, my, my like, favorite line um I, I won't say who it's from i don't know if they want to be say this out loud or not <laughs> but my favorite line is um they say Saki Hasegawa was the number 11 best wrestler in all Japan women. Mm-hmm. At worst, she'd be number three in all Japan men at the same time. <laughs> like there's, yeah, there's, there's just this group from like, you want to say from 88 to 94, where you're just like, how do the, all these women, and I'll tell you how all these women is because you can thank Dump Masamoto and the Crush Gals and Jaguar Yokota for being there, helping train these, these women up. Because it's like when you're rolling out a class list of like Aja Kong, Bulma, yeah, Aja Kong, Manami Toyota, Toshio Yamada, uh, like year after year after year. When people like Megumi Kudo are being fired because they're not good enough to be on the roster. Because they don't have enough space, right? (laughs) And yeah, and then you have the offshoots in JWP and LLPW. It's like, yeah, and of course she goes on to become. Like, not just one of the biggest, you know, female draws, but legit one of the biggest draws in Japan in the mid-90s. Megumi Koto, one of the biggest draws in Japan in the mid-90s. And it's like... And she wasn't good enough to be on the roster. 
It's insane, you know? <laughs> There's a reason why that FNW uh, versus uh, that that tag headline night one of Dream Slam. Yeah. There's a reason, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's, so, it's wild. It's so I'm yeah like I'm I'm the women I can't wait it's it's there is I won't say it's going to be revisionist history but it's like I I think that after what's happened in the last decade it's like how can you not and I also well, there's a lot of people that cannot oh yeah um, but it's like I hope okay. they're not involved <laughs> yeah no lie but um but yeah so I'm I'm excited I'm. I'm not sure how much I will be a, 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 as big a participant as I was the first time around, but I do know that, like, um, if there is a discussion that comes up that fascinates me, I will absolutely 100% be a part of it because yeah. um, I'm, I like I said, there are just too many things, too many stories going into this that are are going to be worthwhile to talk about. And so um, I will definitely be a part of those discussions. So we're not doing weekly podcasts, recapping GWE. I, I, I might lose a relationship. So I don't know, Steven, I'll have to talk to you about that. Okay. No, um, I, I'm, I do feel that once it gets going, probably I would say 2023 or 2024, when I think you guys have, I mean, when you you talk about what this is going to look like and what the the structure is, how people are going to be involved, it's like okay, how are those discussions going to take place? Where are they going to take place? That's another big thing that you're Tune going to talk later about on. later in the show. And it's like okay, then what is it that is going to draw those outside voices in and not have it be insular? And so, um, yeah, it's. It's it's gonna be great, man. And um yeah, I'll be I'll be more on the sidelines this time around, but boy, don't don't think that I won't be jumping in in certain cases if uh I see some certain things be brought up or talked about because <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot that can can be talked about with all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um Is there any uh before we uh head on to the the, the next guest the first guest, because you're not a guest, what am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we head on to the first guest, um is there any um I think you briefly touched on some things, but is there any areas that you feel you're most excited to explore that you felt you maybe haven't explored enough? Um I think it's gonna be Lucha, to be honest with you. Um I, Lucha and I have been very weird dance partners throughout the years. Um, I've gotten into it at certain times where it was, I think, my favorite thing to watch. There was a time where I was watching weekly CMLT. Me too. Um, yeah. But I, I just think that there's a lot of, I think there's people who, when you really like Lucha, like there's a reason why there's talk about El Satanico being number one overall by certain people, right? El Satanico, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I, I always just have this, this, this sweet spot for it just because it's like some of my singular favorite matches in the history of wrestling have been Lucha matches. Yeah. Sangre Chicana MS1, Viano 3 and, and Atlantis, um, you know, Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero, um, you know, you have just these 
these great matches. Oh, he also Del Santos Negro, Negro Casas. Um, that even just by themselves are just these just these paramount uh, ways of doing professional wrestling in a style that has so much history and so much depth and, and so many different ways that people express themselves through it. That's like, um, there's, there's this really, there's so much to dive into that. I think if I really were to go diving into the deep end, that's probably be the one spot. But, um, I, I think that that's probably the place I want to explore. The place I want to revisit is eighties and nineties Joshi because, I think that I've probably been a champion of that in some ways. I've you were, been you're definitely been, you were a lot better at it in 2016 I, than I was for sure. I think I was definitely a champion for Shinobu Kandori. I think I was definitely a champion for Jaguar Yakoda. I think I was definitely a champion for Akira Hokudo. But I just think that there's certain things that maybe I've either glossed over or it'd be nice for me to revisit to maybe reestablish a better footing with that because it's like I think there's certain ways like I don't think anything from all Japan I don't think anything from New Japan I don't think anything from the 80s Crockett territories um AWA I don't think any of those are really going to change in my head I think I have those kind of solidified those are my thoughts on those are what they are do you know but, like um who the best babyface wrestler of all time is. Is it Rick Martel? Maybe, but it also <laughs> might be Shigusa Nogayo. Right, and so it's like, and there's a lot of people like one one of the um the 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 bellwether uh you know matches that people always talk about is the first hair match with Dumb Matsumoto, and it is a match that from a social aspect. <laughs> at that time in Japan is like freaking master's thesis doctorate type shit. Like from the class system, the like, like the audience, like from the, from the world of professional wrestling, it might be the single best representation of a professional wrestling match for the audience. It was intended for in the history of professional wrestling. Right? Like, and so it's like, yeah, so, but you see Chagus and Agayo from 84 to 87, and it's just like, like, yeah, like, how can you not cheer for this person? 10%, 10% of all of Japan, 10% of all of Japan <laughs> watching AJW TV. Point. 10% of the entire country of Japan. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. So, it really I, it's is. Just, you know, so yeah, man, like uh I I really can't wait. It is uh it's a fascinating project. I think it's going to be very much the spirit is going to be similar, but I think the results and the the uh I would say the conduct and the discourse around it are going to be fascinating because I think a lot of the voices that dominated that first time around are probably not going to be there or they're going to have a much different um, uh, way of coming across or they're going to have many, maybe a different way of wanting to uh, lift up 
certain wrestlers in this case. And so it's like uh, how this all changes and how this all evolves is, is uh, you know, as somebody who was a part of it and, and somebody who, you know, along with you and, and some of the other people, a major contributor to it the first time around, like um, I'm happy kind of taking a step back and seeing what other people bring to the table this time and, and, and looking forward to what that entails. So, yeah. Yeah, Can't wait very much. Me too. Well, thank you, Tim, uh, for for dusting off the old microphone yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for the good old Pro Wrestling Super Show, which we don't do very often. Uh, but you know, every once in a while, we'll we'll jump back in here. Maybe in uh, 2026, if we're if everything's okay in the world, we'll we'll do another top 100 list, like our most uh, famous <sighs> podcast was. Keep it under 10 hours. We might can record we, in sessions. Can that might we be keep a safe it under way. 10 hours? We, we, we might have to record it like, you oh, know, God. we do 25 in one week and we do yeah, 25 we might, the next hey, or something. Um, you know, one of the things, so the great the people at Psychology is Dead did, uh, you know, their top 100 of the decade yeah. and had them split up into their three shows. And the first thing I thought about was us and it was just like, we did about 10 hours too, you know, <laughs> in and, one sitting. Um, that, that was a good listen though. So if, if people kind of want, obviously it's like, so people are taking part in 2021. So I'll kind of leave it on this. It's like, definitely if you can find our old shows, if you want to kind of, if you want to be completely inundated with what 2016 was like, listen to our old show with our top 100. But listen to that psychology is dead 2010s, wrestler of the decade podcast. They did a phenomenal job. It's an easy listen, I think, especially across the three parts. So definitely go and listen to that. Um, and and I think that there's going to be a lot of great podcast ways to be involved. And so um, we'll, we'll we'll be bringing those up as the as the time progresses towards the uh, the final vote in 2026. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tim, and. Um We'll be right back with some other person. And we're back um, with yet another guest on this GWE launch party. And I'd like to thank Kristen Ashley here for joining me on this um, very busy opening day of uh, WrestleMania week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. So GWE is something um, new for you. Um, how do you feel about a task of trying to rate the hundred greatest wrestlers in the history of wrestling that you've seen footage of. It's, it seems like an impossible task, right? Um, especially with me. Yeah. I, I have only started watching wrestling in the past, like six, seven years. So even to think about like historically who would be a greatest wrestler, it just seems so daunting. (laughs) It really does. Um, and, it's really fascinating because a lot of people five years ago when we did this were like, well, I feel like I haven't watched enough to participate. And then it's been five years since the last project ended and they're all like, Oh, I wish I did this. And now I can't wait to do it like 
for real. <laughs> so right. I don't think, um, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, fill in whatever gaps you feel comfortable filling in. And, you know, it's a, it's all about a personal journey. It's not about like having a scientific um, best list. It's like, how do you rank the hundred best movies? Right. There's, there's no metric. It's <laughs> whatever you feel is your own personal metric. Right. Right. And, you know, like I, so I helped um, with a couple uh, list rankings for PWI and it's sort of the same thing. I mean, eventually it comes down to like that certain thing that a wrestler has or uh, the emotion that they're able to invoke. And that's not always going to be the same across the board. So while you can like count up matches and wins and titles, it's not really the same as like a football player being a goat. You know, this is, um, first off it's kayfabe. So (laughs) always that, (laughs) um, and, and push is always a huge factor too. So, it's it's not so cut and dry for sure. Yeah, and then um, I remember a big topic of discussion last time was someone like Christian because they had never had really a big run or a big push, but every situation they were in, they were great at it and they were highly adaptive. So um, you know, a lot of people were pushing for to make sure you included Christian, and then a lot of people are like, well. Where's the epic Christian matches, you know, to, to kind of look at. So it, right. it really is a, a personal struggle. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's on my list of, you know, what makes a great wrestler is the ability to adapt because it's so important in the ring. No two wrestlers are alike. And so, you know, you can tell when a wrestler is not adaptive <laughs> <laughs> in the ring. And they're very, I mean, it's very clear that they're not able to match who their opponent is and so it's incredibly important for a wrestler to be you know not a catch-all but at least adaptive to you know make the match look good (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it yeah it's an artistic art form right you um although you know some people made a lot of money and not making their matches look good but um (laughs) i don't know how you want to even look at someone like that um for sure so um, if you were today told, okay, you don't have to do a top 100 list, but you had, you had to put a number one, um, what kind of people would you be considering, or is there anyone that you would be kind of favoring at this point? I'm glad that you didn't ask for a number one, because I, like, just for my number one, and that's it, because I really thought about it for a while, and it for me, like, so many wrestlers bring so many different um, qualities that I value, like, I think towards the top of my list would be, like, Miko Satamora, I think of, like, awesome. she's a legend, and she's been around for so long, and she has what you would consider a great wrestler, she's got, like, mad technical skill, she's a great leader, she's literally a leader, but she enhances every match she comes into, and she enhances every wrestler, she has the ability to put somebody over just by giving them a match, and, um, and she's frightening. <laughs> I mean, she's a little, like, short woman, but she's so frightening. <laughs> I've been watching uh, – I've been trying to fill in my gaps for Satomura because obviously I've seen her the last, like, seven years when I yeah. – or last seven years, since, like, 2016, 17, when I really started to just focus on women's wrestling almost. Uh, and Miko has been insanely impressive since that point, but starting to go back, like – even like 2001, she has this insane match with Akira Hokuto. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. 
And then, like, 2014, she has, like, one of the best ma- best matches I've ever seen with uh, Kari Hojo, Kari Sane. Uh, and the more you look into her, she's just been great for 20-plus years now. It- it's yeah. really impressive. Yeah, it's 25 years of, of just, like, straight banger matches, and that's it. She doesn't have a bad match. And, um, you know, for her... She brings the technicality. Like, that's someone that I think, okay, here's a really great technical, skilled wrestler. Um, she, you know, she has, she invokes emotion. But for me, I watch simply because I know she's going to wrestle really well. But then you have people like Hiromu Takahashi, who is, would be towards the top of my list, mainly because of his charisma. I mean, he's a great wrestler. He's a fantastic, everybody in Japan really is, frankly. Um, but, his charisma, his his promo work, his ability to connect to the fans, I mean, that's really rare. Um, it's no wonder that he's a spokesperson. Um, so he brings somebody else he brings something else to to the party too. And then you think of Walter. Now, Walter would definitely be at the top of my list, um, towards the top at least. And he's technical. I mean, he's a, a fantastic wrestler, but for me, he evokes pure emotion. <laughs> I He's like the perfect heel. I mean, he there's nobody else. I think maybe Jay White. Um, that he's, I think he's Darth like, Vader. Like he comes exactly. in and he's just a destructive force. Right. Like Jay White is like that snarky bad guy. Um, in like a movie that you know is just gonna get it at the end. Whereas Walter has always been like this brute force. Like Jason, <laughs> there's no chance of beating him. Um, and so for him, it, he just evokes his emotion. Like I, I just see him come out and I go, Oh, like, you know, you would never want to be alone in an alley with this guy, at least with this gimmick. And yeah. I hear he's a really nice guy in the real, in the real world. But, <laughs> you know, that's somebody that evokes his emotion and then goes and like practically kills people for a living. So it, for me, there's so many different people that bring so many different things to the discussion. Yeah. And luckily, um, you know, Lots of time to uh, to debate over it. Um, I remember in 2016, it, it's very interesting. In 2016, there was basically um, two people that I kind of debated back and forth between um, at the like pretty much the whole. I think we did 18 months at that time instead of starting five years early like this time. Um, <laughs> and I was beating uh, Hanson and uh, Stan Hanson and Terry Funk the entire time. Yeah. Um, and we're in 2021 now, and I'm b- debating two people again, uh, but it's different people. It's Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano. Mm. And I'm, I'm glad I have some time to just kind of <laughs> <laughs> to dwell that over in my head before I have to make a decision. Because it, well, it's, it's, it's so hard. It is it really hard. Is. You know, the thing about PWI, it's, it's easier because you're just looking at a year. A year in time, the last year, <laughs> whereas greatest wrestler of all time, you're like, what? Of all time. And it's such a daunting task simply because I'm always not going to remember somebody. So I'll get, like, if I get into a discussion with somebody about it, then I'm like, oh, yeah, but that person too. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many different choices and it makes it, it makes it like a very lengthy process, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, um, we like to uh, hash out the discussions um, and, you know, everyone kind of make your cases for people. Um, and, and it's really uh, like, I think part of the, the, the goodness of the last time was 
there was a lot of people making some really good cases for someone that you might not have thought about before. And, you know, I, I remember uh, it was one person that was talking about El Satanico. Um, and they basically, like, they almost wrote like a dissertation on <laughs> This is how great El Centenico is. This is all the stuff you should check out. And it, it was really eye-opening. Um, and, and that's part of the fun of this process, too, is for other people to make cases for people you might not have thought about. And then someone makes a case and you're like, oh, shit, that's a great case. I really <laughs> need to think about that person, too. Right. Um, speaking of discussions, though, I know you're not um, much of the message board personalities and you're more about writing articles, uh, doing podcasts. I know you have YouTube, various stuff. Um, how do you kind of feel is a great way to discuss wrestling? Uh, well, I kind of touch on everything except for wrestling, <laughs> wrestling internet boards, right? Um, mainly because um, I've never been like a message board person, but I, I feel like in order to get a good uh, finger on the pulse, you kind of have to be in multiple places. So like, obviously, Twitter is a really good place just because um, it's a larger community there. Everything's being promoted there, and it's stupid easy just to show the world your thoughts and your opinions. And sometimes that's not a great thing, but um, it's, it's like, immediate, which is nice, you know? Um, sometimes it's, it's a little disappointing just because of the crowd there, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Luckily, there's a nice um, mute and block button. Which... <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, definitely quality filters have saved my life, for sure. <laughs> uh, so, you know, especially as a woman, too, unfortunately, it's super hard because a lot of people discredit you. Um, just that ingrained sexism is a real thing. Uh, um, but I yeah. do, yeah, I mean, I do try to touch on everything I can. I do articles. I find that articles, though, is like a one-way discussion. So it's, it's not much of a discussion, but I do like op-eds and I try with my website, at least that I run belt to bells, I try to bring in different thought leaders or different types of thinkers or different types of opinions, because I think those are really important. And then they're like there, whereas tweets kind of just come and go and you'll never find it again. Um, at least articles can stick somewhere. I like YouTube too, because it's sort of like this with the podcast where it's just, it's open discussion. Um, it's people who have different opinions than me. I mean, I've, we've, I've been on podcasts where I've openly disagreed with somebody and it, it can happen and it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can respect the other person. Um, but I find that that's important too, because sometimes discussing with your voice and, and your body language just changes the whole tone and the whole direction of a, a conversation. Yeah, that's something that um, Twitter uh, really uh, hurts at is <laughs> like some people are like, oh, I'm making a joke and you can't fucking tell <laughs> like at all. Right. And it, it just it, it's um, yeah, you're missing a lot. Uh, like it would obviously be the best um, if it wasn't a pandemic and, you know, you could put people in a room and be like, OK, let's let, here's a chalkboard. Right. Um, and let's, or a whiteboard, I guess, if you're younger, um, and have a discussion and be like, okay, here, here's, here's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? Let's, let's do this. Um, but, uh, luckily, um, I, I know with a lot of, during the pandemic, I think is kind of really opened the board for so many more avenues. 
uh, and discussions. Like I've been working from home for over a year. I've done a lot of training from home too. And, um, you know, I'm interacting with people all the time and, uh, it's a lot of things we didn't have five years ago that we, we can definitely take advantage of, uh, now going forward. Yeah. It's like, you know, the thing with Twitter is there's only so many characters. Um, and so you only have so much room to state your case unless you feel like making a, a huge thread, which some people do. I'll admit I'm ADD, so I do not read those threads in full all the time. <laughs> it's another thing. And, and it's like, it's just passive aggressive city is really all it is. It's a lot of, it's hard, like it's hard to read the tone of somebody's intent. It's really hard to read it unless you're putting LOL or, but even then it's hard. Yeah. And a lot of people's tones are not yeah, acceptable right. as well as the other part. Right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and I, I think I think the digital, I mean, this is really now for the digital age because everything's being done online. It's helped a lot because it's gotten us to corners of the globe that maybe we haven't been to. And um, we're able to connect with people more online because we have to. <laughs> um, and so that's bringing new voices into any conversation. That's really never a bad thing. That's the best thing is bringing yeah. in more new and diverse voices um like one of my main goals for this is you know to make sure it's not all white males in their 30s and 40s um because you know we don't need just to hear their voices over and over again um and and the more people the merrier is 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 my kind of view exactly yeah Um, inclusivity is very important awesome uh so um, well, I do definitely look forward to any articles or um, anything else um, that you might be able to touch on this topic with going forward. Um, that's going to be awesome. Um, but what are you looking forward to in this project? Well, again, I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see what everyone says. And I, it's always really interesting to see opinions and how they evolve over time. And, you know, especially with the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, discussion. Does that change with new faces or does it pretty much stay the same? So it'll be interesting to see who comes up and talks and, and what the list looks like, right? Cause that will be, that'll be completely different, I'm sure now. Um, and, and how, like who stays on it? Cause now we have all these legends that are still competing. So and who stays on that list, you know, um, and who, you know, it's always really interesting to me to see how opinions change over time. And um, now that you guys are reaching out to uh, more inclusive voices, how that, like maybe how that changes the list too. Yeah. Um, It's really fascinating because there was a 2006 poll um, and we kind of did it in 2016. There wasn't too many people that did both. Um, But uh, from what I recall, Flair was like 10 or like eight or somewhere in that range on the first one. And Jumbo Saruta was number one uh and then in 2016 flair was number one and jumbo was like 11 (laughs) so there was like that interesting thing and um i I know um another point in this podcast uh we'll discuss flair and how 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 we predict that will happen again um but there's some very interesting cases like someone like um nakamura right Um, they sneaked into like you know the low 90s in 2016 because they were on like the super hottest streak ever 
Right. They've completely dropped in the last five years, right? Yeah, so, I imagine Nakamura wouldn't <laughs> rank in the top 100 right now. Yeah, and that's fascinating because, like, you know, all they've done is, you know, have a chance to add to their case, and uh, they didn't add. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> Fortunately, that's the case with some of them, and and I think you'll get like you know you'll get breakthroughs, right? Like like with PWI, there's always a couple people that break through. They're like, oh, because they just had a crazy good year. Um, like I think of like on the indie circuit, Trisha Dora had an amazing year. I mean, she's just blown up, and and those people then break through those lists, and it'll be interesting to see who kind of creeps their way up. Yeah, and we still have five years for someone kind of new to uh, to break through as well, which is fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Five years is a long time. <laughs> it is a long time. Like, I look back at my list from five years ago, and it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would be really, really afraid to look, because I was kind of a mark coming into wrestling. Like, I, I only watched WWE originally when I first started watching wrestling, and I was, like, I like, hated Alexa Bliss. Like, I was a complete heel. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. I didn't understand the business at first. I just watched the shows, and just, I, I was a total mark. You know, I totally, I totally felt with whatever emotion they were trying to give me. Um, and now it's obviously completely different. So I, <laughs> I would cringe at that list, I think. Oh, my God. I know. It's so bad. <laughs> Um, yeah. you've at least turned the corner on Alexa, right? Yes. No, I, th- that's the thing about, uh, being on this side of, of that industry is that we now are like, and I don't want to call it smart, but we're smarter. We, we understand these are human beings and they're playing a character. Um, there are certainly wrestlers I do not like because they're terrible human beings, but, um, we won't get into that, but you know, th- I like Alexa Bliss. I, there's nothing wrong with her as a human being. And so I know now the difference between a gimmick and an actual personality. <laughs> <laughs> that I think is actually going to be a very fascinating discussion. Yeah. Um, is how much does someone's um, personal life affect you being able to rank him? Um, in 2016, really the only person that came up with was Benoit. And some people wouldn't touch it. Um, I I, I didn't even comprehend voting for him. Uh, But some people are like, you know, um, you vote high on Benoit because look at what he did in the ring. Um, And I, as time goes on, I have more and more trouble ranking anyone who is a horrible person. Yeah, that's the problem too. I mean, there's so much that's changed between even 2016 and now. There's with social media and kind of knowing people's lives and and people saying really dumb things and things sort of creep up. Like you know, for instance, Cameron Grimes. I mean, that was so long ago, but people find that stuff. Um, and now with speaking out, we realize how detrimental and how how just kind of horrible this behavior is to the industry in general that it's really hard to ignore when the wrestlers, the women and men are in your face saying that they are getting abused, that they don't want to wrestle anymore. I mean, I've talked to the wrestlers themselves in person about this when they're telling you this stuff and you see how torn up they are. How can you, how can you then just ignore that person's like 
character defects <laughs> and say, well, they're a good wrestler. How can you ignore that? I mean, they're literally sexually abusing people. Um, it, it, it's like, well, OJ was a good football player. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably killed his wife, you know? So, <laughs> probably. He wrote a book saying probably, he did it. You know, I mean, <laughs> we don't know, right? So how do you ignore those things? And um, I think it's harder to do that now. Uh, people still do. You know, you see the thing with Will Ospreay very often, um, or Jordan Devlin, or whomever. You see that thing pretty often. But, like, Joey Ryan. Not that he would ever be on the top of this list, let's be honest. But how would you how would you ignore that guy? You know, how would you ignore what a jerk he is to people? And that's part of what makes a wrestler great, is this, like, leadership quality about them. That they are protected in the ring. They protect others in the ring. They um, support other people. I mean, any good team sport, right? Because this is essentially a team sport, yeah. is is going to support those leaders. So if someone is like out sexually abusing women, basically on their team, why would you ever support that person? So it's hard, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be more evident this time around as post 2016 um, that that it's really hard to ignore that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I um I, I hope so. I know some people are like, well, you know, they're they're like Roman Polanski <laughs> it makes great movies, so I still rank his movies really high. And it's like I know, but But, but. you know <laughs> Yeah, it it's hard. I, you know, I like Roman Polanski movies too, but I you know, I wouldn't rank him over somebody who's just a good human being. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it's a it's a personal struggle, and I think as we get closer, I think it, it's probably going to get harder for people um, too. I think I think as time goes on, I think it gets harder. Right. Sure. It's like yeah. I mean, if you think of like all like like a normal workspace, and you're supposed to rank your best coworker, are you really going to choose the guy that's like got abusive allegations against him? Probably not. He's not the best coworker. So it is hard. I mean, I think it also just kind of depends on, like, the severity, right? Yeah. Oh, um, it's, oh yeah, like, where yeah, do you draw the like, line? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> right, like, the severity is probably, but yeah, it's like, where is that severity? I mean, Austin Aries is a jerk, but he's a jerk, you know? So, yeah. like, there's a difference between being, like, a jerk and then being like a sex offender. So <laughs> that's there's true. There's always a difference. Like for me, you know, I never really trash people online for just opinions that are like jerky because the, unfortunately that's their opinion. Um, I'm never going to say like they're not a good wrestler because they have opinions that are like Republican or I'm Democrat or something. But, you know, if, if they're out there committing crimes, <laughs> I have, I have a tendency to think that that doesn't make them a good wrestler. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time voting for anyone who's an anti-masker, but um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe by then, when the pandemic's hopefully in the past, um, we yeah, might be able to uh, to look back at things differently. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I know your time is short, so um, I do appreciate you on here. So I, I would like to give you a chance to have um, plug anything, and how how do people check you out? Yeah, uh, well, you can check me out on Twitter at Kristen Ashley. I tweet about way more than wrestling, often food. 
Um, there's also Belt to Bells, my women's wrestling website. Uh, we advocate women's wrestling through news, opinion, interviews, you name it. Um, that's at belltobells.com, and that's B E L L two T O B E L L E S dot com. Uh, same thing with uh, Twitter, it's Belt to Bells. Um, and I also do stuff for PWI. I've got a new column coming out, a new women's column. So that's going to be a dope it's a recurring column. It's I'll go, I'll give you guys the little scoop. It's called the W column. So that will be That's coming out just only on women's wrestling. That'll happen most months out of the year. So you can find me at PWI as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. I really appreciate it. And uh, um, we'll move on to the next guest now. Okay. Thank you. Right. And we're back here and I'm back with another guest, uh, my good friend, Daniel, who I got to say, uh, there's been a few people and we're going to talk to a couple of them on this podcast, uh, on this, this launch party today, uh, that kind of, um, you know, when I thought GWE in 2016, that was going to be it for like doing things, their enthusiasm for the, uh, for, for the project kind of, uh, kind of drew me back in uh uh so daniel thank you for that uh for like probably ruining the next five years of my life um i appreciate it how are you I, doing <laughs> i'm doing quite well and it is obviously the least i can do you know after for you started this train you're gonna have to ride it all the way down until it's smoldering in a crater um <laughs> in uh 2066 <laughs> when i'm like okay. on my deathbed and saying, no, it's fucking Bull Nakano, you idiots. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's that's my life. Um, anyways, Daniel, what, what you um, – have you ever done a podcast before? I have not. Cool. I've been li- listening to them from this grouping of people for five to ten years, somewhere in that range. But no, never been on one. So uh, introduce yourself. All right. Um, my name is Daniel. I've posted on DVDVR under various names for, God, over 15 years now. And I've been posting on Pro Wrestling Only since about three to six months before the 2016 GWE. Um, so I've, and I, on PWO, I am known as, uh, El Dragon. On DVDVR, I've been known as Novocaine, El Dragon, and the man known as Dan, which is my current iteration, I guess. <laughs> uh sick uh vader reference there thank you um so why why were you so um enthusiastic about 2016 well uh, i kind of got into the project late as kind of stated i've always been that guy that's like oh i noticed the projects that are really cool and i'm really invested in just as it's almost too late to really partake the way i want to and i basically jumped in and like pretty late in the game, tried my best to make a ballot, um, did turn one in. It had a lot of my influences, which I am kind of on the younger side by voters, from la- especially in 2016, so it was very 2000 Indies inspired. I was one of the guys who made a big push for Christian, which I'm sure you probably appreciated. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed the project, but I was never super happy with the ballot I turned in. It's one of those things where I go back and look at it now, five years later, and go, I'm a moron and completely need to redo this um i think everyone thinks that like i spent 
like I was heavily involved the whole time and I was watching shit like nonstop and my my list is kind of an embarrassment. So I, is I it John you. Morrison in your top 100 embarrassment? It's five women on the list embarrassment. Okay, that's that fair counter. <laughs> that's it's pretty bad. Um, but so uh, part of the reason I wanted to have you on here is because uh, for GW 2026, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's not going to be um, all message boards and then a bunch of podcasts at the end. Um, we want to expand the thing out uh, and listen on later on. We'll kind of reveal everything we're doing and how you. Yes, you listening right now, how you can get involved. Uh, but one of the aspects that me and you have kind of been playtesting for the last eight months during this pandemic has been Discord and um, watch parties. Uh, yeah. so how do you feel about those? I love them to death. It has been a giant, like, okay, basic description is me, you, and a couple of others have kind of just been joining into Discord calls and watching matches, either via something on YouTube, something one of us is streaming, something along that line, and basically just enjoying the matches and watching them together. It could be two of us, three of us, four of us. Sometimes we've had calls with six to seven of us, I think. And it's generally just always engage, makes it for an engaging viewing. Uh, can make it so that I want to watch this big project of stuff, but it's kind of hard because watching a... I mean, if I, for instance... I've recently gone through the entire DVDVR AWA project. That is 150 matches, and while there's a lot of matches I really was looking forward to, there was also a bunch of, hey, now you're going to watch a King Kong Brody match. And <laughs> for me personally, that's not the biggest level of excitement. And it raises it and keeps you engaged because you can talk about minor things in the match instead of just go, you know, staring blankly at the screen taking notes, or not taking notes depending on who you are. And, yeah, it's been a complete and utter joy to add that to my wrestling viewing, because it's... I, I got through the AWA set in three months, and God knows how long it would have taken me otherwise. So, <laughs> so outside of, uh, like, kind of being a pushing towards allowing you to watch footage, um, how's... Well, I, I know, because I was there. But uh, how do you feel the discussion goes? It's like, um, are you gaining things is it just kind of you all agreeing is it a lot of disagreements like uh how's that go uh i think it depends on the match but generally speaking i'm gaining elements or somebody's pointing out something that maybe you didn't catch when you're when you're going through this maybe somebody notes hey was that you know a minor botch or something like that which isn't that big of a deal botches happen in every match but generally speaking okay for me and me, you, and some of the others regulars, probably I agree with a couple of the other ones more than I agree with you in some of those matches, and that's <laughs> not because your opinion is wrong. It's just that we value different things. But that doesn't – and like, for instance, we'll use the most prominent answer, I think, from the AWA set, uh, a certain Nick Bockwinkle versus Stan Hansen match. Which rules. Which does not rule. Uh, <laughs> it's – a really good performance, and I really like Nick Bockwinkle, and I really like Stan Hansen, and it feels like, to me at least, Stan Hansen is mailing it in in that match. He's there to collect a paycheck because he doesn't like working for AWA, and it comes across to me very clearly on the screen. And you, on the other hand, I think have it like a four-and-a-half-ish range? Yeah, like a nine uh, out of ten? It, it's Stan Hansen, the unstoppable monster, and Nick Bockwinkle trying to outsmart that monster. 
Um, and uh, I kind of love it to death. Um, uh, so yeah, so clearly it's not a think tank. Uh, no, but I do find it does, um, add because like when you're watching stuff, uh, especially alone, you know, your, your focus isn't always there. Mm-hmm. Um, you might tune out for a moment, you know, uh, you might check your phone or whatever, but, um, if you have, you know, two, three, four people on there or so, or even more, um, someone might be pointing out something that you might have missed. Um, maybe it's some context because you didn't see that context, or maybe it's just some context because you didn't think of that, or some neat storytelling thing that they may be going for, or they may not. So um, I, I like getting the, the different views, and so that's definitely a benefit. Um, but I think the bigger benefit is it's not always the easiest to watch footage by yourself because there's so much out there that you get kind of overwhelmed and you, you might just not do it. But if you, you know, have a set time to chat with your friends while you're doing it, uh, you're more likely to plow through a lot more things. Yeah, completely agree on my front. Uh, it's like I have had the AWA uh, set sitting around for like nine to 12 months before we, I kind of started that little project. And it was just like, I just tried getting started watching it. And then it just the amount of hours and time when you're, you know, most of us who are going to be doing this are probably working a job or have, have plenty of other commitments that you're focused on. And just centering and finding it stretched to, I'm just going to watch wrestling for two hours a day, every day. That time just isn't there all the time. Whereas it's a lot easier to uh, to do it when you're got are talking through with friends, you're having a good time, you're and especially when it's a bunch of people who don't always have might have more insight than. Uh, you have on a certain subject. Like, well, I've been talking about a lot of it on AWA. We've also been doing regular. Or, well, you've been doing the Joshi viewing stuff for longer than I've been involved, but I got involved around the 1990 stretch. And yeah, I, there's a bunch of. Other than the fact that I still sometimes screw up wrestlers' names, please don't mention <laughs> which ones. We're not going to keep that a secret. Um, it's been very fun being able to like get context for what makes these you know women different from each other and what makes them. What are their biggest strengths? And it lets sometimes you get someone that you weren't expecting to be high on that you're just thinking, wow, this. And like, uh, I think actually one of our prime examples would probably be Bison in the sense that Bison wasn't one of the people we were really excited about for that 90s project and Joshi stuff. And she's been kind of jumping off the page for me where I think she's really clearly good. Bison Kimura fucking rules. Yes. Um, And is uh, pretty much guaranteed a spot on my list now. Um, she's so fucking awesome, but, uh, we'll wait and see, uh, for a few years. Yeah. I won't say, I'll say at the point we're at, which is 91, she's better than Aja Kong. Now I, she's about to retire. I'm pretty sure. And Aja Kong has another 20 years. So that's going to probably change the math a lot. (laughs) But at that point in time, I, they're working as a tag team and I'm usually coming across with the mindset of Bison's the worker out of the two. And that was not something I expected going into those matches. Oh Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, um, yeah, that's the joy of GWA, I think, is exploring this stuff for yourself. Because as longtime fans, there has kind of been, you know, there's a handful of people or so that kind of set the narrative on a lot of wrestlers. And if you don't have time to watch that stuff, you might just think that narrative is true. Um, 
until you get a chance to watch it and then see for yourself. Because some of these narratives are true and they're there before a reason. And some of these narratives are uh, pure fantasy <laughs> that some people have made up. Like uh, Akira Hokuto not being fucking great from the day she debuted in the mid eighties. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I can't go back that far, but yeah, I've seen the discussion point at various times, especially for the 2016 that Hokuto's pretty good until about 93. Where, and then she goes absolutely all world for like two years. And it's never quite the same again. I'll go ahead and tell you at through 90, 91 Hokuto is at worst, the second worst woman in that area. The only one I, I would say I, at I, worst, she's the second worst wrestler of all time <laughs> like <laughs> uh, uh, yeah so you're gonna make it real you make it really hard i don't not going to be negative about those two i'm not gonna have them that high at present but they are at present shoe wins for my top 25 both bull and hokuto they're both 25 incredible. and rising yeah. At, at present, they are rising. It's a matter of how high can they get. That is fair. Yeah. So uh, we still have time to uh, – we still have their prime to kind of push you over that edge. Um, but what role do you feel um, watch parties and Discord could have in 2026 um, that d- d- wasn't kind of there in 2016? Uh, easy excess of footage I think is a big part of it, which I don't think is really came up in the discussions very much. Which admittedly is getting a little easier as time has gone on. 2016, it felt like it was kind of like the start of things being super easy to access for people. Uh, And now we've got things like, if you want to watch indie wrestling, hey, IWTV has basically, what, eight, four-fifths out of the major wrestling companies on the indies in the last 20 years. And you could probably look up the vast majority of their lineup pretty easily. But there's also historical footage, and that's going to be a little harder to find. And for a long time, I had no clue how to really get access to it. And now you can, and it's a, and watching stuff with them is somebody usually will have a match that is something that you might be excited about, and you don't know where it is or where to find it. Someone else there might have it and basically say, hey, let's just go ahead and put this on. We can watch it right now. And that's so nice. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I don't think. Um, everyone listening has tried Discord. Um, how, how fucking easy is it? Uh, much, much, much simpler than I thought when I signed up for it. Um, it was one of those things where I signed up for it for just some random stuff that wasn't involved with this project. And then me and you basically became friends through another group. Uh, admittedly, we've always been in the same circles, but we were never really connected. Uh, but I mean, gee, how many times have we just, and we literally just, one person, if they've got the footage, just loads up the, the blah, blah, blah. loads up the stream. You know, makes it available to everyone else that wants to watch it in the room. You can load it up, watch it, just join in for a voice call, and you're good to go. It's it's literally one button to join a voice call, yeah. and you're on that second, like immediate. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty great. Great technology. Yep. And, you know, we have five years. Who knows what else technology is going to come out um, by then, by then we might fucking have, um, VR machines that we can go to Budokan Hall from 1982 and watch in the front row. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's unlikely. <laughs> maybe, maybe 2036. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll put it this way. I don't think we'd be able to go back in time to do that. We would have, it would all be like current stuff. 
And yes, I do think there is a in theory world where that technology exists, but we're not going to go into detail. I watched Star Trek, <laughs> hall, uh, the Hall Suite. Is what uh, I was thinking yeah. <laughs> At least tell me it's next generation, because then we'll talk. If you're saying it's like original, then you're kind of no, happy. no. Uh, DS Nine's my show. That's uh, actually fair. That's uh, fair. But man, I just finished season three, of Discovery, and that's that's inching its way up. It's it's fucking great. Um, I love Discovery a lot. Um, but. TNT, there's just too much kind of like filler. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Not that DS9 doesn't have any filler either. But anyways, those um really sidetracked. But yeah, Discord, it it fucking is a great resource. Um watch parties is a great way to watch stuff. So um, you know, what there will be a Discord server set up. Um read the description on how to how to join it. And uh, listen to the end of this podcast for discussions on when it's really going to get going. Um, but there will there will be I will set aside I haven't decided when, but at least two hours a week where I will be streaming and chatting and watching footage. So you can join me for that. But uh, I'll leave it open. Like people can go in there. There's it, it's basically like um, a chat feature where you can just type and stuff like that. So if you people want to schedule like, Oh, uh, it's on Wednesday night in two days, I'm free. Does anyone want to watch a bunch of Kyoko in matches with me and just put that up there. And if someone else says yes, then you two random people can, can do your own little watch party, um, anytime you want. So, so we'll set that up for everyone. I think that will be a very helpful way to not only, share footage but to enjoy footage with other people and kind of discuss candidates like um if you have specific days for specific people to watch footage i I think that's kind of a good way to look at uh candidates yep i agree completely on my end speaking of candidates uh who would you at this point uh who'd you have number one in 2016 was it john Uh, morrison who is it john morrison no, John Morrison. He was my number 99, which oh, okay. in and of itself is embarrassing. Uh, my number one in 2016 was Rey Mysterio. Okay. Um, I mean, at that, he, basically just on sheer number of good television matches was my main argument for him. He's, he was, un, you know, outstanding for basically at that point about 20 years and he's still pretty good now. Yeah. And you, you aren't a big lucha person. So, um, you don't have a lot of that to like, even pump him up even more. Well, I mean, not much of his work and his prime work was in Mexico, but yeah, it's, he was my, but it's one of those things where I'm trying to become a bigger Lucha person. I do have the eighties Lucha set and I am going to be giving it a real shot and trying to go from there. I have a feeling I'm going to like eighties Lucha a lot more than I like current Lucha. Cause well, current Lucha is kind of, kind of a thing. I mean, current, <laughs> well, that's, that's most lucha, I think, in the last 20 years. It's the top cards, not really the engaging stuff. It's the undercard stuff. It's usually the, not always, but under most circumstances. Like, the, all the best workers are hiding in the, uh, oh, some, a lot of times are hiding in the mid card, not getting you enough to do. You just said in the last 20 years that, and I was like, no way. In 2006, it was, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's kind of easy to lose track of. Like, when even in 2016, when people were talking lucha candidates, 
there weren't many guys who were like in their primes in the last ten years really coming Basically, up. It was all eighties like, and nineties guys. Yeah, uh, is the big one uh, who's who's just uh, left the WWE, so he might have a lot more time to add to his case. Uh, so there's someone. There's Rush. Um, Rush would probably be another one, and like a lot of the other guys that I remember being hyped up at least at that time. I have not watched much present day lucha, but in 2016, when I was paying attention to like who are the guys that are really good now. It was like, was it a Cavanario. Uh, Barbaro Cavernario? Yeah, he'd be one of the big ones, and it feels like he hasn't really added as much as you would have hoped he would have in the last five years either. But that uh, could just be that's me a lot of its really. booking too. Oh, uh, that's, that's kind of the problem with Lucha in general. <laughs> but um, that aside, uh, who would you have number one if you had to vote today? Uh, my number two in 2016 and someone who I almost regretted not having at number one once I turned in my ballot. And that is Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, call him whichever you like. Um, still, in my opinion, probably the best worker WWE's had their hands on for like, if you're going through the best worker of WWE in the 2010s, I think it actually is either Brian or maybe Brock Lesnar, as weird as that is to say. Lesnar is a lot more inconsistent and isn't there in and all the time, but his high-end matches are very high-end. I would, uh, I would, see, I would think Sasha, but she's didn't have the first half of it, so that kinda... that's That's kind of the problem with Sasha. Yeah. Like, the best WWE year for the last 10 years, and arguably ever, was basically the like probably the what 18 months stretch this is more than a year technically where the shield debuted till Brian won the title at Mania yeah that was and great. yeah yeah that was i missed that year era of WWE wrestling a lot um figuring i don't watch current WWE now it's yeah it has a large part to do with it <laughs> but basically like during this my rewatching we've started to go through also some early ROH which is my heyday as a fan that's when I kind of got connected to the circle you know and Daniel Bryan was well Brian Danielson was very good in 2002 there we have footage of him being very good before that yeah. he last year had a good matchup with the fiend version of Bray Wyatt which I didn't think was possible before that matchup we have 20 years admittedly with it like a two-year gap in there due to injury where he's been one of the best wrestlers going in North America. Now, I honestly think you can make the claim he's been the best for a lot of those years. And there's just not many wrestlers you can make that claim for where they haven't had that big of a drop-off with us having extensive footage of it. Because like I've seen enough Nick Bockwinkel to know that Nick Bockwinkel is probably amazing for more and for like 25 years. But we just don't have enough consistent footage to be 100% certain. Probably about 95 to 99, but not 100. I'd, I'd put Negro Casas in that level. I need to watch a lot more Negro Casas. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's probably longer than 20 years for him, which oh, is yeah, kind it would of crazy. Be. It would uh, definitely be. But, well, the pro- even the yeah. problem with Casas, if my memory is correct, is we don't have much of his 80s. Um, yeah. Because he wasn't working in the right companies, basically, that the footage just popped up in. That's so, which, that isn't saying he wasn't amazing for the entire 90s and 2000s, because I'm pretty sure we have enough evidence to say, yes, he most definitely was, and was still good until... I haven't watched enough current, which I think they have heard his body's finally kind of caught up with yeah. him at this point. He's had... But he was, he'll, he'll pull out, like, um, a couple years ago, he had, like, a great match with um, uh, Corey Graves' brother, um or whatever the fuck he is, um, Sam Adonis. So, like, he can still do it, 
uh, but he, he, he's old, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's very old. But, like, it, it, it's wild to think that, like, people can be that good at that age, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Daniel Bryan's still pretty young. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that were just – I mean, the average wrestler in, like, the ma- a major North American company now is old as crap compared to what it used to be. But it's – there are – yeah, Brian, I don't even think he's turned – he's, like, either hasn't turned 40 yet or just did. Like, he's not nearly as old as I think a lot of people he think he was. Is me? I, I, I can hear you looking this up. <laughs> he is fucking younger than me by six yeah. months. Yes, uh, and he's May been a great wrestler for what twenty oh my years. Goodness. Yeah. I don't think it's a stretch now to say he's been great for twenty years. Now that I will say, the more I've been trying to come up with, like who are the guys that could actually knock him off at number one? Negro Casas is actually probably at the top of that list um, because that's then you get into the discussion of longevity versus how high quality of work. And Brian actually doesn't have longevity over Negro Casas, but he may. God, it's going to be very hard for me once I watch it. it there's going to probably be some bias there because Brian's been my guy for a very long time. Well, and also it's a different thing because, like, mm-hmm. in Lucha, week to week, you're doing trios matches that mean nothing. That's, and then yeah. you're getting, like, you know, once every month or two, a big singles match where you can really show off what you are. Um, while Daniel Bryan is basically told every show he's on that he is out there to have a great match. Um, and, and that, that's certainly an advantage that some modern workers have that I don't think we ever talk about is if you go back to the eighties, if you go to Mexico at any point, uh, even the nineties, um, you were not out there to have a good match all the time. That was like a rare treat you got. Um, so some of these modern candidates, like, they're basically, while Bret Hart was having four pay-per-view matches a year um, that were supposed to be really good, Daniel Bryan, like, out of his, you know, 200 matches he had a year, 150 of them were supposed to be great. Uh, How come I knew you were going to bring this back to Bret Hart? I, I didn't mean to. It was just the name <laughs> that jumped into my head. But, like, well, that's, a, that's something I've never thought about before, but there's certainly – there's certainly a very big advantage to being modern, and also a lot more of that footage is available as well. And even on top of that, how many guys that were like all-star territory wrestlers get hired by WWF and then just float in the mid-card there to collect paychecks, which I'm not going to hold against them. You're making your money and you're – like Rick Martel. <laughs> Rick Martel is another one of my guys. Like he's a candidate I'm going to push strongly. I personally think he's probably the best babyface wrestler I've ever seen. He is, I hit the AWA footage from him and the early goings of the Portland footage, which I've also been watching through. It was just Martel being awesome against almost a wide variety of opponents, and it was always consistent. Martel then goes to the WWF, becomes a good character heel, but he's not a heel that's there to have good matches anymore. He's just there to be a little. I mean, and he was good as a tag worker before that, obviously. Yeah. He has but, some re- really good stuff with Strike Force, but yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's not, not the goal, same. right? It's not the same like, opportunity, yeah. Like, the house shows, you weren't really meant to have supposed to have great matches. It was to basically sell you coming back to the next, for the next month. Uh, and pay-per-view matches weren't, like, really treated as anything special. 
Um, so even though there was a bunch of great matches, the majority of the matches were supposed to be storytelling stuff and not great matches. So it's very fascinating. And I think a big feather in Martel's cap is he is so much better as a babyface. And the moment he was turned babyface again in 98, he fucking ruled. Yeah. So. I mean, he, it wasn't for as long as it could have been, unfortunately. But yeah, he, that man just screams babyface charisma. I have no clue how they decided he was a heel. He's such a good uh, heel, though, like outside the ring. Oh, yeah. He's a great character heel. But as an in-ring performer, man, like, yeah. God, I could watch him wrestle Nick Bockwinkle forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think one other wrestler we wanted to touch on is two of our favorites. Um, and, and that is, uh, Lacey. Yes. Uh, this is, this is an interesting case because it's, okay, I'm not even sure if there's going to be listeners on here who don't even know. When they say, we say Lacey, they're going to think we're talking about Lacey Evans or Von Eric because they just don't know this. <laughs> and like, that's not meant as a shot. It's just, I think, the truth because, she basically, to a lot of wrestling fandom, unless you were in a very, very secluded spot, Lacey was the g- girl who managed Jimmy Jacobs and would occasionally have matches on ROH shows that, you know, was okay, um, just because they're never really given enough time or told, go out there and have an outright great match. But you host a Shimmer podcast, and I actually grew up watching Shimmer. Shimmer was, for a while, my favorite com- company around the time where Lacey was great. Lacey is, in my opinion, from maybe from 06 to 08, somewhere in that range, possibly the best working heel in wrestling. She is, eh. um, I would say, a more um, agile Nick Bockwinkle. <laughs> that statement makes me laugh, but it's not necessarily because it's I don't see the similarity. It's just like it, it just sounds um, so weird to say. And even as somebody who really loves her, it just seems like an awkward statement. She's so smart. Yeah, she's incredible. She, like I said, I was about to go into complimenting her next. <laughs> uh, I think this is – I'm not going to go into who it was who said this, but I we are both friends with a very, very, very big Nick Bockwinkle fan. I think he was talking about Bockwinkle being his number one potentially for this. And he's the one who brought up the Lacey to Bachwinkle comparison, not us. Um, and it's – there is an innate amount of heel charisma that just – she doesn't have to try to get heat. She just knows how to do it instinctively. She And she's also a very, very good in-ring performer and is – I'll steal another phrase that I've, has been brought up a lot in our conversations – an amazing small crowd worker. She knows how to play to make it so that everyone in a small building is getting the most out of her being and heel to that crowd, which is an underrated quality. But there's eight million underrated qualities in wrestling. But that's a pretty big one. Uh, we watched her have the match specifically the first Shimmer title match against Sarah Del Rey. And oh. I think all of us in that were watching that were stunned how like Sarah Del Rey is a good fucking wrestler. And I thought Lacey outworked her completely in that match. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's a shot to Sarah. It's just that Lacey was incredibly good in that entire performance. And that's her role in early Shimmer is amazing. The problem is that Lacey, A, didn't have much opportunity other than that in Shimmer to be a main event level wrestler because she was a woman in the mid-2000s Indies. That just isn't a thing. You know, if you're not in an all-women's company, you're not getting a main event shot as a woman. Well, and also wrestling was like her side fun hobby 
that was the other thing. Like she was in college getting like an actual, I believe it was a doctorate. Um, I like, and she retired from wrestling in, I think 2008 to 2009, somewhere in that range. She's had like two matches as a comeback, I think maybe even one where she, and she was just out. And it's, I've always find the an interesting discussion when you get to here is somebody who for a very short amount of time was so incredibly good that it's basically inarguable. My usual go-to for this is actually Paul London. I'm someone who voted for Paul London in 2016, and Newsflash, I'm going to vote for Paul London in 2026. I don't care if it has to be my number 100. There's no way I'm leaving him off the ballot because I think he was the best baby face in the world in 2002 and into 2003 in his ROH run, where he literally coined all of the annoying indie chants that go on today through his performances. Um, is not a deterrent, like – <laughs> I don't think it's a deterrent for the sole reason. It became a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing for him because it was heartfelt. Well, yeah, but you know? but he's he spurred on so much garbage. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying that we're going to. Well, this is kind of a bad example because I have my own complaints as a, of him as a candidate. That's like saying we're going to blame Shawn Michaels for all the shitty high flyers from the early two thousands who did do oh, nothing. I blame Shawn Michaels for a lot. That's fair. Shawn Michaels wasn't not- on my list, and he's not going to be on my list. Newsflash. I have a lot of big problems with Michaels myself, but I'm not going to view his influence impacting wrestlers who are less smart than he was as a negative for him. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. you know, and that's kind of the same thing where London was an incredibly good babyface that was and very very good at having really great matches with, you know, I'll put it this way: there was he had a stretch in 2003 where he had matches with AJ Styles and and Dan, uh, Brian Danielson. Both of them, to me, were incredible matches. And then Styles and Danielson, who are the more held-up workers historically, had a match against each other that was good, but it wasn't as good as either of those guys' matches with London. That's pretty telling to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, but well, my main, go off on London, man. Do it. Oh, I, there's not much further I can go, though I will say he was very good in that London and Kendrick tag team. And he was really good as a velocity worker, too, I will note. Uh, his series with Akio, a a.k.a. Jimmy Yang, was probably the best singles matches Yang ever had in his career. <laughs> but to go back to the main overarching point, the then you get into the debates of, okay, here's a wrestler who had 15 to 20 years of being good. And here's a wrestler who had two to three years of being great. Which is more important? I mean, and I think it also is impacted by how far, like, what the other guy builds around his career. Like, if you get a wrestler who is great for three years and then completely falls off a cliff but still wrestles for ten years producing crap, I'll actually view that worse than a wrestler who just stops wrestling completely after those three years because that bad stuff still exists. It's still part of your case. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. So, uh, I've had a lot of mixed feelings on this, this topic and, um, you know, you guys have five years to uh, sway me to whatever version you want to sway me to. But the, where I currently stand is, um, so basically when you make a list, you're comparing a person to a person, you're putting one above the other. Um, so you have wrestler A, wrestler B. To me, you take their prime, and it has to be like four years, five-ish, right? You take their primes and you compare them. As a base, whoever's better at their best is going to be higher, but there's outside factors of how good or bad they were 
outside of that prime. And those factors can overcome the other one. But it has to be more, if that makes sense. It, it, it's a tricky concept. Yeah, I think I need a graph like to lay it out. But well, yeah. We're also kind of going into the fundamental, and this is a weird thing to say on a podcast designed to hype up this project. Then you also get into those fun discussions where you're like, well, I like this better, and I like wrestler A better than wrestler B. I like, but for some reason, to me, it feels wrong to put wrestler B above wrestler C, but I actually think wrestler uh, C is better than wrestler A. So now you've got like a triangle of, I have no clue what order I'm going to put these people in, because I think one of them works above the other, and the other one doesn't. I'm not sure if that made any sense. I'm, But basically, you're going to have – there's going to be a certain point where I think when you're going to be super passionate about like your top 20, probably in that order. And then there's going to be some spots around 75 to 80 where you're just like, I can move this guy up and down this list because it's almost impossible to differentiate. So yeah. there's going to be a spot where like you have five people and they're like interchangeable. And yes. to me, it's just whoever had the best face paint gets higher. Right? I think that's the way it works. <laughs> that's... What if none of them had face paint? What if... Then where do you... What well, then you imagine what their face paint would be and who has the mm. best imaginary face paint, I think, is the way it works. Who's your ultimate tiebreaker on that one? Who's the wrestler that didn't wear face paint that you think would have the best face paint? Now you got me curious. Um, I think if you... See, a lot of the best wrestlers did have face paint. That's very true, yes. That's the thing. Um, no, nah, Bret Hart's face paint would be bad. Uh, that wouldn't work. We He's finally too- found the tiebreaker that's going to lean against <laughs> Bret Hart. <laughs> this is this is how you get Negro Casas above Bret Hart, is uh, Negro Casas would be better with face paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is 100% true, yeah. I just can't imagine Bret Hart's facial you know, reactions playing with face paint. Well, he, very I think point. he's just too pretty. I would not agree, but that's your decision. <laughs> he's a very handsome man. Um, so before we uh, we move on to the next guest here, uh, what are you looking forward to for 2026? Uh, just everything, as weird as it is to say. I have so much footage I want to watch, and I love the fact that there's going to be a good group to discuss literally anything with like if i just decide i'm going to deep dive into all of the world of sport that i desperately need to watch i can do that if i you know because i that's the thing like literally i'm kind of always been lagging behind on footage due to various issues over the course of my life and now i've got a chance to just get caught up on as much as i can in five years i was going to say everything but there's more footage to watch in five years yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, there's always more coming so. yeah that's a good point because um, within people who have been involved with GWE in the past and will be uh, this time, there is someone who is pretty well-versed on each topic. So if you need help in a certain area, um, there's probably someone you can ask. Be like, hey, what is the best world of sport I should watch? There's probably someone there that can answer that for you or point you in the right direction. And also, I'm sure you can you can find a good handful of people who have never watched that topic as well, who are also interested that you can explore together. Uh, so that that's a fascinating thing that is very exciting as well. Yeah, because 
I know I've got a hit list coming up of uh, 80s New Japan that I'm super excited about. And so, hey, you want to watch some uh, Fujiwara and Fujidami? <laughs> uh, I'll watch that one Inoki Hansen match where Hansen hits a lariat on the apron. It's like the best finish ever. Um, is that the best finish ever, or is Vader absolutely killing Inoki the best finish ever? Oh, that's great, too. But it's a great finish. As long as it involves Anoki getting his ass kicked, I think we're both going to find it engaging. (laughs) That's usually a good finish. Uh, That's for sure. Um, Anything you want to hype uh, before I kick you off here? Uh, Nothing really, unfortunately. No podcast or anything like that. But if you want to guess on a podcast, I'll be more than willing, assuming it's wrestling related. If it's not wrestling related, chances are probably much further down if I'd be interested. There is um, a glass blowing show, a reality competition show on Netflix that looks very fascinating. Um, so you don't want to do a reaction show with me on that? Maybe. <laughs> that actually does sound fascinating. Uh, get back to me. We'll, we'll keep in contact. I believe it's called Blown Away. Oh, I was waiting for some sort of abysmal pun there. <laughs> but that one, like, that one's actually a pretty decent pun. I was waiting for, like, a dirty pun. This, I no. was imagining the show wasn't even, like, a real thing, and you just completely made it up on the spot. But, no, no, it's a real thing. It, oh. and it exists on uh, Netflix, so check it out, everyone. Uh, watch some Blown Away. Um, there. There's a, there's a plug you didn't expect yeah. on this Yeah, podcast. that's the plug for us, yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Thank you, Daniel, and we'll move on to the next guest now. All righty. Have a good one. And we're back, and I'm back with um, probably a top five favorite former co-host of mine, J.R. Goldberg. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How many total co-hosts have you had? Because if it's Way five, too many. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I've had a lot of podcasts that, uh, for some reason or the other, uh, didn't last. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like we had a pretty good run. We did. We had long enough run. Podcasts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's yeah. enough. So. Life gets in the way, you know? We are on episode... I believe 73 of the pro wrestling super show right now that we're on. Excellent. So that's pretty good. That's good. Um, so JR, um, when I was putting together this launch party, I, uh, I invited a lot of cool guests and you've heard some of them already. And you're about to hear some more after I'm done with JR. JR is the only person to invite themselves. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, sounds like me. So, um, what are your thoughts on JW, uh, JWP, um, which is a side topic, but we can talk about GWE first. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, honestly, like, it, GWE was was the perfect, like, last song of the message board era for me, you know? Yeah. It was, like, the perfect send-off, and I'm... I know we're probably not going to touch on this too much during this conversation, but it's it's going to be really interesting for me to see sort of how the whole process changes uh, when people are just so less centralized, you know? Yeah, that's a conversation that will take place later in this podcast, how you, 
person listening right now mm-hmm. um, can get involved. Uh, and it, it won't be completely in one place. It will, it will be uh, decentralized. So that will be an interesting thing because maybe there was a little bit of um, a group think uh, when everyone was in one place for the conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think there was. And then it's interesting because I think that the sort of the most hurt feelings about (laughs) it when it was on PWO were that people didn't follow groupthink enough, right? Or that the, you know, that the, like, I remember getting so mad when the luchadors started, like, dropping in the 20s. Like, when Casas was, like, 20th or whatever, I was just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with this. Like, because it... (laughs) It proved to me that, like, no matter how much work I did, and you know how sort of compelling a case you could make for someone, it, it only went so far, you know. Yeah, and what's funny, and I had this conversation um, with someone else very recently, um, and they had the same reaction to me. They're like, look at all the progress. We got more luchadors on the list. You know, <laughs> they were a lot more represented. And then with the numbers, like, then people, we saw people starting to react. We're like, oh, people weren't happy that there was progress. <laughs> there wasn't enough progress. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, uh, when, uh, people weren't happy that Biden won because they didn't get, you know, Bernie, um, pretty much. <laughs> yes. I suppose there, there's a, there's a, like a, a metaphor for harm reduction in the in the GWE, right? Uh, yeah, but. pretty good. Um, so, <laughs> wow, um, man, we can go in so many different directions. And since um, you know this is your section of the show, uh, what direction do you want to go from here? Uh, well, so I mean, one thing that we were talking uh, about just before you know, we started hitting the record button was about how how the past, what, five years or so and Twitter and how present wrestlers are on social media now um, and just sort of speaking out and things like that and how that would affect your your rankings moving forward. Because certainly I think in... 2016 when we were doing this there were people that fell or got left off because of various things i mean chris benoit being the the prime example right i mean i didn't rank chris benoit and nor did i in my yeah in my head i could make a convincing argument that chris benoit is like not for me right like there yeah. he, he doesn't wrestle a style of wrestling that i find particularly compelling anymore but like if chris benoit had not you know, done what Chris Benoit did, I don't think I would have made that case if I'm being completely honest with myself, but he probably would have been somewhere in the 80s or something like that, right? That's very Um, fair. Um, I think I might have talked myself out of Benoit um, because of what he did, Um, and I could definitely make that case, and I think in 2016, um, maybe I would have um, had to have made that case a little bit more than I would have where I am now. Yeah. Um, but definitely, yeah, I probably would have thrown him in on the, bo- like near the bottom of my list if, uh, he wasn't a uh, murderer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, but, you know, looking at my list now, it's interesting just looking at it and seeing, you know, people that are on here that 
maybe don't make the cut or take a significant nosedive, not because they've done any more work or anything, but just because I might be, after the past five years of my life, like less comfortable uh, rewarding or giving credential or credence to someone that is bad. I mean, I'm looking at the first few names of my ballot here, and what is 13, 14, 17th on my list is Jim Brakes. And, uh, and like, you know, Jim Brakes is a murderer, right? Is he? Oh, I, uh, I don't know the Jim Brakes story, but. Oh, yeah, uh, no, I think that's, uh, that's not good. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, Jim Brakes is, has been on trial for murder in the Bahamas or something. I think he killed a girlfriend and the, the claim is that it's due to dementia, right? Um, but, you know, who knows? Um, or I, let's just go three people down and number 20, I had Jerry Lawler. And like, I had Lawler four. I cannot right? do that again. I like that feels <laughs> so like it look, it feel just looking at my list. That feels dirty. Right. And it's interesting because like, there's nothing I can point to in the last five years that Jerry Lawler has done. It's not like he became a worse person recently. No, uh, no. No, I mean, it's, it's just that I think that I'm at a point in my life where I have to look at things with a more discerning eye in that regard. You know, I don't think I can separate art from artists, so to speak, in the way that I told myself I could when I was five years younger than I am now, you know? Well, like, just thinking about it, like, um, if you would have asked me early 2020 who the best wrestler of the last couple of years was, I would have said easily David Starr. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And, if, and if you would have told me, uh, asked me, you know, later in 2020 who the best wrestler in the world was, David Starr wouldn't have even been a thought, like, right, like top yeah. 100. You know, like, it would have took a long time before I got the David Starr. And I, I think, you know, as we, as we become um, more aware and more things are getting pointed to us about how horrible um, people are, especially men, um, yeah. that, uh, luckily I think the tolerance for that behavior is going down. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah. I think it was a tolerance thing because I always knew it was bad and I'd call it out. Like if my friend said something stupid, I would always call it out, but there was always a, like, I had a way more tolerance for it five years yeah. ago than I do now. That's you know, I, so I remember this is, this is actually interesting. So I remember having a conversation um, maybe it was probably right after GWE or something like that. And it was about, um, Dick Murdoch, probably it's probably about Dick Murdoch, right? Um, probably. and it was, it was talking about how, um, like the, the reaction to Dick Murdoch, who was a Klansman, right. For people yeah. who don't know, right. Or, or allegedly was, uh, probably, a racist on some level, just like everyone says Ric Flair is a, a racist, even though we don't have sort of a clear cut evidence like we do with Hogan about that. Right. Um, Flair, he has but, other issues. Flair has other issues too. <laughs> um, 
but uh but you know and then they were sort of comparing it to something like uh you know jessica havoc who you know had used the n-word on twitter right and they were saying you know it shouldn't this be the same shouldn't we like sort of rate these things the same and i think at the time my argument was that we have to take like historical context into into account a little bit yeah that you know saying the n-word on twitter in 2018 or whatever right is like on some level that person should absolutely know better right like there is no world that you can grow up in today where people don't know that that word should not be uttered you know or that you know you shouldn't make uh, racist jokes right like it's just you know you can you can make arguments otherwise but to me they don't hold water whereas you know dick murdoch you know born in what the mid 40s early 50s or something like that right like his upbringing was you know during segregation right like totally. and it it's th- that probably should be weighed on some level and i i believe that fervently i wasn't just trying to make like a contrarian argument that allowed me to morally dodge a big question, you know? Uh, but at the same time, like, uh, and I, I still, if someone else made that argument today, I wouldn't fault them for making it. I'm just not sure that I can make that argument for myself today. You know? Yeah. It's, um, there's actually a big conversation in my country that, um, um, you probably never heard of because uh, it's Canada and that news doesn't travel outside of Canada, <laughs> but it's probably, go south. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably pretty relevant to um, things happening in the States. And it, it's definitely relevant to this conversation is the very first prime minister of Canada, Sir John A. Macdonald, um, you know, he helped form this country. Like without him, there probably wouldn't have been a Canada. He is also a racist who committed genocide. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And there's a bunch of monuments and places named after him. And there's obviously people who, you know, like, yeah, we obviously can learn about the history of Sir John A. Macdonald and what they did and his importance. But we don't need to, you know, have statues and name and honor things after him. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is kind of this conversation is kind of entering the wrestling world. A little bit. Like, you see some of these people kind of sneak back in. Um, I, I know some of the people have done some horrible shit are, like, back um, without repercussions, really. Yeah, uh, of course. Which is right. fucking sad. But, yeah, um, but yeah there, it, it's an interesting thing because, like, it, it's going to be a personal thing because I, I, I can't, you know, tell you how, like, if someone's a racist – you can't, you know, you can't honor right. them. You can't have a racist in the top 50. Um, that's a personal thing you can do. Um, and I know for me, it's a lot harder and it's definitely going to hurt a lot of these, these people who are kind of awful. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I, it, it's hypocritical on some level, right? But it, we all, if we're being honest with ourselves, like do give 
more forgiveness to people whose work we like, right? Like, it's sad. You know, I am, I'm not a huge fan of David Starr's work, right? So for me, it was easy to cast David Starr aside, right? (laughs) I do like Jerry Lawler's wrestling. So do I make excuses because he's a sex monster? Uh, I mean, probably, I, I probably did that, right? Um, but I don't know if I can anymore. I don't know. It, it's gonna, that's gonna be the, the thing for me. And it's going to be what I, uh, wrestle with the entire time simply because it, it's, it's not something mathematical that I can just say, like any, anyone who, uh, you know, uh, committed statutory rape. Uh, it gets a 15 point penalty on my ballot or something, you know, like that's silly, right? Like that's, that's just not how human brains work. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, and the easiest thing probably is to, to say if this stuff is important to me, then, then they shouldn't be on there at all. Right. Like that's the, the sort of the, the binary solution. But then I fear that I end up with a top 100 ballot that I know in my heart is not representative of who I think the top 100 wrestlers truly are, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, like, is this a list of who you think the top 100 wrestlers are? Um, is this a list of the top 100 wrestlers that you think are the best but you can also tolerate as people? Right. Um, is it, or what is it? Because there's there's many levels in between that range as well. Um, and yeah, Lawler, I had four last time. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, like. Can I completely drop him from four to nothing? Like, or he's definitely lower. Um, I'm adding yeah. like forty women that I didn't have on my <laughs> ballot yeah. last time, at least. Um, so, but how like? You know, can he go from four to a hundred? That's, that's a fucking drop without wrestling during that period. <laughs> right. Know. Yeah. I mean, so. was the, was the Miz match on TV? Was that before 2016? It probably was, right? It probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause that match rules, right? If it that does. happened after 2016, <laughs> maybe Lawler goes higher for me. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, and it's interesting. I mean, it's just like, how do we, how do we grade this stuff, right? Like, I'm looking at the back half of my ballot here, right? And at 93, uh, Loki is there. Yeah. Right. And like, Loki is, to the best of my knowledge, not a racist. He is not, uh, uh, you know, a sex monster. Um, you know, I, I don't think Loki has ever done anything ostensibly morally awful but i mean he he is like a dummy right like he's like a anti-vax dummy right like does does that stuff in the world that we're in now affect where loki is like although i mean loki's probably a bad example because we sort of always knew dummy, right i think aj styles will be an interesting case aj styles is a very interesting case yeah i had him in the 70s last time right Uh, i think there's almost no way to his case Yeah, no, AJ is probably going way, way higher. But he's going lower, uh, if not dropped from mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, AJ did not make my ballot. 
and uh, and he won't this time. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting, you know. I think a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be uh, definitely in the past a lot of people just could, you know, ignore personal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You see, yeah. even people today will defend Benoit like as a wrestler and kind of ignore the problems. But I think there's going to be more people this time that have a bigger problem with personal stuff. Um, and I think a lot of it too, like a lot of these wrestlers are a lot more um, visible. Um, we know a lot more about who they are as people, um, whether it's podcasts or Twitter or totally. um, YouTube channels or whatever it is yeah. um, for good or bad. Like, um, Asuka, um, I don't know all about her past. I've, I've heard some weird stuff, um, that I haven't really delved in, but like her YouTube channel is very delightful. Um, Oh yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) And that's Um, endearing. And if you see that and then you see some other wrestler who's like kind of just a jerk and is like talking about mass in an idiotic way. Like Austin Aries, for example. Like Austin Aries. Like, you're not going to be, um, even if it's a subconscious thing, I think you're more likely to want to check out the people that are more delightful and watch less of the people who are jerks. And even if you're not like doing it on a conscious level, um, it, it might uh, affect a lot more people's lists. Yeah, no, I think that's really valid. And I think that, um, you know, I think there's a, in the past six years, there's a new breed of fan. Maybe they're always there, but I think they're, uh, probably the most consistently growing demographic of fan that started as new Japan fans and are now sort of AEW fans, probably Um, maybe some indie stuff too, where um, their fanhood is based on sort of parasocial relationships with a specific wrestler uh, like Kenny Omega is a really good example here, right? The Young Bucks. Um, the Young Bucks, Kota Ibushi, you know, um, Shinsuke Nakamura before he signed. Uh, but there, there's probably going to be people who, uh, and this is a, an issue that I think PWO did a really good job of fighting when it was centralized, um, where I think people, well, not all people, but I think a lot of people really took the time to try and figure out uh, in their head what the difference between favorite and best is for them. Yeah. Because my list certainly was not a list of my hundred favorite wrestlers, right? Yeah. I had John um, Tenta a hundred, not number one. Yeah. I had survival Tobita a hundred, right? Uh, but so, I mean, there, there's always room for fun and you want to make it your own, right? I mean, yeah. unless you're Parv, there's no way you can math this out. <laughs> um, but, nice but, yeah, there you go. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, that, but I think when you, when you inevitably sort of spread it out and invite more people, which is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. Um, yes you you're going to get lists that maybe give people like me and you to a lesser extent um you know the people that 
uh, you know, maybe are more intimidating for new fans or, you know, can be viewed as gatekeepery, even if that's not the intention uh, or anything like that, right? People who have invested a lot of time and mental energy into wrestling, like the Sagun Nakaida people of the world, right? Um, those, the new lists are going to give us some consternation, right? Because we're going to see, you know, people who are ranked really highly uh, that are baffling to us, but it's because those people are nice on some level, or at least outwardly so, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and that's, that's not wrong. No, it's not wrong. Uh, it is, yeah. Or like, um, like another aspect of it is um, some people that, you know, are maybe didn't get the opportunities because of these issues too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like look at what they did with the opportunities they had um and what like their work was but like you know maybe they 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 would never get these epic main events that a lot of people get um yeah it's interesting i mean um oh that's a really interesting point too to take this conversation in a totally different <laughs> direction um but the the style has never been as homogenized as it is right now right like mm-hmm. up and down the card for, for 2016 to now, every match is, is wrestled as a main event epic style, right? Yeah. Um, like every mid Carter, like, like there's no such thing as like the, the, except in CMLL, I guess. There, there's no longer such a thing where like, oh, when you're the first match on the card or the second match on the card, you're not allowed to do dives because the main eventers have to save it, right? Like every, everyone just throws bombs the entire <laughs> time. I mean, that's probably affects people's view of, of wrestling for, for good or for ill. I mean, for me, it's untenable. I can't watch modern wrestling, you know, but, yeah. uh, for a lot of people, I mean, they're going to say like, Oh, if we, uh, Brian Cage is tremendous, you know, goes out and has 20 minute epics every time. This guy's a monster. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there, but. No, I completely understand. And I think one of the, the people, the person that came to mind when you talked about opportunity a minute ago, which is, uh, someone that I think will probably be a high riser on your ballot for sure. And I think will be, uh, you won't be alone, I guess is what I'm saying is Mercedes Martinez. Oh, fuck, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's someone that just absolutely like sort of toiled in the shadows for so long, you know, and if for people that, for the hundred people that watched every shimmer show, I mean, she was this like super worker. And now that she's sort of out in the world a little bit more, I think it's more apparent, you know, I think for the last three years, at least she's been the best wrestler in the world easily. Um, and yeah, I've, uh, um, I'm actually having a private conversation with someone where they've actually never seen Mercedes Martinez. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh, making my case for somehow getting her, you know, top 25, <laughs> top, <laughs> top 10 for that person. Um, so yeah. wow. I'm like yeah. feeding them, feeding them like, cause like, think about it, man. In Shimmer started 2005. She was pretty uh-huh. damn great. And like I was saying, the last couple of years, she's in the best wrestler in the world. Um, that's, that's ridiculous longevity. Um, it's really crazy. And like, I do have an issue with Mercedes that is my own fault. And, um, it's also part of the industry's fault is there's like a big gap 
outside of Shimmer until like mm-hmm. 2016, 2017, um, yeah. that I hopefully can fill in um, and really make that case. Um, but looking through even like Cage Match, um, it's not the opportunities that uh, some other people might have. Absolutely, you know. Um, no, it's really, really interesting. And do you think she's going to be the highest riser on your on your ballot? Someone that you didn't rank and is going to be like way high up there? Someone I didn't rank that will be the highest. Um, Did you rank Hakuto last time? Yeah, 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 you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hakuto. Um, fuck. This is embarrassing. Do I have to say it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Devil Masami. Not uh, so bad. That's okay. Yeah. Not ranking hers is the embarrassing part. Yeah, um, well, it's fine. Miko uh, Satomura will also be huge in that battle. Oh well, I yeah, that's a really interesting case. I mean, I think that that she's on a short list of people whose stock raised the most from from work over the over the past five years. You know, yeah. Um, sure. The person for me, I mean, and this is a a different conversation entirely, but. I left L.A. Park off my ballot last what? time. Uh, yeah, he wasn't on there. I was like, eh, his work is fine, but, like, it, it's too hit or miss. And, like, I mean, I think that you could make a case that he he has had a match of the year candidate every match of the last decade, you know? I had him 41. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. In between Andre the Giant and Bill Dundee. That's a good, that's a good... <laughs> Really? So you sent me my list a couple days ago, and one of my favorite things has been going back to look at, like, the the funniest, like, sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So this, for me, I think is my funniest sandwich uh, is, or this would be 25, 26, and 27. Uh, 25 is Kenta Kabashi. 26 is Super Porky, nice. and 27 is uh, Chigusa Nagayo. Oh, wow. I think that's a that's a pretty good sandwich. That's like a great war team, too. They should have had a war team. <laughs> My favorite sandwich, now that I'm looking at it, is 45, 46, 47. Mm-hmm. Uh, 47 is Sean Waltman, 46 is John Cena, and 45 is Virus. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> There's uh, a war team right there. Yeah. So Cena on mine is between Fujinami and Johnny Saint. Uh, Johnny Saint, uh, Johnny Saint probably falls on my list. Uh, but the person right after Johnny Saint is Jumbo. So Fujinami, Cena, Jumbo, that feels very right to me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking back at this list, it's, it's, there's a lot of embarrassment and I don't really want to, um, uh, a conversation I actually had with someone else um, as well is like, are you going to take your list and just approve upon it or like just fucking chuck it <laughs> and start? Uh, that's very interesting. So uh, I'll probably do a mix of both. My, I think what I'm going to do, I mean, there's. I don't think my top 10. N- no, I shouldn't say that. My top five almost definitely is not changing. Like, my top five is still my top five. Um, and then, like, the the big issue for me in my top ten is still Flair. Oh, Flair is... And Flair at ten. I have Flair at six, and, like, 
Again, it's one of those things where it's it's how I view best versus how I view favorite, right? Because like the flair resume is quite impeccable, and I cannot lie and say that like there aren't a, a absolutely astronomical number of Ric Flair matches that I truly absolutely love. Um, and at some point it becomes undeniable, but like, I hate having Ric Flair in my top 10. I don't feel like it's <laughs> indicative of the wrestling fan that I am. I feel like I'm doing it because it's expected of me. I know? totally did that. I last time, cause I don't like Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, he's undeniable, right? So yeah. in my head, I was like, I can justify him at 10. But I probably can't justify him lower. So he went at 10. Right. Um, this time that's going to change. Um, I don't know how much, but yeah. like, I, I kind of dislike Flair as a wrestler. I fucking hate Flair as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he's had so much greatness. It, 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 he might be the hardest person for me to rank, to be honest. I think the single best piece of criticism to come out of the last GWE was Matt D calling Ric Flair like the idiot savant wrestler. Where oh, like yeah. he's he's had all these incredible matches, but like I'm absolutely positive that Ric Flair could not tell you like why they're good or how he did it or like there's absolutely nothing introspective about him as a performer. Oh you know? yeah, I don't think he's a smart worker at no. all. He's not um, Nick Bockwinkel. He's not Lacey. Um, no, no, no. He's, yeah. he's not a smart worker, but he's an amazing athlete with great instincts. Uh, and amazing yeah. charisma. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's an interesting comparison that some people made last GWE and, and I think I bought into it then. Um, but I'm, uh, now I think I buy into it even more, although I'd have to watch them sort of back to back and really do a deep dive. But um I think Ric Flair and Minami Toyota yeah. is like the really interesting argument. I think they're tremendously similar workers. And I think yeah. that my the faults I find with them are are really similar and the things that impress me about them and the things that I think are appealing to most fans about them are really similar. And it's bizarre because like I had Flair at six, I had Toyota where I don't know thirty something probably. Um, no, twenty four. And if I, if you asked me right now, I'd probably tell you I like watching Toyota matches better, even though I don't particularly care for her. And if I was being honest with myself, I may throw Flair down in that twenty four range. You know, yeah. I think that's probably a more accurate spot. I had Toyota right behind Arn Anderson. <laughs> I like that. Arn's probably a better worker than Flair. You talk about opportunity, you know? Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. And a big shout out to the people I watch Joshi with every Monday night as they are, a few of them are probably freaking out about Toyota and Flair being compared. And <laughs> that makes me very happy. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing your response to that. Um <laughs> But man, yeah, they, they are. They, they're. I think to me, Flair, um, Toyota, they're kind of like in that strain of like Harley Race to Flair to like Kurt Angle, um, mm-hmm. like that range of just like I'm a great athlete. Um, yeah. I have natural instincts. I'm 
not smart about how it yep. works, but I yep. overcome that with, you know, my other awesome skills. Um, and like, sometimes they'll make you tear your hair out watching them and sometimes you'll be in awe of them. And it, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's it, no one can, like I said, no one can deny the end product a lot of times, but if you're a, if you care about process and stuff, then there's people that I probably value more, you know? Yeah, completely. Um, I'm a big process person. Part of the reason I'm on the, uh, Bret Hart band camp as much as I can be. Um, cause. And Brett probably rises on my list, realistically. I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. Like, I don't particularly care for Bret Hart. Like, he, he doesn't do a lot for me, but like, I mean, there's probably a, an argument that could be made that I ranked him too low. Um, is 80s for me somewhere. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, I had him five. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the 60s. He's in the 60s for me. Oh, okay, that's a little better. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Behind Vader and Mark Henry. That's yeah. Mark Henry, someone that he's on that list of like. I I, I think it's at like 50 people right now. Um, that's growing of people that I want to try to find room for. Right. Uh, but then if you look at a list of a hundred people and you're like, I want to put 50 on there, mm-hmm. you have to cut 50 people. And yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not, so, I mean, does. Here, here's a really funny thing. So I, I, this is sort of my methodology last time. Um, but like I making a list from scratch was like pretty daunting for me. And I, um, I sort of did tears a little bit. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know. My, my methodology was weird throughout, but one of the things that I did was I went in with the idea that Parada Morgan was the 50th best wrestler of all time. <laughs> Cause that just like, that sounded right in my head. Okay. You know, and then I took names of other people that I knew one I wanted to sort of represent on the list. And I asked myself, is this person better or worse than Parada Morgan? And that's how I decided if they were a top 50 worker or like a back half of the ballot worker. Hmm. Um, but I did this to the point where Parada Morgan ended up 73 on my ballot. <laughs> uh, so. That's pretty good. I like that yeah. story. Um, seventy three. That's probably where I put Morgan. Probably pretty close to that, to be honest. Yeah. No, I mean one of the interesting things 69. about my ballot is that there's there's people on there that like looking at the ballot. I I know I ranked just because of groupthink, right? Yeah. Um, and that there are people that didn't really do much for me, but I convinced myself on PWO that like, oh, if I'm ranking X, Y, and Z, right? Like if I'm, if I'm putting, uh, Jim Brakes and Johnny Saints on my list in the top 30, then if I leave off Marty Jones completely, then I'll get called a buffoon or something, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, there's people on there, like, as I go through this and look, where I'm just like, ah, like, that's not, if there's people on this list that are not uh, instructive for others on how I view wrestling, and that's a shame, you know? Yeah. 
And that's why, um, you know, doing a new list every 10 years is probably a good thing. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll see, like, individually, there'll be a lot of movement. I'm really curious um, if collectively there'll be a lot of movement as well. Yeah. So one thing that I was thinking, I mean, not to, to get back on Flair for just a second, because it's not all that interesting, but uh, I was thinking that there we could see a similar drop that we saw from Jumbo. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Jumbo went from 1 to 11 or something, right? From 2006 to 16. Yeah, I think yes. 1 to 11 sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Flair go from 1 to 8, 1 to 6, something like that. You know, and it, it's it's not because Flair did anything bad. It's just because, you know, maybe people got a little tired of him. Um, well, you know, Okada, to, Omega... Tanahashi right. all came around. There's three that drop him down. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, and both young bucks, right? So it, well, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of sort of heavy hitters for new people that will, that will rank highly. Um, there's people whose uh, work over the past five years probably boosted already strong cases. I mean, I think you are, you said you already discussed Daniel Bryan on this podcast. Um, so we don't need to go into him, but I mean, hero is another person, you know, who had a really tremendous, uh, run after, I mean, I don't know if it's a run that unseats flair, but you know, uh, it's probably a run that makes him a more interesting top tier candidate. Um, you know, for a lot of people, Omega or Ibushi or Okada are people, um, or Shibata are people that, uh, that are more interesting to, to look at their cases versus somebody like Flair now, you know? And we have five years. Like, um, yeah. look at what Sasha Banks has done in the last five years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Add I mean, another, if she does another five years, like the last five years. Yeah, that's that's a fucking resume right there. Right. Hey, look, I'll I'll throw this out there. I'll throw this out there. I mean, I so aside from Casas, who is number one purely because he's the biggest outlier in the history of wrestling, uh, is you know has had forty years of good matches. No one else can say it. Um, but like, I'm a I'm a pretty high believer in like peak, you know, and and someone yeah. who. Uh, has like a, a good one year run or two year run or someone who had, you know, a couple really great matches for a period of, you know, a year for a short period of time. Like, uh, I like voting on, I'm not a Dylan voter or whatever where, you know, I'm like, Oh, this guy was like pretty good on TV for five years. That's, that's it. Right. That's the ticket. I'm a, <laughs> you know, I, I want, I want a greatest hits that I can watch, you know? Yeah. Um, like you'll laugh at me for saying this, but like, I think Ronda deserves discussion, you know? That's a good call. I mean, and she, another, girl. another despicable person, right? But yeah. like, one, one, like, the, the best single year, like the best first year in wrestling history, except for maybe like Volcon, right? Uh, yeah, there's very few, um. Like, no one's had a rookie year as good as Ronda Rousey. 
She just knocked yeah. it out of the park every single opportunity she got. Every match was good. Yeah. And, you know, she she could come back. Um Yeah, absolutely. She could do another run. I mean, who's to say, right? Um Exactly. But yeah. It's very interesting to to put people in perspective like that, you know? And speaking of someone who had a short peak, um, but has definitely added to their case, um, I'm curious um, if uh, people are going to give Goldberg more respect. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, where, where did he finish last time? Do you remember? Um, I'll look it up if yeah. you... Uh, Want to continue your point? There. Yeah, or like, I mean, uh, or his his major opponent. I would not be shocked if Lesnar got on a lot of ballots. Oh yeah, definitely will. Uh, yeah. Goldberg was two sixty five last time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he probably did enough to get the top two hundred, right? Yeah, I think sort of overall. Yeah, that feels right to me. Yeah, right between Kojima and Gorgeous George. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, he was two sixty five. Kenny Omega was two fifty nine. Yeah, so Omega Omega is probably And Shingo was two fifty five. Oh god. There's there's uh, a stretch of people well, that are gonna jump. <laughs> yeah. Ricochet was I mean, two seventy. Yeah, well, I mean Yeah, Ricochet will will get higher, but I don't I mean I, I don't think I by an argument that he's a top hundred worker of all time. Where was Osprey? Osprey's another person that is laughably going to be like a lock for top ten when we do this. Um, I don't. William Osprey, five fifty seven, one vote, one at one hundred. <laughs> okay, one so, spot below Vince McMahon. Wow, I would say that Vince is a better worker than William Osprey. Um, have so I stopped watching William Osprey um mm-hmm. at some point. So um but from what I'm told, he has in the last year or so really figured it out. Um and has become a complete worker. So Yeah, so I mean I've been told that too, but I've been told that by people who I know whose taste is significantly different than mine. <laughs> right? That's so so, so like <laughs> like I mean if my, you know, if some ten-year-old tells me that like the latest Transformers movie is the greatest movie of all time, I take that with a grain of salt, you know. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I hear you though. Like, there's certain um, people whose um, whose taste in wrestling vastly yeah. different from mine, and if they say someone is great, it's or like is doing this. Um, yeah, I'm not going to like. It might be great for them, but it, it's definitely not great. Something I want to see for sure. Right. All Just right, like when I like the people I promote, like some yeah, of them. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of people I love that uh, people kind of would scoff at. Like I'm one of the people I really want to explore, and I want to try to find a case. And they they might. Um, that might be at the bottom of my ballot, just like John Tenta was last time, is uh, Nikki Bella. Like, talk about <laughs> someone who's who improved, like, two million-fold. Oh, once, yeah. Once they were given an opportunity. Once so, they figured out they could just paste people with elbows. <laughs> yeah. Once <laughs> Masawa, like, yeah. donated. Like, 
died and the power was infused into Nikki Bella's elbows. Yeah. Um, she became an all time worker. Um, so I'm really curious because she had little opportunity and I'm curious what it was like pre revolution. Like if I go back and watch her, um, are there the glimpses there or did she just figure it out later in her career? Right. Yeah. No, it's, and that's, it's, it's so interesting, you know, and it, it's, it's so much of wrestling is about time frame when people came up, right? Like I was thinking about this with Mark Henry the other day because, you know, uh, not the other day, maybe a couple months ago, because I was watching Keith Lee, right? Who is a very frustrating worker for me to watch. Um, because he wrestles in a style that I think is, uh, exciting when you see him one time and does not play to his strengths when he's on TV every week. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, if Mark Henry came around right now, they would probably have him like trying to do dives and shit, right? Oh, Mark Henry would be doing like, uh, top rope frog splashes and shit. Yeah, like, I mean, they, you know, cause he was a tremendously athletic guy and they would have just like, uh, had him bumping around like a cruiserweight, you know, like he would have been going 50 50 on main event with Ricochet or whatever, right? Yeah. And people would have said like, oh, th- this guy's tremendously athletic and that would have been the end of it, right? Um, and that's, you know, it sort of makes me sad, but I mean, Mark Henry is better off because he came up in a time where, uh, being a super heavyweight was still, uh, like a really marketable skill, you know, and once he figured it out, I mean, he just, uh, went on a huge, tremendous run. Um. Yeah, once they stopped making him do comedy. Yeah, exactly, right? Um. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, while, you know, the, the Bellas, I mean, conversely, the opposite is true, right? Where, you know, they came up when, uh, the expectation was that they were going to have four minutes to go out there and like gyrate with Kelly Kelly. And that was it. Right. Yeah. I think one of the most fascinating things that has happened in the last five years is, um, and, and I know we kind of talked about this with uh, Tim earlier on the podcast. So we don't have to go too in depth in it, but uh, if you watch those Royal Rumbles and those battle Royals and all these things where these divas have come back and you're like, like like why is tori wilson actually a decent wrestler like what the fuck mm-hmm. like yeah. ha, like was she all along and she was just like constrained like what the fuck is this and like all these people that have come back that were you know you never really thought anything of at the time right yeah were, were like they looked like they fit uh when they sure. were there and it, yeah. so yeah it, it's man to really like nail down how you judge these things is really a difficult task and everyone's going to have a different journey on that and yeah that that's that's fascinating and i love to hear other people's thought processes and i love discussing how someone else judges another worker and discussing it that 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 fast that might fascinate me more than actually discussing the workers themselves to yeah. be honest we are assuming by the way that everyone is using big law uh, the system that Parv devised, uh, and that all of this stuff is just secondary to your findings with, uh, with Big Lob. So. Well, yeah. Um. Yeah, of course. Right. I, I, I came up with a system like that, but it was. <laughs> but you didn't promote it as the be all and end all on a message board? 
No, I did it as a joke. It was <laughs> it was like woman plus five, men minus five, <laughs> and shit like that. Um, <laughs> did they wear face paint plus five? Um, Canadian <laughs> plus ten. Yeah, exactly. That was that was kind of my format um, yeah. as a joke. Um, <laughs> but you know that that is what it is. So um, you touched on Negro Casas. Um, I would just like to give you a little bit of an opportunity to kind of do the um, the the pitch for him as number one. As number one, yeah. So um, uh, Costas' case to me has, has I, I wouldn't say it's gotten stronger, but I wouldn't say that it's faltered either. Um, so essentially we have pretty good footage, um, at least compared to uh, other luchadors in the same time period of Casas from 1983 on. And you can point to him having really good matches uh, at basically every time we see him from 1983 through probably 2016, 2017. I think there is a, a match against Hechicero in 2017 that's probably his like last really good match. Um, and he's still like a fine now but um the i think what he's the only person in the history of wrestling that you can say that about for that length of time um there's there's that down we have footage of that we have footage of right i mean someone like but, terry funk sure yeah but uh yeah absolutely i mean funk is the next person so i rank funk too Right. So it's not like I'm ignoring <laughs> Terry Funk. Right. Uh, but Casas, I think, does it for a hugely long period of time. Uh, he's good everywhere. Like there's bad Terry Funk out there. Right. Like there's bad like that late WCW run. Like he looks broken down. It's tough to watch. You know, um, there's I I. You know, there's bad Negrocasis matches, sure, but like I can't point to an extended run where you can say like, oh, he's loafing it, or like he doesn't, he lost it, he doesn't have it anymore. You know, um, and I think that that's uh, he's the only person that you can say that about. And when you take into account that he does have top end matches, um, you know, he has match of the year candidates. He's a great singles wrestler. He's a great mat worker. He's a great heel. He's a tremendous baby face. Uh, he's a amazingly good tag worker. Um, there's, there's nothing that he can't do. There's no chink in the armor that I can find. And he's the only person that I don't think has like a, a con list that some of the other workers have. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, that's my case for him. You know, that there's, do I think there's wrestlers that have higher highs? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that there's, uh, people that I have on my ballot that like, if you said, Hey, who, who's got the better top 10 Negro Casas or Daniel Bryan, I, I would say Bryan almost assuredly. Right. But, do you have said any who had the cons for Daniel Bryan? Uh, I mean, he took a two-year 
break for his brain, right? Like, I, I mean, it's it sucks to say, but like, you know, I guess uh, absence hurts in this scenario. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a period in ROH where Brian gets a little samey. I'm nitpicking here, right? I mean, again, I had Brian. I'm just curious because someone else on yeah. this podcast um, a little bit later on will um, pretty much say the same things about him as you did about Casas about how there's no chink in the armor. Right. Uh, I mean, but the, the again, I mean, so I would say that maybe there's a chink in the armor for Brian, but uh, what's Brian's peak? Right. I mean, Brian wrestled from 2002 to this year, and he's probably going to hang it up with a, a big long break in the middle. Yeah, right. That's fair. Uh, so Casas doubled it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brian's biggest um, biggest issue would probably be length and mm-hmm. um, amount of matches um, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I mean, again, I think you can nitpick with Brian too. Like, I don't, I don't love him as a tag worker. So if that's important to you, like, I don't see like an extended tag run that I can point to as like really, really enjoyable. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's, that's my, that's my argument for Casas that there's, there's just, uh, at at some point when you're comparing people that all have a legitimate case for number one, and I would probably say that, um, my top 10 all had, maybe my top 11 all had a legitimate case for number one, um, you have to find outlier things, right? Yeah. And to me, longevity in a sport or art or whatever that uh, actively destroys your brain and your body, longevity is something that really stands out. And so that's why Negrocasis is one. Yeah, that's very fair. I think the closest two arguments are Funk and Tenryu, if, you're, if you think longevity is the, a key factor. And I think Casas has had a better career than both. Although people would argue with me on Funk. I don't think there's too many people that would argue with me about Henry. Yeah, the thing about Funk is we're kind of missing his prime yeah. footage. Which is wild to think about, that we don't have his yeah, prime. Totally. Like his athletic right. prime. We we have none of it. Maybe a match here or there. Um, so it's hard to say. I really find it fascinating with people like, like Funk. Um, a Nick Bockwinkle who uh-huh. like when we start getting footage of him is, is an all time great. And there's like maybe one, like, you know, one match here in like 71 and one match in 73. So you can kind of see that he was probably great all along, but you don't really have the footage to, right. To, yeah. to know that he was, I mean, great that's a really interesting time. argument that we did that we had a lot over the, over the course. I mean, I remember having that argument with, uh, about Ernie Ladd, right? Like, we don't have a lot of Ernie Ladd matches. They all kick ass, right? Yeah. Um, but like, do you, do you punish a guy because you assume that there's probably a lot of bad Ernie Ladd matches out there and we just don't have them on tape? Or, or do, do you, you reward ass- them because you yeah, assume the you, stuff not on tape is awesome? Is, <laughs> is the same quality, right? Like, yeah, do do I just assume, hey, like Ernie Ladd probably had fifty more matches exactly like this. Maybe Ernie Ladd is the top seventy-five guy, you know? Yeah. That's I mean, that's a, that's another decision that you have to make for yourself, you know? 
If you go completely by footage that we have, though, if you if you only judge on footage that we have, Casas is, is way up there, and then the the All Japan guys are are way up there too. You know. Yeah, uh, and that's another man. We could talk about this forever. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, um, the All Japan guys, they got, you know, once a month, they got as much time as they wanted another against another all-time great worker. Right. On a match. And then there's so many people that, like, you know, they would get an opportunity like that, like, once a year. Yeah. Well, the argument against the All Japan guys is they only did it against each other, right? Yeah, that's true. You can turn it around on their face. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wild. Um, so... Man, 2026, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I'm looking forward to more ballots coming in than last time. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to Dean still turning in a ballot that has Jerry Lawler <laughs> number one and Yushi, uh, Yushi Ishikawa number two. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to just sort of seeing where wrestling is. I think that um, we're wrestling is moving so much faster now. Like I think the 10 years from 2015, 2026 are going to be, have so much more content than from 2006 to 2016 that it's going to be almost impossible to keep up. Uh, and we're either going to have a huge amount of recency bias or we're going to have people that just say this is too much and, uh, almost disregarded out of hand, you know. Who who's the Nakamura of 2026? Oh boy, <laughs> who gets uh, onto the list and then immediately and then we realize that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um. Man, I don't know. Naito, maybe. <laughs> Although he he's probably cooked now. He's probably cooked too early. Um, yeah, he peaked too early, I think. Yeah. Who's who's a. Uh, Who's someone that could really shit the bed? But um, they they might not have come or like they might not be hitting yet. Yeah, that that might be a thing too. Like right? They, yeah, I mean, I think oh, uh, you know, it, it's going to be Jay White. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> Probably not. Um, there, you know, there, there's a few. I mean, uh, there could be people like Darby Allen. Like, I wouldn't surprise me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, but I look forward to um, having those discussions and Absolutely. over yeah. the next few years and um, in the multiple places that we'll be having them. So um, everyone, to keep listening, and, and you'll get the information about how you join in later on. And thank you, JR. It uh, was nice catching up with you again. Uh, absolutely. It's a pleasure, as always. And we're back, and now I'm joined uh, by Alan Farrell. Um, I don't think you need any introduction, do you? I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's, uh, if I'm if I'm like of the uh, 
Cher variety, the Madonna variety, where you just need to say a name and, and people know who you're, you're talking about, then uh, I can't believe I just compared myself to Cher. <laughs> That's the ridiculous. Cher and Madonna were the two like one name just entities that I uh, that I came up with. Um, it's hard to think there. of others that are just like <laughs> one name. A lot of Brazilian soccer players. Yeah, well, and everyone in the WWE. Really one name. <laughs> this is true. I am Riddle. No, I'm definitely not Riddle. I'm yes, that's a bad one. Big. I am not Riddle. I'm Romario. That is. Uh, that is. Uh, or I'll, I'll even take Bebeto. <laughs> Pick your 1994 Brazilian World Cup winning uh, uh, football player, and that's me. But uh, Brazilian yeah. is the team for you for soccer. Well, uh, everyone thinks Brazil's kind of cool, right? I mean, they're the team with the, the most uh, one-name players, so that's okay. why I, was, I had them on the mind. But uh, everyone likes Brazil, I guess. Like, when, when you're a kid, like, I, I was, USA 94 was like my first World Cup, and yeah, they yeah. were the cool team in that Ireland were in that, so obviously I was rooting on Ireland, but yeah, once Ireland got knocked out, like, I was... I was definitely on the Brazil bandwagon. Um, even though they were kind of like people who like followed football who were older than me who were following football in the 70s and 80s, I think that 94 Brazil team is kind of considered quite lame. Not that they weren't good, but just they weren't as exciting and creative maybe as the, uh, um, a little more cynical than the, uh, the, the classic skillful teams of the 70s and 80s. Um, but, uh, to me, they were just, they were a superpower and all their players were were just larger than life uh, superstars so uh yeah they they definitely they definitely have uh, been a fun memory for me for a long time but uh yeah, i don't don't follow football as much these days as i did back in the 90s but uh yeah. i imagine brazil are still quite competitive yeah um until women's soccer became popular like canada was like a once every 30 years make the world cup so Never really cheered for them, but I liked Holland because they were orange. Yeah, Holland, Holland are great. They were also a great team of my youth, and I, I always enjoyed that uh, whenever Holland would play would pr- play Brazil, and they did play in the USA '94 against each other, and uh, Brazil w- wore their blue strip in that game. Holland oh yeah, wore orange because you couldn't have orange and yellow; it'd be a little clashy. So it was orange versus blue. Uh, on that day and uh, they had a hell of a game so wow so you have quite the memory skills um <laughs> but i uh, remember can't remember yesterday but i remember 1994 <laughs> world cup quarterfinals <laughs> that's amazing well i i could you know i could probably rattle off all the stanley cup uh quarterfinals if i really wanted to sit down here but uh i think the only stanley cup i know is that the montreal canadians won in 93 right yeah don't fucking remind me about because that one. I, I, know, I know that because... <laughs> That's the worst uh, one. I only know it because uh, there was that rap song, Feels a Little Like 93. <laughs> Did you come across I that? I don't remember that. <laughs> it was... It was... Because uh, Adam Summers of the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare uh, was a big Montreal Canadiens fan. The only stuff I ever heard of about ice hockey was through their show and i guess this was probably like i don't know 2008 2009 2010 somewhere around then the canadians were making a big push for the stanley cup and they released a rap song that was um 
It was like a play off Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> but it was called Feels a Little Light Ninety Three. Oh, um, man. You you need to you need to look it up. Uh, I and, think I do. Uh, use, use it as like the outro or intro for my segment. <laughs> Fuck, but man, ninety three is so frustrating because the Leafs were in the fi- conference finals against the LA Kings, and they were up in Game Seven in the third period. And Wayne Gretzky, the greatest play- hockey player of all time, high sticks the Leafs' best player, makes him bleed. No penalty is called, and then Wayne Gretzky scores a goal or two and LA wins and goes to the finals and then beats Montreal or loses or beats Montreal in the finals. I think this is, um, yeah, they lose to Montreal in the finals, but Toronto was right there and they were winning. And then fucking Wayne Gretzky cheats his way to the Stanley cup, um, finals. So it was sad. Um, but I think I hear he is a great one. That Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Very well played. Um, we are so friggin' off topic, and we have limited time because <laughs> this is an action-packed episode here of the Super Show. So one thing I've been doing with the people I've had on here is I want to say, if you were voting today, um, <laughs> who would be your number one? Um, but voting today is something that you're kind of actually doing. So why don't you tell me a little bit about um, GWE 2021? Yes, indeed. I've been I've been quite uh, boisterous about who my number one is. I uh, will get into that in a little bit. But um, uh, the uh, yeah, greatest rest forever twenty twenty one was just something that I like. I I wasn't involved in the nuts and bolts of the planning and organization of the original greatest rest forever from five years ago. To the extent that you were Stephen and, and many others. I was just someone that was kind of tagging along on the ride, listened to the podcast, made my list. Um, so I, I, there was probably a plan in place to revisit in 10 years as like a thing. And I was not aware. Um, <laughs> I've kind of come to learn that that was maybe the direction people were going. But yeah, I just literally, uh, it was always in my, like I probably had the itch after a couple of years after doing it. It was always something that was back in my mind, refreshing the list, refreshing the list. But I didn't really come to the point of actually giving a consideration until pretty much this time last year when we were all in lockdown, current wrestling was gone, and <laughs> yeah. I just dug into watching so much old wrestling. And I was like, well, now is as good a time as ever to really start thinking about refreshing the old greatest wrestler ever list and uh and i was just gonna be something i do myself and uh yeah i was just excited about doing it and i watched more old stuff and then as, as new stuff came back and we had crowd restrictions and empty arena crowds all this kind of stuff and i was really just not taken by modern wrestling and even outside of the effect of the pandemic like there was a lot of things about modern wrestling that i was sapping my enthusiasm for it and i was i can't imagine what that would be as as i watched more and more old stuff hot crowds and the kind of wrestling that that i love like stuff like as old as like early 80s or whatever and as recent as maybe like six years ago like i i went back and watched some like just new japan from like the middle part of last decade and i was like whoa this is like New Japan has moved so gradually, like from when, kind of a sidebar, like when Okada 
came in and they had their rise. It happened quite gradually for the first couple of years, and then it just excelled and and got to whenever the peak, whenever you think the peak might have been, whether it's sometime between 2016 to 2019, um, when it got to that peak, it was fairly gradual. It started to come down from the peak, and everything was so gradual that for someone like me who watched pretty much everything in a regular fashion it was hard to notice uh that they like that there had been a big drop but when i was watching some 2020 stuff and then i went back and was watching like matches from 2015 so just a random match of 2015 i was like oh my god this is like there is a significant difference just in the energy and uh just the the flavor of the promotion a lot of things have just kind of become tired and stuff like that and like i i'm very much a proponent to the idea of ghetto being burnt out as a booker now and i was the biggest ghetto supporter i think he he had the best booking run in, in wrestling history um for the the rise of new japan last decade and yeah, but I just think he's burnt out, and I don't think he should have that job anymore. And I think it's the, a lot of issues with the product. And um, so, just stuff as recent as that being awesome, and then stuff as as I said, back from the early '80s, even some '70s stuff, just really and, and things I had never really seen much of before, um, capturing my imagination and, and digging into areas of wrestling which have always kind of been—I don't want to say blind spots because I've definitely watched a lot of them over the years and and learned more about them but they've never been like my thing like a world of sport a joshi things like that where i know the more time i put into it the more great stuff there is for me to to see so like i was doing more of that getting more satisfaction from watching that old stuff and uh, yeah it just really put me in that mindset of thinking about greatest wrestler ever and and kind of coming up with a bit of a plan for it and I talked to some uh, pals of mine, uh, Case Low specifically, who I knew was was very much of that. Uh, Case is ridiculous because he's like 14 years old or something like that, and he uh, and he is like uh, an encyclopedia of of wrestling. Now it's the, the guy has just consumed so much wrestling in the past couple of years uh, from all eras, all genres, and he did greatest wrestler ever five years ago when he was. For those who are joking about him being 14 now, but he was legit like 17 or 18 when he did Greatest Wrestler Ever five years ago. And he put in a very well um, thought out ballot with had a lot of research that went into it. And um, he's still in his early 20s and um, probably watched more wrestling than any of us had done by that time, which is scary because I know I. I'm sure I speak for you too, Stephen. I watched a lot of wrestling by the time I was in my early twenties. So, uh, case kind of, case kind of was not as of, much uh, because it was like fucking twenty dollars for an eight dollar eight hour tape um, when I was exactly. twenty. That's, that's the thing. Whereas someone like Case now, he can just kind of go in and just have so much stuff and just watch it all, like as literally as much as he wants. It's at his fingertips. Whereas yeah. we had to wait for like videos to come and, and all that but like yeah so i had him kind of spurring me along and then we kind of came up with a sort of mutual plan that we both looked to refresh our list and then some other people got on board and then i started to as i talked about it on online a bit just and like at this point it was literally just 
something I was going to do and something that I would probably talk about on my podcast. And as I talked about it online, other people expressed an interest and it got a lot of, oh yeah, let me know anything you're doing with that. I'd like to do something similar myself. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, this actually works out nicely because it'll be exactly five years in spring of 2021. So um, that that works out well. So it kind of set a bit of a date in my head of April 1st of now kind of um, it's, it's looking like it'll be more end of April, but we'll, we'll settle on our lists. And uh, we created a Slack for towards the end of last year and a bunch of people joined up with that. And there were some, some very good discussions some very, uh, just tons of great match recommendations. Like it, mm-hmm. it's by no means what we had five years ago with when the forums still kind of had a presence and could be a real hub for, for this kind of thing. It was, like that was just something we talked about was kind of in 2021 internet wrestling landscape. What's the best type of hub to house this kind of a discussion? And initially thinking it would be like a small number of us, but then we were kind of surprised by how many people signed up for the Slack we created when we created it. And it did become pretty evident that Slack was not the best um, <laughs> thing to be using for, for that. Um, and, it it worked to an extent and some good stuff did come out of it but it was it was literally just an accompaniment and that was all it was kind of really designed to be um i i would like to figure out a way to um uh i'm not sure how many people are going to confirm lists uh at the end of april um but if if there are like over 10 or something like that like i I would like to just kind of pull together a a combined list and see what what it looked like but yeah i'd like to i don't know if google forms or something like that is the way to go it's it's just the the issues with everyone having to spell people's names the same way and stuff like that so it's a tricky thing that i haven't really thought too much about i can um i use google forms um last time and I've used it before. I could send you a template if you you really want uh, for everything. It does work out. It's you just have to every time someone misspells it, you have to kind of like add a separate thing to another page that will recognize that that is the same person. Oh, okay. Um. It, thanks to Chris Harrington for helping me set that up originally in uh in t- 2016. Now, oh my goodness. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, template, I can, I can send you a Google form yeah. and an Excel sheet to take a look at that will, that might be able to help please, you out. <laughs> please do. Yeah. And it will be, yeah, it will definitely be helpful if we do like get a, a, a fair few ballots returned. So, um, yeah, like that's kind of basically the, the thinking behind this and, um, it was just kind of something done for my own kind of personal occupying time during the pandemic and, um, yeah, more people kind of caught interest in this, and yeah, I guess we we jumped the queue a little bit in terms of what the the original plan was for it everyone seems who interesting was that, involved. Um, because I think a lot of people, because it, I, because 2006 there was actually a GWE, uh, and oh, it was, there was right, it was yeah. on Smarks Choice, um, yeah, and I'm kind of a big fan of Sight and Sounds movie list that they do every 10 years. So that that's where the original like let's do it in 2016 thing came in my head. So in my head it was always been 
every 10 years. Uh, but it seemed like about five years in where we're, we're right now, everyone's just like fucking ready to go now <laughs> for some reason. Um, people, I guess, want enough time to kind of like watch everything and they, like for me, I know when I look back at my list, I'm completely embarrassed by it, even though I spent a lot of time watching at the time. Um, so yes, definitely doing a refresher, uh, and, and taking some time, uh, to, to go through things. Um, feels like the right time. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons why people are, are enthusiastic for it. It's like one, there's such a huge, um, availability of stuff and obviously the network currently is a bit of a question mark to, to that but even without the network there's ways and means for all this stuff and so there's so much stuff that's out there so there's really no there's no ceiling on how much you can watch if you want to watch a lot of stuff from every era every uh, geographic location and another reason like it wasn't me I think you probably have a lot of people who were involved in the previous lists who are especially if someone was around in 2006 they're they're more likely to be disenfranchised a little bit with, with current wrestling because you know it as time moves on um wrestling is going to evolve and it's going to move further away from kind of the wrestling that was most appealing to to us like i mean typically i, I think most people are probably going to have their sweet spot of their wrestling fandom. Uh, like I, I don't expect that modern wrestling is going to appeal to me ever again as much. And th- this isn't me being negative. It's just I, I just think this is something that's logical and it's how kind of life goes. Um, I don't think it's I think it's the same thing with music, right? Like music, yeah, and TV, and and or maybe not TV, but uh, TV changes, yeah, yeah. Definitely music is, is a great example. Just culture in general. Like, I mean, we, we get stuck in how we liked things when we were in our, I don't know, 20s, late 20s. Is that like kind of like the peak? Man, <laughs> so that means so, Kendo Kations, my favorite wrestler. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> what an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, um, apparently a nice man. But, uh, yes. Uh, he did arm yeah. bars. Man. He did arm bars. He did lots of arm bars. That's that's right. But um, uh, the uh, yeah. So I I just think that probably a lot of people are less likely to be enthused by modern wrestling. So something like greatest wrestler ever is an escape from it. And um, yeah, I I just think that it's uh, I know it's it, and people like people like projects and lists and that kind of mm. stuff. So I I can see why people are are itching to to get back into it. And as well, we've seen, um, I think in, this is one thing I've found with the, the current list is that 2016 in, in just in terms of your head might not feel like that long ago, but I thought it was interesting how many wrestlers who really weren't someone I would have considered at all in 2016 in terms of active wrestlers, um, of very much put up cases in the, in the five years since or maybe or dropped were, off like nakamura or dropped off yeah that's true um so i think it's yeah i think there's people have seen such movement in in that time that they're like okay i kind of want to commit this to paper you know so i think that could be a reason as well yeah there's lots of reasons and um yeah and there's so many more 
techn technology options um, to go with. Now I know in 2016 um, it was very late in the process that we found like um, a, some kind of website that allowed you to stream videos and do a chat text um, type of conversation. <laughs> um, but like now with technology like discord, you can just have a bunch of people drop, jump on a phone call. Someone person presses share my screen and they start sharing whatever video you want and you all watch it together and talk about it. Um, it's, it's crazy where we've gone. Yeah, absolutely. There's like, I, I mentioned message boards and how they were a great platform for this kind of thing. They were a great platform for say the, the eighties projects and DVD VR um and it's a shame it's moved away from them but like you said there's so many te technological advances that offer different things like like you just uh, outlined with the doing watch parties and stuff like that's not something that would have been possible in uh in 2008 you know so or at least it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been functionally anywhere near as nice of an experience mm -hmm. so um yeah, I think there's lots of technological things to take advantage of. And, you know, people aren't probably as accustomed to... Uh, there was a, a segment on Voice of Wrestling a, a couple of months ago. It was just after, I think it was the week Bob Ryder died. And they just did a little kind of segment um, on just kind of wrestling internet history and just kind of how it moved through the years. Mm -hmm. And it was just very interesting it was all stuff like kind of you knew but just listening to the guys kind of lay it out and just talk about it in terms of what message boards really were and what we went through on message boards <laughs> in terms of typing in a response spending like 20 minutes typing up your response checking it out and hitting submit and then you'd come back in and like a couple of, you'd go out and do something and you'd come back and check in maybe five hours later load up that page again, see if you had any responses. If you did, might reply to one, and if you didn't, come back, maybe check tomorrow. Like, it sounds so prehistoric in the it age does. we live in now, where it's just all so instant, and it's just all such, it's short, quick bites, and then onto the next thing, onto the next thing, scroll, 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 constant new stuff coming into our heads, you know? Yeah. Whereas, like, it was, it, like, I always think it's, Things seem so like slow and uh, archaic, and when you think back to the past, like how did we get anything done? How was like how, uh, how did stuff happen? Because <laughs> everything just seems like so much slower. Like everything was a glacial speed. Like even <laughs> fifteen years ago, like never mind forty years ago. <laughs> like I, I've had this problem with my uh, my family. Like they don't realize that just calling someone out of the blue is rude now. And like you're supposed to text them first. <laughs> like, oh yeah, they don't understand that concept. <laughs> so like, and I don't know when that started, but it's definitely there now. Like, if you get a phone call from someone, don't you just look at it and go, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, what's going on?" <laughs> Stephen, my neighbors left their uh, left their car boot open the other night, and <laughs> I had just the most like. Oh my god, what do I do? Like, I, 
the thought of ringing their bell and calling to their house, I was like, oh my god, they're going to like want to kill me for like ringing their bell? Like, <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to like I'd be like, oh, I wonder what my friend uh, Trevor is doing. And I'd walk <laughs> over to his house and I'd yes. ring his fucking doorbell. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Could you I, imagine if a friend just showed up at your door now? It's, it's shocking. It would be shocking behavior that would be. It wouldn't be a friend anymore. It would, Yeah, it would warrant being cut out. Cut out of your life, you know? Yeah. Antisocial scumbag behavior is what that would be in 2020. Especially because there's a pandemic and we can't come anywhere. Well, to yeah. Each other. <laughs> that true. That makes it even worse. But, man. <laughs> Yeah, wild stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and believe it or believe it or not, as we're finding out in this podcast, the world has changed in, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, me and Stephen having real revelations here about how. <laughs> I, I wonder if anyone's talked time. about how the world has changed since, uh, due to technology and due to the pandemic. <laughs> we're breaking new ground here, Stephen. <laughs> I know. Um, so, by the way, stay tuned to the end of this podcast where I'll have on someone, and we're going to reveal how you can participate in GW2026 and what the rules are and how you can get involved in many different platforms, not just one. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but Alan, you alluded to having a controversial number one candidate. Well, I don't think it's controversial whatsoever. Okay. And uh, I think that uh, what I find is that... Um, Anyone who's familiar with this person, and especially anyone who's been familiar with this person since they debuted, doesn't find this crazy at all. And anyone who's kind of only had recent familiarity with this person, which is a lot of people, or some people who maybe aren't really, have never really taken the time to, to kind of check them out, um, it probably seems completely ludicrous on paper, but... Like I'm, I like I've watched a lot of wrestling from a lot of eras, and I, I I feel like when I say something like this, it's it's relatively well informed. Um, I I I I wouldn't I I'm not the type. Please understand, <laughs> the weirdest thing from the type of person that would be saying something like this for a reaction. Or this is a hipster and, pick, isn't it? It's so like I'm just I'm just not that type of person. Like it's it's honestly just I legitimately think this wrestler is the greatest wrestler of all time. For what I look for from a pro wrestler, they're the greatest. They do everything that I would want from a wrestler, and most of those things they do it better than anyone I've ever seen. And that person is Shingo Takagi, and I've been. I was a th I was thinking you were going to say Sima. So, uh no, no. No, no. Sima okay. hasn't had Sima hasn't had 5% of the great singles matches that Shingo has had. Uh, uh tags it's close enough, but Shingo just completely eclipses him as a a single wrestler. Shima is huge influence and a lot of things going for him and he'll probably be a top 30 top 40 guy for me. Um and in some ways I I think I underrate Sima. But um, and I kind of have to snap myself back into think, thinking about his his greatness from time to time. But uh, no, Chingo. Um, uh, sell me. The guy has 
first of all, he is a Kurt Angle Junakiyama um, level super rookie. Uh, he's the he is the when people talk about people who just got wrestling straight away and were incredible straight away, they talk about Angle, they talk about Akiyama. Um, I feel like there's another name that people talk about that's you know who they should not- talk about. Um, and I'll just throw them in here. We don't need to discuss them. But uh, I have a battle for my number one and number two. And these two were both insanely great um, as fucking teenagers. Um, and that's uh, uh, Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto. Yeah, Bull Nakano was like uh, like 15 when she started. <laughs> yeah, something crazy. like that. And she was um, awesome. So. Makajima is another one. Any Anytime like a teenager is like incredible at wrestling, it's, it's really terrifying. But, um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Shingo was um, uh, he was the guy who who came in with gr- really good grounding. He did the um, Animal Hamaguchi training oh, yeah. um, before he he got picked up by Dragon Gate, and he had a really good base to him, and he just had it. He, 2004, end of 2004, he debuted, um, and then at the start of 2005, Blood Generation kicked off as the new heel stable in Dragon Gate. He he was in there as like the the young uh, the young rookie of the team, and he was incredible. By September two thousand five, he was in a title match and had a great performance. Uh, the guy was tremendous, and when he went to ROH and his learning excursion, he did incredible there. I saw him live on an ROH show in Liverpool, England, in spring two thousand seven, and the guy was just so so good and. Yeah, he comes back to, to Dragon Gate main event push then like from 2007 onwards and year after year just having dozens upon dozens of what I consider great pro wrestling matches, tags, singles, um, intense shorts, hard hitting sprints, long drawn out epics, um, drop them into Anywhere he get over, drop him into Reseda for PWG. He has a match with El Generico that people still talk about to this day as the greatest PWG match ever. Um, Chris Hero on his watch along uh, that he did for his podcast with Conrad uh, two weeks ago. They did a watch along of his match with Brian Danielson, 40 minute epic that they had, which was Danielson's last match in PWG. And Hero talked in that about how the semi-main event was Shingo versus El Generico and how it was just otherworldly and everyone's jaw was on the floor and him and Brian were like, okay, right, we've got to just slow everything down to build the crowd back up because they're just, the crowd are on their ass after this Shingo match because it was just so amazing. So, like, when you're getting... Chris Hero and Daniel and Brian Danielson, uh, uh, not concerned, but when you're forcing them to think because of how well you perform before they go out for their match, then you're pretty good. So, um, so there's that, like, and he, he'd do shows like in Dragon Gate USA and he'd always be just super over WrestleMania weekend. Johnny Gargano in 2013, they have like, I think the match that stole that whole weekend. Like, and that was funny because like um uh that was the Saturday night of that WrestleMania weekend and that match was on really late, it was past midnight, 
and a bunch of shows had finished in different parts of New York, New Jersey, and you had a load of people. Um, and you know me, Stephen. I'm a I'm a big shot. I'm hobnobbing with all the stars. You know, know. rubbing elbows with the stars. I'm like You're I'm Mark. knowing who's who. I'm knowing who's who in this room. You know, I'm like <laughs> oh, uh, I'm I'm completely messing. But uh, uh, I was aware that there was like um, several people from WWE, um, ROH, all these different places that had come in, and so many of them were talking about holy shit, this Shingo Gargano match, that was just, that's the best thing that's going to happen this weekend. And Shingo has like this like legendary time in Dragon Gate where he's just this incredible worker. And 2018 comes along, he's pretty much done everything he can do in that promotion. He's not gotten stale, he's still having great matches with a lot of the great up-and-coming young wrestlers, but he wanted to do something new, and he had the opportunity to go to New Japan, and he took it. And um, I think he, even the most optimistic of Shingo fans, weren't expecting he would um, fit in so brilliantly and become such a leader in that company. Like a leader by example is what I mean, and by performance. Uh, that he has and he was pushed as like a, a junior to start with and he had this un, unbeaten run and made it to the best super juniors final sumo hall versus will osprey and they have well i think one match of the year in 2019 i was lucky enough to be at, at that match it was one of the greatest matches i've ever seen live and then they move him to heavyweight right after that and he does a g1 like two months later and he's one of the mvps of the g1 and then it's pandemic era and he's like the only guy who's able to just kind of the only guy in New Japan who's able to really keep their stock rising during this tricky time in the promotion, just both by the pandemic and the promotion's own issues. And he's on fire and he's right now he's currently in the midst of a new Japan cup run where it looks like he might win and go and face Kota Bushi for the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, he's in the, and he's nearly 40 and he's still so insanely good. And I watched like a lot of the promos and stuff like that. And you see people like Tanahashi, like blushing almost about <laughs> what fans they are of Shingo, like talking about, Oh my god, he's so good. And then you'll see, like, if you watch, like, the English commentary, sometimes they'll have wrestlers on, like, I always remember Juice Robinson being on commentary in the Super Juniors and Shingo Wrestling. And Juice, who's, like, always, like, you know, confident, brash kind of guy, just being, like, lost for words and just, like, literally having to give up all semblance of his brashness and character and just be, like, he was literally just, like, oh my god, this this Chingo is something else. Like <laughs> he's so good. And he's, you can tell he's just knocking the socks off these wrestlers. He's the ultimate wrestlers wrestler. They're all so impressed by him, not to mention how impressed most of us fans are. And uh, even the other day, a uh, big E uh, was tweeting about, Oh my God, Chingo, this guy's amazing. And then Claudio Cesaro gets in the responses and be like, Oh, he's so good. It's like 
this guy is like turning heads of people in other promotions on other sides of the world. It's he is he's just a sublime pro wrestler. Uh, the I don't think if you're if you're someone that hasn't followed his career to the degree that I have from the start, I don't I I think it's perfectly reasonable. Um, but I don't think people comprehend the volume. That I like to use the word portfolio the portfolio of great matches he has because he's come along in the great match era the, the the era where guys strive to have great matches and he was as good as anyone in doing that from 2007 to 2021 and he's never misses time with an injury like he's literally an iron man he's built for pro wrestling like the guy is so durable and he just keeps on pumping out, excuse the pun, pumping bomber, <laughs> but he, the pumping bomber keeps pumping out these great matches. And when you look at a list of them, when I go through my four star plus Shingo matches, it's, it's overwhelming the amount that's there. He just surpasses everyone that's been wrestling alongside him at the same time. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's just like output when like get into the inputs with a guy like Shingo, it's the personality that he exudes in the ring. His a, a lot of people like if they've just seen some recent stuff, or if they just see a match here, a match there, uh, the narrative on him can be, oh, he's he's a, he's a hoss wrestler, a power wrestler, a hard hitter, and, and he is all those things. But Shingo is one of the most intelligent uh, wrestlers of uh, that I've ever seen. Um, he is a strategist, both in terms of he gets himself across as a guy employing a strategy in the ring. He tells the story of a guy employing a strategy in the ring, but he's also a strategist in terms of how he's working the match. He's a genius when it comes to laying out a match, reacting to things in a match. Um, just He's tremendous. I've seen it up close and personal with my own two eyes. And, um, and he backs up. He, 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 having the New Japan translated promos has been great for me because it's affirmed a lot of things I thought he was doing all along. When you see him talk about his matches afterwards and he, and he hones in on certain things. I was like, he, like previously I might have seen a match make, oh, Shingo was trying to get across this here, but that's what I was thinking. But then when I see Shingo talk after the match and he clearly is then confirming that he was trying to get across such and such whether it was uh okada i I know you had a it's just a very simple example uh, i know you had a very bad back and i was gonna use a superplex to uh give you the ultimate punishment to your back something like that like it, it just affirmed what i kind of already knew in terms of this is a guy who thinks and he eats, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. Like he he's a historian of pro wrestling. When he came to WXW in two thousand nine, my first sixteen card, he made it to the final um, against Drake Younger, and he went to the promoters and he said, "Hey, Drake, hardcore wrestler, tough guy, can we do FMW style match?" The reason he said that was because in WXW, all the fans are around the ring banging on the apron. And that was a big thing with FMW back in the day, that all the fans would come to ringside and bang the apron for Onita. Shingo, huge Onita fan, huge old FMW fan. He's 
guy trained by Animal Hamaguchi, as I said. This guy, uh, Tenru took him under his wing when he was in Dragon Gate when Shingo was young. Like, this guy is a student of the game. Um, uh, so, yeah, he's got all the mental stuff, the physical, as I said, so durable, cardio for days, um, strong as a bull, hits hard, everything he does looks incredible. His selling, be it subtle, and his selling, be it when it needs to be kind of over the top, it's always on point. It's exactly what I want in terms of of a wrestler selling. Um, yeah, he he just he does it all. Um, short matches, long matches, tags, singles, healer face. Um, he can he he can be. I think he's one of the best bully wrestlers of all time. But he also somehow can find ways to be like a sympathetic fighting from underneath babyface when it seems like totally against what he is as a wrestler. He can pull it off when he needs to. So. That's like my fourth Shingo rant about how great he <laughs> That's is. That's quite uh, the hard that, sell. <laughs> that, that I've done in like the past couple of months. Um, I can't, I literally, if people ask me to talk about Shingo, Stephen, this is what happens every time. Um, so I apologize, but uh, you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite all right. Um, and, you know, that's exactly what GWE is kind of all about is discovering these things and trying to get others excited about what you're excited about. Um, I think that's in finding new favorites or figuring out who might be your favorite that you didn't realize was like, that's kind of the whole purpose of the whole project. So it seems to have uh, really worked for you. Yeah, absolutely. And a guy like Shingo was someone that, I had pretty high, like top 20 or 30, 2016, but this is one of these guys that he's just kicked on his career so much, and as I go back and, and revisit his earlier stuff, it's like, ah, Jesus, this, there's, like, sometimes you just gotta be, like, sometimes you gotta turn, one, one of the big things with GWE for me, I find, is you gotta, there's always the, there's the voice in all of our heads, or various guys will be like, will be like, this is where I should have this person. Oh yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel right to you. It's like, mm-hmm. man, it's like, ah, oh, I obviously he has to be in the top twenty, but it doesn't feel right for me to have him in the top. Like, it doesn't feel he feels too high, but obviously he should be. Or it might be someone else where it's like, oh yeah, I couldn't have this person higher than seventy five. Like, I mean, clearly whatever reason, but. I think you have to, like, those restraints are good at times, but sometimes if it's really, if it's not at you too much, you just got to go with what you feel and go with your gut. And for me, Shingo is the ultimate example of that. It's like, it's like, how, how high is too high for Shingo? And the ultimate answer was to that was there's no spot that was too high for him. Um, so I just bit the bullet and like, number one, and I've just committed to it and, um, I, the guys I'm having jostling for second, third, fourth, um, and that's kind of a fluid, uh, thing for me right now. Um, uh, they're all incredible wrestlers that I've obviously loved, but I just, I find it a lot easier to stomach Shingo sitting above them than I would right now being able to put any of them above Shingo. And yes, yeah, sometimes you just kind of got to go with the, go with the gut. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, other times you gotta just you, you do gotta listen to the the person's like yeah you know like um okay maybe this person 
doesn't stand up super well um, in terms of thinking about things through a modern eyes or something. But for his time, he was clearly just incredible. And um, yeah, he deserves a spot in the top 20. So yeah, like uh, sometimes you do got to kind of got to listen to how high can you put John Tenta is really the question. Well, I I I think uh, top three maybe is. I would love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so you have five years. We'll see if the Shingo can hold on for that entire length um, under scrutiny and watching, and um, his career continuing, which can help or hurt someone. Uh, fun enough. Um, I'm curious. Um, kind of the last topic here. Um, so the last like. Pretty much the last year you've been um, going in, watching old stuff, expanding. For the next couple years or so, the next five years, what areas are you looking forward to exploring more that you don't feel you've explored in as much as you would like? Um, I think, like, I, to be honest, I don't think there's any area where I've left it untouched in the sense that, like, I'm not going to... I, I've never really taken uh, on anything from sort of pre-1980 um, with too much, uh, I don't want to say seriousness, that's not the word I mean, but I, I've never gone too much into pre-1980 stuff because the footage is so limited that it's it's just difficult to get engaged. So if I do find it like a 1977 match of like a Terry Funk or something like that, I'll absolutely watch it and, and factor it in. And, um, but I, I don't go out of my way. Like if, like if all the seventies stuff, like if you had all of seventies Crockett or seventies, um, uh, Amarillo or wherever, if you had all that stuff available, I would absolutely devour it. And that would be my, easiest answer to your question but i don't think that's going to happen so um i think for me uh, like i've seen like the, the areas i'm weakest on are, are probably um old lucha uh joshi um world of sport but all those areas i've watched a metric ton of like i'm i don't feel like i haven't like they're not i don't consider them blind spots i just consider them areas i'm less versed in than 2000s Japan or 90s Japan, 2000s US Indies, stuff like that. Um, so they're areas I can build upon, um, but they're not areas I feel I need to just open the book on. They're, they're books I'm reading, but I just need to get further in on them. So um, like I mean, for example, with Yoshi, like I feel like I've got a real good handle on Akira Hokuto as an example, but you know, I um, it, this uh, run of greatest wrestler in the last couple of months, I've I've seen a, quite a bit of um, Ozaki, and I'm like, yeah, Ozaki is someone I wasn't hugely familiar with, and she's awesome, and I think I'd like to uh, dig into more of her stuff, and I'm probably not going to get that much of a chance um, before I finalize my ballot this time around. So yeah, it'll be it'll be certain people from the different areas of wrestling and different areas of wrestling that I'll just kind of hone in on a bit, uh, when I, uh, when I kind of do this for the next five years. And that's kind of what I did for this one as well. Like, uh, two guys who, um, 
I had sort of earmarked to hone in on a bit more this time around were Ron Garvin and, and Greg Valentine. Mm-hmm. And I, I did just that, and it was super rewarding. And those are two guys who are both going to make my list. And um, yeah, uh, so like it'll just be a case kind of picking certain people and digging into them a, a bit more. And yeah, as, I don't think we're ever going to run out of people we can do that with, <laughs> right? So even like this, no, there's so sure. many. So many, so many great wrestlers over the years. So, like, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's really never ending. That that is a, a good thing. And now, fucking all this French catch wrestling is appearing. That is true. That is <laughs> like what, that's a uh, hot tip to my pal Bose Johnny, who puts a lot of great stuff from that on on Twitter. That I see, um, like, yeah, I, I I would like to maybe dig into that just to see if there's enough there like or it is is it fun novelty or is it something that i can actually get into certain people and be like whoa yeah. this person this huge amount of matches from this person that's actually quite a solid portfolio to consider them as someone i yeah so that will be something i will I'll look at and i'll see how much uh that sort of bank of, of footage uh builds up um, over the next, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. It's uh, it's uh, something in the back of my head for sure. Yeah, check out Saguna Kaida. I think they review like one match a week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually uh, Johnny. I think watches a lot of the stuff that they talk about. So yeah, that's probably the 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 sort of or, original source of a lot of stuff. Where is it getting uploaded from? Do you know or where? I have no idea from? where they're finding everything. Um, <laughs> but they're uh, they're finding it and they're reviewing it. So. Who knows? Like stuff just appears sometime. It's like yeah, there was all that Chicago film archive. Yeah, stuff. there was all that. Um, there's a bunch of um, great new uh, Joshi YouTube channels that are like putting up 70s stuff. Um, oh, cool! And all this early 80s stuff, and you're like, wow, um, Shigusa started as a heel um in the early 80s like what the fuck is this i'm watching um and those are great fan cams of japanese stuff from the, yeah. the 80s that uh really kind of got unearthed and unleashed in, in the last uh, year or two i believe as well mm-hmm. um and like it's amazing seeing how good some of the the fan cam both how good the quality of the actual recording is but how good the effort is of the wrestlers on these matches that weren't filmed for tv i just watched uh it's from i think mid 91 it was a fan cam of a cage match between bull nakano and akira and um yumiko hoda it is one of the best matches i've ever seen and like fucking nakano does like a leg drop off the top of the cage on this fan cam and like there's no like official footage of it and it's like, where was this from? Like, <laughs> please send me that. I'll, I'll, I, will. Absolutely, I will absolutely watch that. I I watched two matches that were fan cams. Actually, three matches now that I think of that were fan cams in the last couple of months that blew my mind and were very close to, if not five star matches for me. Um, a I think it was nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Jushin Liger, so very early in the Liger run, yeah. versus um, oh oh god, I'm forgetting his name um, old, little old uh, spark plug of a, a dude, throws lots of great punches, was a manager in a suit in the 2000s um, 
ran away from Andre the Giant a lot. <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about? Yeah. Oshino. Oshino, yeah. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. The Liger Oshino matches. Liger Hoshino fan camp in like 89. <laughs> it was unbelievable. A um, Shinjiro Otani versus um, Masao Orihara match from okay. War in Cork and Hall in, I think, January 94. Um, one of the stiffest uh, craziest fights I've ever seen. Um, unbelievable uh, what these two did to each other. And then the other one was this is one Ditch has actually had up for years and years. I just I've never watched it. I don't know why, but it, I watched it a couple of months ago and it blew my socks off. It was uh, um, right after Misawa beat Jumbo. It was Misawa and um, Misawa and Kobashi versus Fuchi and Jumbo. And it was every bit as good as you think and it was every bit as good as the kind of more famous incredible six-man tags that happened just shortly after that so um yeah lots of lots of great stuff yeah um endless things to explore um we'll never you know we'll never be done um (laughs) there's for the, the rest of our lives we could just like wrestling could end tomorrow um and we'll always have new wrestling to watch um, because there's so much from the past, um, which is great. And there's so much loss that will never be found, but there's so much loss that has been found. So it, it's really wild. Um, but before we, uh, we move on to the next guest, cause we got quite the queue lined up behind you here, Alan. Um, I'm sorry, I'm back <laughs> they're, they're patiently waiting. Um, let's see. Uh, so for GW 2021, um, uh, how are they going to follow you uh, so they can um, hear a little bit more about this or, or more thoughts about Shinga? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for first of all, thank you for having me on, Stephen, and uh, giving me the chance to yeah talk about this stuff and to uh, plug uh, what I got going on and then where people can find me. I'm at Alan4L on Twitter. And uh, if you want to uh, join the GW Slack and see what we had there. Um, just get the. Uh, oh, I think it was. Um, Send me the, the link. Uh, I'll put it in the description. Here. Yeah, I think it's like gwe2021.slack.com. Or, yeah, gwe2021.slack.com um, is the uh, thing for that. It's it's kind of like died down the last couple of weeks like there's not a huge amount of activity on there but as i said like there is lots of great recommendations and we have all those pinned and it's uh if you wanted to just jump in and see the some of the conversation and stuff it i'd say it, it can be quite useful um but uh there is that um but i think that the, the big thing for me to plug is the shows i've done with case and with iron mike spears uh, most recently, uh, the first couple were just with Case, and the last couple had both the guys on, and uh, we've done that on my show at PW Torch, and uh, it's I think I'd say like I do a show every week, so I'd say roughly one show out of every month since September or so. We've kind of uh, just focused completely on greatest wrestler ever, and we did a. Um, a big double uh, feature show in January, I think it was, um, where it was just ridiculously long, in-depth uh, Dragon Gate Toriumon special because Case and Mike are 
experts when it comes to Dragon Gate. They put me to shame in terms of uh, Dragon System knowledge. And yeah, we just basically went through everyone that we think is a viable candidate from the original Toriumon guys to um, uh, Gaijin wrestlers who came into Dragon Gate, like uh, people like Ricochet, Park, etc. Uh, so we went deep in the weeds on, on that stuff. So I was very proud of that. Very happy with the reaction people gave to, to that show. It was really pleasing. And uh, yeah, then our other Greatest Rest Forever shows have just kind of been hodgepodge. Just kind of, what have you been watching? What have you been watching? Here's what I've been watching kind of stuff. And just kind of little tangents about different wrestlers. Like the last the last show we did, like I think our main topics were uh, Io Shirai, Ron Garvin, Claudio Castagnoli, <laughs> um, just yeah, real, uh, a real lots of hodgepodge of so. people right there, but a hell yeah. of a trios team for a war uh, tournament. Absolutely, uh, get John Tenta in there as well on the opposite side. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, have yourself a, a great war match. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's the main stuff. Uh, Peter Torch VIP, obviously far more than just my shows there. Um, all the stuff Wade puts out, um, the incredible back archive, both of newsletters and not just all the podcasts that Wade has done over the years and that have been on the torch over the years but all the old radio shows that Wade was a part of, which go back to the early 90s. Like, I'm listening to, I listen to weekly the Pro Wrestling Focus shows from 93 currently. So week to week, I'm listening to these 1993 wrestling radio shows. It's so <laughs> wild. It's such an incredible encapsulation of time being able to listen to these things. And it's all up there. Like, it's, I don't think people realize how vast the archive is over the torch because i know i didn't realize it when i they came also have like uh audio versions of like interviews he did for his yeah, newsletter too right yeah yeah all the torch talks with some of the biggest names in, in the history of the business so um super interesting stuff and uh yeah there's a whole whole wide range of, of great podcasts that happen there at the moment um i'm a big fan of the the everything rich rich fan podcast with uh, with rich and uh wade um that they have going at, at the moment that's that's really good fun and um yeah lots of lots of really good stuff so um yeah great great bang for your buck over at pw torch vip nice well thank you very much for alan and um we look forward to discussing GWE with you for the next little while. Excellent. Thank you very much, Stephen. And we're back with the last and final guests of this uh, launch party. I'm here with uh, Sam from We Don't Know Wrestling. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing very well. I, I'm pretty motivated uh, from all the conversations um, that y'all just listened to. And I'm um, excited to talk about how you, the listener, can uh, join in on this project and um, kind of the rules and how to get involved and all that fun stuff. Um, but before we get to that fun stuff, we're going to have even more fun stuff as, um, me and Sam are going to have a little bit of conversation about, uh, GWE. Um, and I wanted Sam on here for the end because 
um, a lot of people kind of brought up GWE for the last five years and um, kind of like kept me interested on doing it again. But I think Sam would probably be the uh, the torchbearer for that. So, uh, Sam, why why GWE is such a such a thing for you? Yeah, I think it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back here. Um, as it was definitely more recently, I officially reached out and was like, hey, what's going on here? Um, you guilt-shamed me <laughs> into uh, getting involved again. <laughs> um, and frankly, like, I know you've talked to a lot of people, but uh, we don't know wrestling um, and formerly um, wrestling with words. We have a Slack, essentially, that has a lot of people that were around Wrestling with Words, an old wrestling website, um, where no longer the even founder of that website is still part of it. But long story short, um, there's a lot of discussions and group things that happen, especially around things like Greatest Wrestler Ever. Um, as for a lot of people in this kind of segment of fans, I would say, um, that came around, and they're probably in our 20s um, or early 30s. Um, that maybe did not grow up on certain forums or certain online spaces for a number of years, um, but were on maybe things like something awful or me. I was on um, wrestling forum during a period of time. Um, that's where Karen and I actually crossed paths, uh, former host of We Don't Know Wrestling. Um, so we were in different online spaces than the folks that were probably a part of Grace Wrestler Ever 2006 and 2016, um, where these folks were migrating, it felt like, from place to place, but typically large groups of people um, would be found in the same locations. Yeah, it was um, DVDR to PWO seemed to be the migration cycle. Yeah. No, then that makes sense. Um, but in our Slack, essentially, like, from time to time, we're like, okay, 2016, the greatest wrestler ever poll was kind of, maybe not formative, but something that was not a lot of us partook in necessarily because there was this kind of stigma that, okay, we haven't really seen all the stuff that we want to see. I did not take that approach. Um, but some folks that were in that group, I would say maybe half dozen, a dozen, um, that may have voted if they kind of knew ahead of time um, what some of these ballots would look like would have participated in. So um, it's been something that as a group um, I know we've been thinking about for a while. Um, so kind of bounce to you, obviously, because run the whole thing um, to try to figure out, okay, what are the actual steps being taken to kind of see 2026 uh, happen? Um, I know in 2016, it really wasn't a huge run up. Um, I guess that's not fair. Two and a half years <laughs> is a pretty sizable amount of time for normal people. But we, um, we decided to double it this time. Yeah. Um, which in a lot of ways I think is going to be good and beneficial for everyone. But also, there's some, there's some drawbacks. So if you're sitting there at home and going five years to put together a top 100 list, that's way too much of a commitment. That is completely cool. I understand not everyone is as nerdy as Sam or I. Um, you know, drop in and out. You don't have to be there every day for five years. Um, you know, take your time with it. Don't, uh, you know, it, it, it's for fun. 
it's a a hobby. It, it, it's not. Um, it, it's there's no commitment really besides some participation. So um, don't get daunted by that statement. Yeah, I think five years that doubling the length, while it kind of like you say may add some pressure, I also think like you're saying it makes it feel like okay, I don't need to be here all five years necessarily. I don't need to be here every single day where it felt like in 2016 for those two and a half years, there were people that were just in the forum and at PWO every single day, making posts, making their arguments. Um, it was a no days off mentality for something that, um, was supposed to be fun. And for some people, they did have a blast. Um, but there's also some people that were like at the end of it felt like they had been through a real experience. Um, Hopefully with five years, I think that's like, oh, this is very much a journey and you take it at your own pace. Um, you'll hand in whatever you got in 2026. Yeah. It's not definitive. You get another no. shot at it in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I know I'm embarrassed by my 2016 list and I put a lot of effort into it. Um, so, and it's only been five years. So I'm looking forward to, um, Improving upon it and making it better, for sure. And that's the goal. We all are just going to try to keep watching stuff for the next five years, half a decade, um, and see what comes out at the other end of it. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and, you know, it is kind of sad because I tried to keep – I know in 2016 I wasn't, like, I was kind of kind of facilitating, but I wasn't running, if that makes sense. and. Um, I wanted it to be as open as possible. Um, and I, I didn't want anyone to feel discouraged to hand in a list. So, um, this time for sure, I want to make sure that's abundantly clear. Um, I just want people to participate. And if you think Great Kali is the greatest wrestler that ever lived, that is fucking cool. Just, you know, let's talk about it a little bit. You know, I want to hear your reasons why, because that's awesome to hear. So whatever the case situation you may be, um, you know, I, I just want to hear the different views uh, and different opinions and, and have discussions about it. Um, I don't want you to feel that your your list is not good and you feel like people will attack you if they disagree with it. And um, Although there is some horrible people who may do that, I hope they are the vast, 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 vast minority, and I hope that um, they are such an insignificant part of this that uh, it, it's not a burden for any. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping as many of these conversations happen as accessibly as possible as well. Um, understand that I'm hoping that blogs, podcasts, um, maybe video series will be a part of these um, discussions and arguments. Um, but I'm hoping like it's still accessible to people that they can still access all these arguments, access all this information since um, 2016 was like a wealth of information. I think it's going to be instrumental for a lot of people hopping in. It's kind of like, okay, a lot of people showed their work in 2016, and we have the work. We 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 see what late what effort they put into it. Um, and going forward, I'm hoping we can all kind of. I'm not saying hey, if you 
big a podcast, it has to be posted on a certain forum or a certain um, medium. Um, but hopefully that people have access to it. Yeah. Um, if. All right. I'll, I'll bring that topic up later because uh, <laughs> that is part of uh, something I have uh, planned to discuss. But so it's been five years, Sam. Um, how are you feeling today about GWE? Um, about upcoming or previous? <laughs> <laughs> upcoming. Let's talk about upcoming. Um, 2016. Do you have any final words? You're going to be the last voice to talk about 2016 on this podcast. Any uh, moment? Wow, momentarium. What's that word? I think that's the one. Okay, moratorium. Yeah, that sounds better. Um, um. <laughs> Put a, put a death nail on 2016 for us. I'm going to put a nail on it. It was um, a wild ride, um, a wealth of information, and I think for a lot of people, they viewed it as kind of an end of an era, but I think it's just propelling us now in 2021 to um, something just as exciting. Awesome. So, we're, fi- <clears throat> we're five years out. Um, if you were to vote today, who would you put in that top spot? Uh, I don't think my number one is going to be changing at the current juncture from 2016 and now. It's still Negro Casas. Um, I still think he's the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. He still does everything I want a wrestler to do, is everything I want a wrestler to be. Um, they have added to their case since 2016. Um, which is a while to think about that. <laughs> he could potentially, at his age still be improving on his case. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be a lot of cherries uh, on top these days, but a lot of cherries still. Um, they haven't stopped being added. Um, maybe wild. one day that will stop. I don't know. Um, post-pandemic, with maybe a little less wear and tear over the past uh, year, who knows what could happen. Wild to think about that. You know, there might be more great Negro Casas matches out there to come. No, yeah, I think that'll be part of the exciting process is um, I've not seen all the Negro Casas I can ever see. Um, so over the next five years, I'll be making sure I fill another gap and kind of make sure I've not left any stone unturned um, with a person I think is the best that's ever done it. Um, while also being like, OK, there could be more down the line here. Five years is a decent chunk of time where more could happen. Um, what's the case for Casas? Longevity, variety. I think maybe he's not an elite tier Lucha Brawler, which is maybe one of my favorite styles of wrestling, but, um, still can throw hands if he needs to. Uh, just might not, not be a bloody affair. Um, gifted technical wrestler can bring these kind of Lucha quote unquote epics, um, to the yeah. table. Um, and he's been doing it for years and years and years. Um, whether it be against an, another all-time rate or someone on the come-up. Um, he can do that equally well and still make the stakes feel huge. He even uh, made uh, Corey Gray's brother look good. Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> um, I mean, though, if that's the case, like, if that's the goal there, then Dean Allmark also deserves um, some consideration to the to the <laughs> top 100 at the very least <laughs> there's people that will make the d case that is for sure 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I probably will be in there with them. Um, <laughs> not your distant future. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, looking forward to 2026. Um, I know some people already, even though things haven't officially launched, uh, have like kind of have their game plan planned out uh, going forward. Um, where are you sitting? Like, what kind of uh, gaps do you feel you need to fill? What kind of people are you most excited to look into? Who are you? Uh, I'm going to throw out a hundred questions and let you go any direction you want. Um, who do you think are going to be like the biggest changes from 2016 uh, towards 2026? Besides Nakamura falling off the list. For me or overall, do you think? <laughs> uh, whatever direction you want to go. Whatever direction. There's an open book here. Go open form it. here. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think one of the things that has definitely come to light is that Greatest wrestler ever has been sort of a mentality I've been taking on rather than, hey, this is a project I'm working on for a definitive period of time. Um, more so like, okay, I want, I'm one of those people that needs like a purpose to what they're doing, whether it be like, I'm going to write a review on it, even if it's just going to go in my Word doc. Um, I need to have this produce something in some way, which is not really probably a good state to be in, but that's who I am as a person. I accept it. There's worse things in the world. Um, so being able to say, okay, if everything I watch can point towards greatest wrestler ever, my understanding of who the best that's ever done it, um, my understanding of the pieces in these individual wrestlers, repertoires, cases, um, putting all the pieces of these individual puzzles, I guess, um, then that's worthwhile. That makes it feel like I'm getting a more complete understanding, um, than I previously was, which is great. And so in 2026, I don't have really a game plan, but more so to keep that energy and keep that, I did philosophy is too strong a word, but mentality, I guess, up. Um, like right now I'm watching 2005 indie wrestling. Um, again, that's not, maybe not like a goal to cover that blind spot but it's something of interest and something that i feel still will help me on this leg of the journey um i've been watching early zero one um i've been watching 80s new japan um i can cycle those things out and still feel like okay just because i'm peeling off one to go to the next one doesn't mean i'm kind of losing progress in the overall picture and that's a positive feeling for me um Overall, um, what's, no, I, I don't uh, what do you look for? What do you mean for uh, for a greatest wrestler ever? I mean, I think it's going to change from kind of wrestler to wrestler. I don't think you, I don't think you should be or could really apply a rubric to individual wrestlers. They all have their own unique cases. They're all going to have kind of similarities, obviously, because professional wrestling. There's not it's not that complicated, um, <laughs> but. I'll look for things like longevity is a huge thing for me, not because like I want to see someone be consistent for a huge long period of time, but more so I want to see someone be consistent and adapt to their own mortality, more or less. I love seeing a wrestler um, at the peak of their athletic abilities um, perform, but also how they 
understand how to adopt when their body isn't exactly doing what they had always planned for it to do. Um, that's something that's always going to be a huge thing in how I view a professional wrestler. Let's talk about that. Because peak versus longevity, um, man, that's that's complicated. Because, I don't know, a lot of people, they don't get longevity um, due to reasons outside of their control. Um, whether it's a forced retirement age in Joshi or you know, injuries or whatever the situation may be, which I guess you could make a case that, um, that it makes it even more special when that happens for longevity. Um, but I, I think I've brought this up early in the podcast, but like, if you have someone who for five years was a nine out of 10 and you have someone for 20 years that was like a seven out of 10, like, I don't know if longevity is enough to uh, consider them better. No, yeah, yeah, I think that comes back to I don't think one size fits all. Yeah, um, it's it's very fluid. I, I think wrestler to wrestler, like I think make the best case for each person you can, and all cases are going to look different. Yeah, I don't think just because you feel a peak of one wrestler raises them up and the longevity of another wrestler raises them up on, on the big board. Um, <laughs> doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. It just means that you're applying kind of their case to them. Um, and what where they fit in wrestling? Um, I don't think it's kind of fair to say, Hey, we, I'm a peak person. That's who I am. So, Anyone that has those four straight years or three straight years of just being lights out, they're going to rise above the folks that might be just really good for a long time. Um, cause that's not even really, rarely is that always, is that going to be how it actually works out? Like you're not, probably not going to have someone that's just nine for three years. You might have them be nine for two years, 10 for a year, five for the next year, nine for the next year. Like, and then sixes for the rest of their career, however long that is. Um, or you have like Akira Hokuto, who's eight for two years, ten for eight years, and then retires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, all you can do is your best to kind of feel to say, okay, here's where my comfort level is with that case. And even if you're like, okay, I don't think this wrestler's case was complete; it wasn't in their control, but that's also not my job or I don't not job, but my kind of responsibility to say, Oh, if they had more time, they would have been even higher. Um, not kind of grading on potential. Yeah. Oh, it's also oh, curious. And I always uh, wonder about this one and how people treat it. Like, um, I'll use, I'll use Bret Hart and Masawa as the two examples. Um, Masawa got once a month as much time as he wanted in a main event against another greatest wrestler ever candidate for years and years and years. 
Bret Hart got like one chance a year <laughs> to have a great match with a limited time and generally versus someone who wasn't near their level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of looks at, is it the, um, like the work that they take or is it the output that is something you kind of look at more? Cause if you're just comparing great matches, Masawa is going to be way ahead of Bret Hart. If you're looking at the work itself, um, I'm pretty confident I put Brett ahead of Masala. So that's always a, a question I'm very curious about. I, I believe that debate was called labeled as um, great match theory, which is something people hate. Uh, it was a beat to death topic of 2016. Um, but uh, I wonder what, what, what you think about that. Awesome, because I'm really excited to introduce random match theory into discussion, which I think this fits into very well. Awesome. Um, Which is, if I have to watch any one match um, from a wrestler, and I don't really get to choose, going to be selected through a roulette here, how likely am I to find something I'm going to enjoy? Which I think is going to benefit your input, folks. Like, Masawa might have a ton of great matches, but at the end of the day, like, if we have taken all of his matches into consideration, like, am I going to want to watch his a random second um, leg of a tour match versus maybe Bret Hart's not going to be a great example for me, but like, a random Raw match with Bret Hart. Um, my gut feeling is that I'm probably going to get more enjoyment out of that random Bret Hart match um, on average than the random Masawa match. I like that idea. Um, that is something to definitely explore um, for 2026. And I, I look forward to having that discussion. I already coined the acronym RMT. We're good to go off the races. <laughs> I've already explored that with influencers in the space. They're, they're excited about it. <laughs> You've judged the, uh, you brought it uh, to the board and, uh, <laughs> pitched it in the meetings. Yep. Got approved. Greenlit. Um, everyone's talking about it. Next big thing. <laughs> big laugh who? Awesome. <laughs> I think that's a good point to go about how we can, um, how you, the listener, can get involved. What do you think, Sam? Or do you have anything else you want to bring up? No, I'm good. Let's do it. Okay. So, for months now, <laughs> maybe a year, uh, people like Sam and others have been going, hey, how are we doing GWE? <laughs> are you doing it? How are you doing it? Where are we doing it? What's going on? Um... I think it's now time to answer those questions. So let, let, let's do this. Uh, so first of all, where? Where is going to be multiple places. Um, last time, Pro Wrestling Only, um, the message board, um, was pretty much the only place it took place. Um, there was a couple podcasts um, afterwards, but they were all PWO-centric and there was some watch parties that happened very late in the party. Um, wow. I just should party twice there. That was silly. Um, but <laughs> pro wrestling only was pretty much 
it. You had to be a part of pro wrestling only to participate. Um, that's not the case anymore. And I think Sam brought up why that's a good thing earlier on. Yeah, I think having more discussions in more places and more openness to things and more avenues to participate is going to just be a huge benefit. Yeah, for sure. But that being said, um, there was a lot of places, um, you know, giving me pitch meetings about wanting to host this thing. Um, and, you know, I, I, I took all the proposals. Um, I weighed the pros and cons and, as the main, uh, man, this is getting silly. Um, as the main kind of like hub where kind of the written stuff and kind of the main source of information, um, that will be pro wrestling only again. Um, the infrastructure is there. Um, and it's, it's just so much easier to kind of continue on as opposed to a full on reboot. Um, so. One place you can participate is um, going to Pro Wrestling Only, um, signing up for the message board, uh, logging in, going to the Greatest Wrestler Ever section, um, and you know, getting your old uh, message board uh, feelings on. That's where the uh, the nominee sections will be, um, and a lot of updates. That's one of the places they will be as well. So. Pro Wrestling Only will be one of the main uh, places to go for 2026. I know three people today when I told them I was recording this podcast, it's like, oh, I just checked my PWL login to see if it still worked. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. I, I love to hear that. Um, so, so log into Pro Wrestling Only. That is one place. But you don't have to log into Pro Wrestling Only. Um, you can just go there to kind of you know, check out who the nominees are and see what discussions are going on. You don't have to discuss there if a message board is not a comfortable place for you to be. Um, maybe you like Twitter. I don't know, Sam, do you like Twitter? I love Twitter. I post too much. <laughs> no, no engagement. Keep on posting. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, if you are like Sam and you like the Twitter machine, um, throw a good old hashtag GW26 on it. Um, that will be another place to have discussions. Um, I know Twitter maybe is not the easiest place to have in-depth discussions, but you can have discussions and that hashtag is, uh, what you should be using. So anyone can just kind of search that hashtag and see what people are saying. So hashtag GW26, which is, uh, the hashtag Sam, uh, came up with that. I, I like that term. I hope it's not being used for anything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely didn't workshop this at all. I just looked up hashtag GWE26. Nothing. No results. We're in the clear. We are? Oh, awesome. That's I don't see a tweet. Well, beautiful. So hashtag GWE26. Uh, put that at the end of your tweet when you're got yeah, no results at this point. So the first result will be this podcast. Um, <laughs> whenever you're yeah, listening to it. Don't be afraid to just toss a take out there. Light yeah. it on fire, toss it in, walk, just walk away. Yeah. Um, that's what Twitter's for sometimes. You might get a good discussion out of it. But also, like, it might be the place you workshop some things. Just be like, okay, let me just toss this one out, see what happens, see how the vibes are. 
Um, <laughs> I like that. And if you know, if you, um, as Sam said, if you write an article, if you do a podcast and it's GW related, just, just, uh, when you post it on the Twitter, just, uh, throw that hashtag on there. People will be able to find it easy. Also, I'll be able to find it and promote it in another method, which, um, I guess I'll bring up now, um, because this is something that a few people have been uh, pushing for, um, some kind of GW quarterly zine. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get exactly that, but there will be um, a mailing list. Um, you know, you'll go to the link uh, in the description of this podcast. Type in your email. Um, I won't spam it. Um, I will not do anything with it besides send general updates, um, infrequently, like maybe once every couple months, be like, Hey, here's all the podcasts. Um, here's all the articles written. Here's some discussions, um, that kind of stuff. Also updates on when to vote, how to vote. Um, if there is a new avenue that isn't discussed here of how we are going to participate, because who knows, new technology can come up over the next five years. Maybe we're all doing virtual reality at that point, and that's something we can use. So um, those kind of updates will be sent there. So so just uh, type in your lovely email into the, uh, the Google form, uh, and you'll be added to the uh, mailing list for GWE. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and if I have no say here, but at the same time, like if people just want to start things, feel free. This is not yes. like you are facilitating running, but also like, like I said kind of earlier, like GWE is not like a project necessarily. It is yes. something that people can tackle from a variety of different angles, from a variety of different places. Um, so do you don't, whatever you like. If you want to do YouTube video do it if you want to i don't know anything you can think of if you want to do a painting for gwe and you just do it and uh let us know and we'll share it and get as many people as possible um to to get eyes on it maybe you like to express who your number one is in painting form yeah as long as you're not starting a competing poll i think like <laughs> people's avenues for what they want to do you're not stepping on people's toes does it go for it let it rip yeah exactly um what else uh a podcast there's gonna be a gwe podcast do you know about the sam i know nothing i didn't know the exact rules until today as I say them right now, you're you're hearing them. For this the is all new information ish. <laughs> I wanted you as a reaction board. Um, so uh, yeah, there will be a GW podcast. Um, it's not going to be like it's going to be every month at this time, and it's not going to be me hosting every time. Hopefully, um, but what it will be is various people um, will be able to go on that podcast and discuss whatever aspect aspect of GW they want to discuss. If they want to make a case for someone, if they want to talk about some type of process or how they feel things are, um, that will be the avenue for it. Uh, so there, there will be a GWE podcast on the uh, PWO podcast network to check out. 
I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. What about watching footage? That's a part of GWE, right? 100%. I would say more than 100%, really, when you think about it. <laughs> it's like 48 and 30. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, um, obviously, watch whatever footage you want, any way you want. Uh, use the hashtag GW26, post it on Pro Wrestling Only, write an article, do whatever you want with it. Um, however, there's a few um, things that might be helpful. Um, there will be a Google Doc um, available. And in that Google Doc, every current nominee will have a section. And anyone who wants to go into that Google Doc can go into there and recommend a match under that person's name. And when that happens, anyone will be able to see it. They'll be able to go in and say, hey, I... Dean Hallmark. That's someone that's mentioned. I've never seen a Dean Hallmark match. Um, you can go into that uh, Google Doc and see if anyone said, hey, watch this Dean Hallmark match. And maybe there's a link. Maybe there's not. But um, there'll at least be some recommendations for you there to find some footage to watch if you're having trouble for suggestions. Perfect. Um, I'm definitely going to be in there. Um Maybe I think maybe just pulling things out for my own my own needs. Yeah, um, hopefully it, it might look a little empty if you go onto it um, as you're listening to this podcast, but uh, um, I'll help fill it up. And anyone who wants to fill it up, just just go for it. If you're a person with like a database um, and links and YouTube stuff, and you're for one of those persons, just go in there and fill that fill that baby up. You know, just make it loaded with recommendations for people to watch. If you just want to go in there and and say, hey, this is my favorite wrestler. Here's, you know, 40 matches to watch by them. You know, go for it. That's fun. Why not? I love it. All right. Um, Will be another tremendous resource. Yeah. uh, For to come. Uh, Discord. Uh, it's something that um, when Daniel was on early in this podcast, we talked about watch parties, uh, and we've been doing that. Uh, me, him, and a group of people have been doing that pretty consistently since uh, early in this uh, pandemic situation. <laughs> um, and that's something that was kind of near the end of GWE. Um, and I thought it was very helpful for ways to watch footage with other people um and there will be a discord um it might not be very much um discussion heavy like pw but um i haven't determined the time yet but there will be a weekly time for at least a couple hours where i will be in the voice chat streaming footage or have a link to like sync to for youtube footage watching footage each week and feel free to join in. Feel free to go on the discord and say, Hey, Wednesday night at nine, I'm free. And I want to watch a ton of Kyoko anyway matches. Anyone who wants to join me, uh, join in, make that post in discord. And then Wednesday night, who knows, you might have a friend to watch some Kyoko anyway with. Just hop in. It's very good. And like, 
you can put yourself on mute if you like you just want to do um text chats you can do that if you're uncomfortable using your voice um discord's a very easy service as uh, we talked about with daniel but i find it's um it's a lot of fun to watch footage with other people as opposed to always by yourself um yeah i i might finally take the plunge to see how that all works for me i've never i've never participated um just because my brain is bad, but um, maybe this is the time to do it. Yeah, or maybe like say Negro Casas is your number one, right? And maybe you you find people aren't discussing Negro Casas so much. You might say, "Hey, this Sunday from two to four, I'm going to be on this Discord and I'm going to be showing Negro Casas footage and I'm going to be explaining how great he is." Please come in and join me so I can I can make my case. Join this clubhouse chat room to discuss narrow process. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um and it's a good way to get through footage. Like I've been going through uh Joshi every Monday night with uh, a block of friends and um as great as the footage is, it's it's great to watch it with other people who are um, enjoying it as well. So another fun thing. Um, so those are the main ways to participate. I would say for now, because we're five years out, who knows what the future may hold. Um, but let's, let's, let's talk about some rules. Sam, what is voting without rules? That's what they keep telling me. Why vote if no rules? Yeah. So, in order to vote, you need to bring a piece of mail that shows your address on it, and you, you need to register, if not ahead of time, but at the uh, point of where you're going to vote. Yeah, so in case you do something truly heinous, we're all, we can dox you. <laughs> that's the plan. Um, that's not true. Um, that is how you vote for an election in my country, at least. I don't know about other places, but let, let's talk about voting here. Anyone can vote. You know, there, there's no going to be no rules about who can or cannot vote. Um, it's going to be a Google form, which, well, who knows? In five years, some maybe some new technologies come around that might be a little more exciting. So, but uh, so maybe that will change. But regardless, um, who can you vote for? I think is kind of and yeah, who you can vote for because we talked about criteria a lot. Um, you can vote for anyone who's nominated. That seems simple, right? Um, but who's nominated? So first of all, anyone who was nominated in 2016 is already nominated. There's already a thread there on G- on uh, Pro Wrestling Only. Um, no need to create any new threads. Um, if there's a nomination thread that is open for a candidate, go into that specific thread and start talking about it. There is an index so you can just uh, click on the index. Um, it's in alphabetical. Find the person that you like to talk about. Click on their name and go to their thread and uh, have a discussion there. Um, how much of that did you do in the past, Sam? Or how did you find that process? Um, as far as just going through folks? or yeah, Like the individual threads on people. Um, So I'm going to be honest with you. I was doing just a whole crap of reading at the time. Um, I was doing a lot of lurking. 
Um, but admittedly, like the setup, I think the reason why I was excited this was going to be back on PWL was the setup was really amazing. Um, and how easy it was to kind of, okay, find all of the nominated wrestlers in that index list and click, and then you're immediately brought to their thread where you can discuss them. Um, and some of these threads are just great. And some of these things, threads are bare bones. I look forward to then this next round where these threads will open back up and we will post again. Um, and hopefully bring attention to some of these folks that may have been left behind that first go around, like Eddie Kingston. Did not Jaguar get Yokuda had like five posts and she's yeah. a number one candidate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm hopeful that things like whatever you do to kind of spread this information through this email, that it's also going to highlight maybe some threads that are need a little love. Um, and I think we're equipped now to at least promote those. Um, personally, um, a little bit more than we have in the past as well. Oh yeah. Uh, just, uh, you can just throw that link up on the Twitter with the hashtag and say, Hey, no one's talking about Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's awesome. Go show him some love. Yeah. I think it's the AEW will definitely help that. But yeah. for, for other folks, I think, um, I know one wrestler that always comes up when, um, People are like, how were they not nominated? At least in the circles I run into is uh, Arashima um, from DDT. Um, always seems to be like, oh, we were going to put them on our ballot, but just they have a thread. <laughs> um, so I would implore everyone this go around. Okay, do, do a double check of your – make a quick list. Double check it against what's in there and see if there's anyone that's uh, missing that you think would be interesting discussion. Doesn't even be someone that you're like, hey, I'm heavily considering putting this first on my list. Um, I'd rather there be more threads than less threads. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, and so for 2016, if you were nominated, um, that's about 90% of the effort. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there has to be a post from 2021 forward. Um, if someone has in the next five years, not one person has made a comment on their thread. Um, then uh, you won't be able to vote for them because if you haven't discussed them in five years, not once, then um, they're obviously not someone that anyone cares enough about. Yep. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, but obviously we need to nominate some new people too. Um, you already mentioned one, uh, but there's very many and a lot not only made their cases in the last five five years, but also people that might have been missed in the last time. So just remember, things are based on footage. Um, so if you want to nominate, um, I don't know, Ed Strangler Lewis, um, we have to have some matches uh, <laughs> to watch because I don't know how to judge Ed Strangler Lewis myself. Um, I don't even know if there's footage available for them. Maybe there's like, 30 matches out there I'm aware of and I'm just picking a bad name. Um, is there any Ed Strangler-Lewis footage? Couldn't tell ya. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, we'll assume there isn't uh, for my example. So what do you need? Um, there is a nomination thread or if there isn't, there will be one added. Um, don't start nominating until I'll say May 1st 
give it some time to um, get ramped up a little to talk about former candidates to get the uh, the whole um, board up and running again. Um, but for a candidate, basically just go in the nomination thread, say who your candidate is, write a nice little paragraph about why you think they are a good candidate, and then include at least three matches you would recommend. Um, for two purposes, uh, one, we know there's footage, uh, and two, uh, we can fill out the, uh, the Google doc a little bit more. So, um, if you want to nominate someone, just, just write a little paragraph, you know, recommend three matches, uh, and then, um, I will get to making a new nomination thread, uh, in that and putting them on the index so that people can vote for them. Heck yeah. That seems fair. That works. That works. Um, outside of that, <laughs> this is going to sound weird to say, but the ballots are due WrestleMania bell time of 2026. Um, I'll say night two. I don't know if, or night one, depending if there's one or two nights. If it's, uh, if they change their format, we'll, uh, we'll discuss it at that point, <laughs> but just get your ballots in before then. <laughs> so you have lots of time, um, uh, to, to kind of go over this. Um, and to have the discussions. Um, I guess one thing to consider that I didn't think about until now is if you're not participating on PWO and you have a nominee that's not nominated, um, do the same process on Twitter or on the Discord. Um, I'll take that information and add it to uh, Pro Wrestling Only. So, um, yeah, you don't have to post it on Pro Wrestling Only if you don't want to. So <laughs> I'll add that uh, caveat right now. Um, but that's kind of the gist of anything. Is there any main GW processes that uh, uh, we, we feel we're missing out on the discussion here? I can't think of anything, if I'm being honest. I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly. And if you didn't cover it with me, I'm positive you've covered it for me um, with other folks. That's possible. Um, if there isn't, uh, well, join the mailing list. Um, hit me up on Twitter, uh, Stephen Graham TWS. Um, I'll eventually get to responding. Um, I think my DMs are open, so just uh, send me a message. Um, I'll, I'll get there. And if you have any other ideas, um, yeah, message me up. Um, we'll discuss it. Um, hopefully, I can uh, help support you getting that going. Um, but Sam, people can now start GWE. GWE is launched right now. So what's the first thing you're going to do now that GWE is launched? I, I don't know. I'll probably just continue the path that I'm on. Um, but also I'm going to be posting like nobody's business. Um, so I'm going to keep my indie wrestling 2005 watch going but boy am i gonna be posting through it yeah and i look forward to that sam's a sam's a, a good read when he uh does his posts um and get involved there's a lot of good discussions um and you can as we said do that in many different places so i i hope you get involved i hope we get a lot more new voices as sam said there he has a group of people that weren't involved too much last time um new different voices um not just you know the uh 
30 to 40 year old uh, white males. Um, I, I hope we have uh, a little more, um, a little more opinions and voices out there this time. And I really hope for that. Um, Sam, why don't you end the podcast here? Oh, you want me in the podcast? Yeah, go for it. You're, you're a podcast expert. Um, well, Steve, you got any plugs that you would like to give at this point in time? Uh, Shimmer Herstory on the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go listen to that. Stacy, my co-host, is absolutely amazing, and um, I make sure that she gets as much time to uh, say as many words as she needs to, and I know I get excited listening to how she describes wrestling, and I, I hope all the listeners do, too. Awesome. Um, you can follow at WDKWP on the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network on Twitter. All of our shows will show up there. Um, you will see podcasts from Quentin and Tim R. You will see podcasts from myself for We Don't Know Wrestling Society X. Next episode will be um, on episode oh, I, seven. I love have- that company. <laughs> The most efficient televised wrestling product of all time. Um, you have um, Boots and Trunks, which uh, has been getting a lot of love as of late. And then you've got Barbara Tag Boom. Um, another great series. So I think there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and if you haven't listened to Psychology is Dead's top 101 matches of the 2010s, Please go do that. Um, those just absolute maniacs recorded for um, over 15 hours of podcasting. Most of it is great. Most of it is great. <laughs> um, so I would give that a listen if you have it. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, a podcast that was hyped earlier in this podcast, too, which is. Um, Two plugs. They deserve it. Yeah. Double the plugs because that's a lot of work. Um, I know uh, Tim and I we did our GW 100 list and we recorded like eight to 10 hours um, doing that. And um, that was an effort. So uh, to do upping that game is is very impressive. Yeah. I don't think they quite knew what they had gotten themselves into. Um, Also earlier this last month, um, Tim um, had an interview with Ray Isaacs and I, Royce Isaacs. And I think that's, Maybe flew under the radar, but absolutely give that one a listen. Um, sorry, that is the end of my plugging. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it because people should check you out. People should check out anyone that was on this podcast. Um, stuff. They, they were all great guests. Um, the reason I invited all of them and the one person who invited themselves, um, is because they're awesome people. So, uh, check them out. Uh, and, you know, happy discussions, happy engagement um, with uh, GWE, and hopefully it's a really fun uh, five years. And remember, it's for fun. It doesn't need to be serious. It's wrestling. Wrestling's nerdy as shit. Um, but I love it, and I hope you do too. So have a good night, everyone.